Well, blow me down with a feather, everybody, if it isn't episode 61 of the Lookout Sir Warhammer 40,000 podcast. And blow me down with a feather being something of a colloquial turn of phrase for us here in the United Kingdom. And on the topic of people with, you know, somewhat out-of-date sayings, I could be talking only about my good buddy Phil. Are you familiar with blow me down with a feather, Phil? Vaguely, yeah. Basically. Is that not a common thing that you've said in your uh, your life as a old timey, you know, chimney sweep or whatever it is you do these days? Uh, no, funny enough, I don't no. think I've ever ever used it. No matter what job I have, chimney sweep or, or otherwise. Well, there we go. There we go. Is that uh, something that now that you have been made aware of, you might aspire to use in day to day communications? No. Uh, well, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And on the topic of those not involved in day-to-day communications, I can only be talking about Lonely Joe. How's it going, Joe? <laughs> so lonely. <laughs> you thought the uh, you thought you know breaking out on your own, going and living by yourself was going to be great, didn't you? How, I thought it'd be brilliant. Uh, freedom from right, uh, now. Now I live a life without a, a woman's touch. <laughs> so lonely. <laughs> Yeah, no. Oh, it seems like a great idea at first, but then you re- you forget where the washing comes from, don't you? Yeah, now I have to go down to the join the the, the freaks down at the laundrette. <laughs> a lot of do- double denim and 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 crusty eyes going on around there. <laughs> I love the fact that you've got a little local laundrette where you're uh, where you are, mate. It's lovely. The the be- the the one and only good thing about my laundrette is that um, there's three poker stops and a gym. All within range of me sitting in there. Magical. So what you can sort of sit there in that purgatory state, reminding yourself of where you would rather be. Yeah. Does um... master obviously, but I uh, I considered joining Tinder the other day, Ooh. and then remembered what a, a total mine like minefield it is, and the amount of admin that goes on, and the self loathing accompanied by it. You never know, though, Joe. There might be. Is this... Sorry, is this Phil. For, is, is this for Joe Cole's self-improvement podcast? I suppose. I mean, this bit of it is. I mean, you know, this is this is our little moment where we we get real. We talk, we talk about. Well, you said that you you complained in the last one that we hadn't had one about Joe's like past or personal life. So I'm just I'm just I thought, why not? He's putting it out there, man. He's putting it out there. It's what makes this such a special show. Maybe, Joe, maybe a super fan of yours will be listening to this and thinking to themselves how wide a catchment area they need to add to their own personal Tinder profile in order to, you know, attract you as a mate. If it's a lady, yes, that's fine. If it's someone that wants to kill me and wear my skin, not so much. What if it's a lady who wants to kill you and wear your skin? Hmm... I don't know. If it's more of like a species kind of deal, like I'd probably get on board with that. But well, not... the idea of having a baby put in you. Well, she lays eggs inside them, doesn't she? Yeah, that was the species deal, yeah. You're all right yeah. with that, are you? Yeah, because there's the cool stuff that, that happens before that. Oh, I see. I see. Then... So you take, take what you can get. You're not fussy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'd probably draw the line at having eggs laid in me if I could get away yeah. with it. Yeah, but I think they're dead by then, so they're not really... First. What? Oh, is it, does the egg laying happen simultaneous with death? So what's the point of laying eggs in some a living host if they're not alive? 
I think they just uses them as like a like a human human thing in a bib cool bag I suppose is that what it is you get a, like <laughs> you know like you got to keep them warm for a bit like uh, like Han Solo in the old yeah. whatever it was in the carbonite yeah that's like not the carbonite yeah. the, the 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 animal in it it wasn't even Han Solo Han Solo cut it open but Luke went in it yeah you know I thought it's they smelled like bad on the outside Do you remember then yeah the poor tauntaun. Ah, oh, it was a tauntaun. That was the word. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There you go. Anyway, yeah. So this is a Warhammer Forty Thousand podcast uh, done by a bunch of friends who uh, love talking about uh, this fabulous hobby. Uh, what you've been doing lately, Phil? Hobby wise, you uh, have much going on since you got back from Gibraltar? Uh, well, not not a huge amount. Zero forty k. Instead, I've been making a Mordheim warband. I, I beg your pardon. A Mordheim warband. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know the old game Mordheim. Has Joe been on at you about Mordheim Warbat? Well, t- to be fair, he just had to casually mention the word, and I was like, "Yes, I'm doing that." But you know, Joe's already given up on Mordheim. I, I don't care. I don't need anyone to want to do Mordheim. I could happily do. I it. think you need a second person to want to do Mordheim. So Not you really. You, you need a second person to do it, but you don't need a second person to want to do it. That's like my personal life. <laughs> <laughs> the mind is willing, but the flesh is weak. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no. Yeah. So I'm I'm just doing that as a little project, converting up a few uh, a few bits of pieces that I already had. Uh, just to do what I've done, and just use uh, a Warcry Warband. Well, I've done all the work for you, then. Well, that's just cheating. You can't do that. This is yet another one of those sort of film projects that we'll start to see these lovely little, you know, beautifully made single miniatures, like it's Kill Team, that we'll never well, ever yeah. see. So, so I've taken... Hold on, let me get a name. So I've taken uh, uh, Ephrael Stern. Oh, yeah, old Ephrael Stern. Oh, yeah. The the lady... Um, uh, the, the Sisters lady. of Battle special character. She's sort of like, look, sort of like semi flying in the air, doing a bit of a landing pose. Oh so yeah, you got t- that one. T- uh, yeah, I got her. I'm turning her into my vampire uh, leader. Okay. More warbands. Uh, so I'm converting her up. I've got some arms from the, uh, you know, the Forge World Sisters of Silence uh, special character. Oh the yeah. Heresy one. So weirdly, I can't remember when. So I, you I, got I, loads I got... of arms for that one character. Well, no, no. What happened is um, some guy was sending me a, a random bit, a bit of something. I can't even remember what it was now. I think it was like a female head mm. or something. And he just included the arms uh, from that um, special character. How strange! Um, so, I, uh, but I was like, these are the perfect scaled um, arms because if you if you think about the character itself, so she's got full plate armor on, but her arms are kind of like a robe and gloves uh, whereas the uh, Sisters of Silence model is wearing full plate arms so if I do an arm swap then she looks a bit more like she's wearing heavy armour and then then I've got a suitably uh, vampire-esque helmet that I got from one of the Nighthaunt models that I'm going to attach to her head somehow uh, and then I'm currently like just rejigging some of the armor as well because obviously the Sisters of Silent, uh, Sisters of Battle characters uh, wearing like a corset thing, so I've obviously got to trim all of that back so it looks more like regular plate plate armor. Mm. 
so so yes it will be a project that will last me several weeks to do one model but i'll be pretty happy with how it looks once it's done there you go what a single miniature it will be well exactly and then like your 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 lovely old uh death guard kill team of old it will never ever get painted or be spoken about again Quite like well, no, do you know? I, I I am planning on revisiting uh, that that war band at some point. Their kill team. I mean, it's incredibly likely. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe there'll be a new version of kill team that we can buy all the stuff and rules for and never play. Yeah. In the, well, the, the other option is to I can I can technically use that uh, kill team in Necromunda because they've got rules for chaos cultists uh, or chaos cults, yeah. so I can always. They, do, uh, they, do that. Luckily, they still support Necromunda, whereas they don't support Kill Team in any way at all anymore. It's a self-contained little game that will never be updated ever again. Yeah. Outside of White Dwarf articles, bizarrely, it's still in White Dwarf as an article, isn't it? Yeah, pretty pretty much every White Dwarf, they tend to have something to do with uh, Kill Team, uh, Adeptus Titanicus, uh, was it Warhammer Underworlds, uh, all the sort of little specialist game stuff. They tend to always do stuff. I don't think in the latest one, because I got that this week, there's anything in that one. But I could could be wrong. Could be the new Aeronautica plane thing they've done. A new big plane. The biggest plane in Aeronautica it's... history. Yeah, that may one day wind up being made by Forgeworld. Who knows? Well, I mean, it technically already is being made by Forgeworld, isn't it? It's a specialist game. Well, yeah, technically, but I mean in 40k scale. Is, oh, I see what you mean. They're going to make it as an actual massive, massive orc bomber thing for the actual game. Yeah, why not? Like they've, they've got the they've got the the plans for it, so to speak. Well, indeed, they'll probably sell more of its massive Forge World scale variant than they're going to sell of the actual ones for the game of uh, Aeronautica. Uh, not quite likely. As long as it's got a stratagem that force explodes it and kills loads of people, they're they unhappy. They don't know. Oh, what in the the, the big one? So yeah, every, yeah, everything under this model is just dead. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. Um, I haven't had any real particular hobby highlights. I mean, I played a bunch of games. That was good. Um, working on uh, some elder stuff for uh, our upcoming encounter with the guys at Rapid Fire Wargaming. Assuming that that actually happens. Obviously, the world being what it is, but uh, we have you know made. Uh, made remarks towards the guys at Rapid Fire Wargaming to uh, gather on the field of battle. Um, so there's a potential that we're going to be doing a all-v-all, so all of the Lookout Sir crew versus uh, three members of the Rapid Fire Wargaming crew uh, in somewhere. I can't remember where exactly. I won't go into the details because things can change. And we'll, you know, it is what it is. But point is, is we might be getting together, uh, the six of us, and uh, playing some 40k against each other and seeing who is the bestest. Um, the remit was that we didn't want to go too try-hardy with it, but obviously we were, we're not looking to tickle each other either, so I've gone with uh, Craftworld Elder because they're not necessarily super, super, super top tier at the moment, um, but I feel very comfortable playing them. Uh, Phil's obviously going to do Krieg, right, Phil? Phil's just going to disappear. Yeah, no. there well, that's the... Yeah, I mean, if you gave me another 12 months, I'll have my mind tools ready. But until then, it's Creek. Well, if you, did, if, you, if you did your minor tours instead of your more time, it might be a little bit sooner. 
Well, that's true. I mean, I could just paint up a couple of dreadnoughts and, and be done. Because it is smaller points, so it is, yeah, possible. But no, I, I'm sort of enjoying, I always like at least once a year to have a 40k palette cleanser and do something else. There you uh, go. And this year, it's more time. Beautiful stuff. And then, Joe, you're not sure, are you? You're talking about the Krons. Yeah, I, I don't... The problem is, because I have access to so many armies, mm. I'm just like, well, I don't know what to take now. Like, I really... Like, I, I, did, I wanted to take the Drakari, but the problem is, is that it's not an army that transports, like, at all. And, mm. I, have, and I haven't spent, like, the £500 required from like KR to get all the special foams mm. um, and I don't have a million pounds to buy one of those magnetic cases mm. so they spend a lot of their time being transported in a plastic tub with lots and lots of um, toilet roll and um, hopes and dreams basically mm. what, what you can do is get a big piece of Tupperware and then sort of either glue or screw on a sheet of metal to like say the inside of the lid and then you've got yourself an instant magnetic case mm. yeah, but he then needs the to cheap. put magnets on all his bases as well doesn't he yeah well, the problem it does is, require the problem... effort on that part yes yeah because the problem is i'd have to rebase all of my skimmers onto bases that i could actually fit magnets on uh... um so that so that's out of the window so the other options are. I can only add, lead you to water. I can't make you drink it. What if you made the the water and did all the work, and then you just gave it to me and squeezed it into your mouth? And yeah. You it up. He used a yeah. shock attack gun to uh, use the you know tear a hole in reality and place it in your stomach. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So the yeah. other the other option was Admech. But that's not a very fun game because I go, I sit here, I shoot you with 190 shots, and they do mortal wounds to you, and you're dead. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Admech are the way to go. I, I think Krons uh, or um, or GSC or Drakari are the way to go. Yeah, I could take Jeans to the Cult because that's a fully painted army. I don't have to do anything with. Mm. But the problem is they are terrible at the moment. They are pretty awful. I think Krons are probably the way to go if you've got some good selections there. I mean, you're going to be limited yeah. in terms of uh, in terms of the stuff that you can bring with that. Um, I can't remember how many points it was. 1,500. 1,500. Yeah, so the the aspiration is is that we're, we want to get free games in, well, you know, free games each in the day. So 1,500 means that we should comfortably be able to play the games in two-hour bursts. Yeah. So that's the that's the intent behind the whole thing, but yeah, it should be good. I mean, as I say, I mean, I, uh, you know, for my side of things, the the Crawford Elder made the most sense because I think they're just a fun force. So I'm just going Ulfway. So my Warlord is Aldred Ulfran. I'm taking an Altark and a Warlock. Uh, I'm taking Banshees. Joe, you thought I was weird for taking Banshees, but there is. Oh, actually, no, I think Banshees is a good shout. Mate, now yeah. the Power Swords have made them Strength Four. They're well good. They're actually pretty reasonable now i think that the change the power swords has really given banshees a kick up the arse um yeah. they, they they're definitely good because before scorpions were strength four but banshees were strength three with power weapons whereas now scorpions are strength four ap dash whereas banshees are strength four ap minus three so it's like yeah it's kind of and the way always to go. strike fast 
first and can't be overwatched. Can't be overwatched, yeah. And they can advance and charge and they can declare charges at 15 inches. Because mm. um, they add plus three to their, to their charge ranges. So yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty tidy for what they are. And they're just a bit of a funny thing to kind of bog people down with. Um, certainly if, if anyone's bringing like Tau or anything like that, they're a bit of a thorn in the side for Tau because obviously they... They are the sort of the vanguard that go running in and then you follow up with some other stuff. Um, I've got the old uh, limited edition Altark miniature from the fourth edition box set that they did for uh, the Craftworld Elder release of fourth edition. So um, I've, I had that thing undercoated from the day I got it, which was the launch of the fourth edition Elder book. And I've never got around to painting it, so so it's actually quite tempting to to sit there and get that all painted up as a as an off wee altark. And uh, yeah, should be should be all right. I mean, again, it's one of those things in it. It's just gonna be it's just gonna be a fun old day of gaming when it comes around, if it comes around. I mean, obviously, glass half full. Hopefully, it will happen. But you know, COVID is very much still a thing. Um, so you never know on that front. But Joe, any hobby highlights from your side of things, or is it all just drudgery for you these days, seeing as all you ever do it's is hobby? Of, yeah, like I'm building a custodies army at the moment uh, for work, whilst painting a sister's army. Um, I've I've finished the Gene Stealer cult, but obviously I found the more units that kind of got missed out that need to be done. Mm. Um, I painted a whole Necron army in three days. That was fun. It looked good for it, though. That's yeah, quite like, an achievement as well. Yeah, like, Necron's one of those armies that, uh, depending on what colour scheme, as long as you don't choose one that's overly complicated, it, they're well quick. Literally, it was two. It was three box sets of Indomitus, basically, mm. but I haven't duplicated the characters. I've only got one of each of the characters mm. I'm using, and spray paint the entire army black, then using an airbrush... Airbrush the entire lot silver, mm-hmm. then airbrush them all fire slayer flesh contrast color. Did you do any um, zeniths with the old silvers, or did you just no, have just it one, one flat no, tone? Just one flat tone, then use the uh, contrast fire slayer flesh one. Okay. But in varying um, um, concentrations of it, in ten- medium medium in that up. Yeah, so like, so some of it went on straight out of the pot. Some of it went down in water. Down. Some of it was like a, um, like th- one third contrast. The other lot was, um, water. The the mixing stuff. Yeah, yeah lamia medium or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So basically, um, some of them are quite rusty looking. Some of them are quite fresh looking still. Stuff like that. And then what took the longest was basically painting all the black bits. So for the Necron Warriors, it was their guns and their their belly tubes, <laughs> as it were. And then the belly tubes and stuff on all the characters and stuff. Um, and then having to, where you put the glow stuff, having to paint it all white first. So on the guns mm. and the eyes and the Necron symbols and stuff. Maybe one of these days, uh, Joe, what we need to do as a team is do one of those 24-hour challenges to see if you can, uh, how, how you can paint like a star collecting box in 24 hours or whatever. Well, what I, I did to speed it up is once I built it all, I sanded it all ah, with the okay. basing. So, um, 
So let that dry. Then spray paint black. So that obviously the base is what sprayed black, mm. and then obviously I did the silvers. And then before I started doing all the the, the hand painting stuff, I just airbrushed the base brown. Mm. So then I could just dry brush it and and put the tufts on it. Yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. Done. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of the time the, when I'm not airbrushing on the majority of color, I do tend to start with the base and then work up the model on top of it because the base is sort the, of an awkward thing, isn't it? Yeah, and with the the glow stuff, I didn't put that. So I paint, I so I painted everything, all the bits where I wanted all the glow to go. Mm. Then painted on um, the hex ray flame, whatever it is, the green ghost paint. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. X-ray, I think it's called Hexray Flame. I put mm. that on first as like a pre-glow, and then I put the glow stuff over it, but not completely. So you had like a very dark glow and then a very highlighted bit of it. And that's what took the longest, basically. Sounds good, though, man. And it looked yeah, good, what... like I say, in terms of the results. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty decent. Yeah, the pro- only problem is it's, it doesn't... Because we went for the rusted kind of dark metal look... Mm. It's really difficult to to pick it out decently in photographs mm. because finding the right find like it either be too dark in the photograph and you can't see the detail and it looks terrible, or you use too much light and it just looks terrible. So this is it's it's one of those armies that you can only ever look at with your actual eyes. <laughs> well, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, if I can try an awkward segue on the topic of people looking at things with their actual eyes, uh, we are now going to gaze through the eyes of one of our listeners who looks upon us favourably. Favourably? I can't talk today. It's all gone to hell. We have been recording for a while now, and I, uh, it's getting towards the uh, the final slog, as it were, guys. So apologies if I'm starting to slur my words. Um, but this is one of our five-star reviews. Woo! Five-star reviews. Everyone loves them. Uh, and this is from... A series of letters and numbers uh, from the Great British Apple Podcast. So this is DMSH2780, whatever the heck that means. Anyone got any, you know, guesses what DM, uh, DMSH2780 means? Not a clue. Not a clue either. Hopefully it's not some kind of binary code word that unlocks some level of, uh, you know, sordid nastiness. Uh, there's always a chance, but uh, we, we hope not. But this five-star review is titled Size Matters. Uh, What I like best about this podcast, presented by Dan and Phil, and increasingly less, uh, although not recently, because actually Joe has uh, done a very good job of being here on a consistent basis now that he is uh, settled into routine again. Uh, But you were referred to here, Joe, as Dick the Birthday Boy, uh, which for those of you who aren't already familiar with this would know that that is a reference to Red Letter Media and or Rich Evans. Um, and if you don't know what Red Letter Media is, we strongly encourage you to go and find out because it is pretty fantastic. Uh, but yeah, what I like best about this podcast, presented by Dan, Phil, and increasingly less Dick the Birthday Boy, is that when they say it's time to wrap up, there is still longer to go than the total runtime of most other 40k podcasts. But it's not it's not quality over quantity, or rather quantity over quality, sorry. But it's not quantity over quality. The content is high quality. No BS super in-depth rambling that lasts two to six, sorry, four to six hours. How I read four as two, I don't know. I really am going mad. Um, Perfect for painting sessions, long drives, or working from home. In these grim, dark days, they are the bat piss shining out golden stream when all around is darkness. Keep it up, lads. There we go. So, 
based on that wonderful review by DMSH2780, please give him your thanks, Joseph Coles. You sh- I think you should do this one. Me? I'm just, yeah. Why do, what, what's, what have it? You, you having a little... You, are you offended by what he said? Call me I, the birthday boy. I am. I'm. I'm increasingly more offended by all these reviews. Everyone's so horrible to me. <laughs> I mean, it's possibly just uh, indicative of the fact that me and Phil have been quite horrible about you on these podcasts while you've not been around. In, I mean, if I would know that, because I'd never listen. Well, that's I only it, know that it? now because you you've said it. We've not been horrible to you, mate. We've just had to acknowledge. You know, we've had to. Hold down the fort. We've had to say to the people why you're not about, and they love you, Joe. They want you know. They want you to be here. This is why you know they, they, they feel hurt by the fact that you weren't around for a little bit over the last so few, few episodes. So they're just they're just lashing out. Yeah, they're throwing they're throwing shade. They're being mean. Um, I just can't take it anymore. But I think this is the thing you <laughs> see. I think they're only being cruel to you, Joe, because in their weird way, they feel like this is the best way to keep you motivated to you know turn up and perform as only you can that's our logic anyway do you not do you not do you not agree joe i just i'm I'm just going to start playing on the xbox during these podcasts and just (laughs) just you're going to start just playing on the xbox he says yeah i thought you'd already been doing that for years no 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 i i've i've painted or done modeling as in model put models together now are you yeah, I just yeah, I just lie. I just doing those photo shoots. Yeah, exactly, he's I'm on the catwalk. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a I'm a life model. Ooh. I just lie on a chaise lounge and do a podcast while people draw Get me naked. Yeah, wonderful. What a time! Um, all right, you're genuinely not going to thank him for this. You're review. doing this one. No, no. Uh, Phil, do you want to do, do the thank you? <laughs> uh, what? Well, uh, no, it's it's your job. To, to do one, I think I think it's your fair share to take a turn thanking them. Well, I, I do all the reading stuff. All oh, right, well, fine. Because no, what because what happens is if uh, J- Joe does it, and then if Joe's not around, I do it. So you know. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Well, look, it's a mutiny. Also, it's it's half twelve. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm about, I'm about I'm I about was... done too. All right, here we go. Thank <laughs> you very much, DMSH two seven eighty. Obviously, Joe has decided to. You know, act out and be all butthurt by your lovely review. But I personally, obviously, really appreciate it. And, you know, the fact that it has angered Joe only makes it better. So thank you very much for that. Continue to listen and to support the show. And if anyone else would like to have their review read out on the Lookout Surf 40k podcast, you know what to do. Just give us one. Simple enough. And we'll get around to it eventually because we have little to no scruples when it comes to this sort of thing. Uh, right. This is what we're going to talk about in the show. It's, Next not one. As bad as, it's not as bad as the Pete Doherty incident. Uh, that's that's unforgivable. That, that has that has lingered with you for a while, it's fair to say. <laughs> it's fair to say. You are doing slightly better than Pete Doherty in real life nowadays, though. I, I hope, I'd i hope so, too. <laughs> Only slightly. <laughs> but it's, it, you know, marginally. Yeah, his, he, he, like, I get to eat warm food, whereas he is <laughs> stuck on gold. That's it. That's it. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, so, in this episode, we're going to talk about the Space Marine Codex, we're going to talk about the Necron Codex, and then we have a rather long segment, which we're calling a top 10, but it's not really, because there's 13 chapters, so it's going to be a top 13. That's it, that's the show, Transitional Noise, let's get on with it. <laughs> Hello everyone, in this part of the show, we're going to talk about Space Marines. Not that we've already not spoken about Space Marines a lot, although, to be fair, with the way this is all shaping up, 
uh, we're probably going to put the Space Marine bit where we do the whole kind of like top 13 slash top 10 Space Marine chapter thing after this. So maybe this will be the first segment or the third segment or the fourth segment, regardless of where it appears. Space Marines, way They've got a new codex I hear. And to discuss the codex with me is none other than the good buddy Phil. I'm here, ready to talk. And, of course, Joe. How's it going, Joe? Obviously, Joe has already decided to leave. He's had too much fun. He's had too much fun. It's all gone wrong already. Has he actually gone? I thought I muted myself, but apparently I hadn't. And then I pressed unmute, which actually then muted myself. Genius. Genius. I know. So you and technology, eh, buddy? Just, just eating grapes like the guy from Lord of the Rings who aggressively eats cherry tomatoes. Oh, yeah. What is all of the, uh, all of the uh, Gondor knights uh, charging off into, uh, into battle to die? Yeah, I would dress my child up like a small hobbit and she can sing to me whilst I aggressively eat grapes. Could she carry a tune quite the same way? No. Oh. No. Oh. <laughs> anyway, right, we're going to talk about Space Marines. Um, the thing is, right, is we don't really have a massive kind of like structure or plan to any of this stuff. We're just going to talk about or our impressions podcast. of the... Oh, sorry, what was that? Or any of our podcasts. Well, exactly, exactly. I mean, why, why, why change the habit of a lifetime? But the point is, is we're going to just talk about our impressions of the book, what we think about it. Um, I've played a game now already with uh, Codex Space Marines, new Codex Space Marines, so I have played at least one game with this Codex. Joe has played, I dare say, a fair few more, uh, and Phil won't have played any, right, Phil? Uh, no, I'm, I'm actually still waiting on my Codex to show up. Oh, seriously? So am I the only one with Codex in hand at this moment in time? Yeah, I've only played one game against the new, the new Space Marines, and I, I still emotionally hurt from it. It's weird, though, you know, because I will actually say this. I think that if you were to take away the supplements, this is a very, very good book. Not only is it strong, but it doesn't feel uh, feel too overpowered. There are some strong options and some strong units and some things that probably need a little bit of tweaking. Um, but for the most part, I actually think they've made a lot of very sensible adjustments that mean if you're taking a normal Space Marine army, and I, and I, I, you know, I obviously, you know, air quoted what I was saying there. But if you take a more, you know, modest normal Space Marine army where you take a few troop squads and a few, you know, bits and pieces, and you take a bit of everything, what you're left with is a fun, balanced, and interesting army. I think the problem is still is where the opportunities come in when it's the optimization route right because i mean i think we can all yeah. pretty much agree that uh Blagar veterans are bananas right Blagar veterans are ridiculous and and like you said we're almost in that seventh edition era where the book the codexes work but the supplements break it mm. well can i can i cast your minds back to a year ago when the last spaceman codex came out um this is the exact same thing we said then we actually said the codex was pretty good. I mean, it was good, like really good, but it wasn't broken. And it was actually mm. the supplements that then took the Space Mean Army into that kind of crazy good territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And I, look, I think my perspective on the old supplements, and again, I can't speak to what Blood Angels, Death Watch and uh, Space Wolves are going to do to this book. 
But I do feel like a lot of the problems that I am witnessing with Space Marines currently still as a aggressively abusive force of, 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 of miniatures is the, the supplements. I think the supplements were born out of that period of time where they were throwing a lot of ideas at the Space Marines. And I think a lot of their stratagems, a lot of their extra special rules and combinations start to add in lots of very difficult moments where the game feels a little bit too weighted in their favour, especially when you start, you know, bringing the really optimised units that utilise those chapter tactics, you know. I mean, if you're taking White Scars and you're bringing Bladeguard Veterans, Outriders, ATVs, all of a sudden it's a very, very strong army. That being said, it seems like probably on balance the, the units that really are shining already for people are the Blagar veterans, but also the Vanguard veterans as well. I think yeah. the Vanguard veterans are also pretty crazy. Va- oh, Vanguard vets are terrifying. I, I played against uh, Raven Guard mm. um, in, in my playtest play when the Codex came out, and my god, terrifying. I had... 30 Vanguard vets, all with Thunderhammer, Storm Shield, and Power Fist and Storm Shield, in my lines turn one. Mm. I, I, I was tabled in in a turn and a half, basically, and it was, he, he came in, killed half my army, I had a go, he killed all the units I was still in combat with, and then his movement phase, in the second turn, tabled the rest of my army. Yeah. And, and I, mean- I was like, this is fun. But I think the reason why that's as good as it is is because of the supplements, right? Because if he didn't have yeah, that the supplement... Yeah, su- the supplements... So having having the Raven Guard supplements where he can pre-move loads of units and um, have loads of his units basically redeploy at the start of the game and then like, like the whole army was just in my lines before mm. I could do anything. If those weren't there, he'd have to use the normal codex kind of shenanigans and actually have to move up, which yeah. meant I would have had a turn at least to kind of shoot him and do some damage. Yeah, because the funny thing is, if you take this codex in isolation, there's not really anything in it that lets you do that, you know? If, no, if... It's like, it's a really good codex. It's actually a really balanced, nice, well-rounded out one. I do think that um, Blade Guard Vets should have stayed at three because... Um, having six of them and then being able to combat squad them is mad because then you end up, if you take three units combat squad them, you've then got six units of three running around and just three of them are devastating. Oh yeah, just one of them's devastating. I mean most times I've ran Blagard Vets since 9th edition and nine times out of ten I always end up with just the sergeant on his own out of my three man squad still tearing it up, you know I mean they are Mad, and that's without any of the madness where you know you've got units of Vanguard Feds or whatever in your opponent's face, turn one, causing all sorts of havoc. And I think because this is the thing when I played my game, I ran Blood Angels, but I used the new Blood Angels FAQ. And the only thing I had from the Blood Angels Index, sorry, uh, was the new um, Death Watch Intercessor squad, so the Assault Intercessor Death Watch squad, and um, death company. Death right? companies. There's so much death, isn't there? Like it's so yeah. difficult to remember which type of space marine death thing you're running. But yes, death company. So I was running the death company 
intercessors which by the way are crazy because you've still got the one cp stratagem to give them feel no pain five plus they're primaris so you can still give them um uh was it transhuman physiology yeah um and on a charge not in the assault doctrine although you can move them into the assault doctrine if you give them all the all, all the doctrines but if 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 they're um in a regular doctrine uh, it's just like, you know, tactical or whatever. They've still got six attacks each on a charge. Good, good. It is honestly crazy. And obviously they're all minus one because of, um, of the chain swords. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely bananas those guys are. But, you know, beyond that, though, I just took what I considered to be a pretty interesting sort of Primaris Blood Angels army, which was one unit of Blagar Vets, two units of Outriders, uh, the new Primaris Chaplain on a bike, um the primaris he's a beast oh he's so good man he's so good but yeah primaris captain and uh, lieutenant from the indomitus box uh three units of regular intercessors a redemptor dreadnought and a repulsor and 10 death company and that was my that was my entire army i think for um 2000 points and i played against richie with his imperial fists uh and i edged out a win against him which i was very very lucky to get um because we, you know, I we 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 had a we had some line of sight blocking terrain, but Richie was still able to rain down a lot of hell on me, and he went first, so it was very, very scary at the start. Where I'm like, oh, I'm going to get shot a lot. Um, but to illustrate how much Imperial fists have been nerfed by their FAQ, though they weren't nearly as terrifying as they were, you know, three weeks ago or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, and that army just felt really sort of interesting balance because they'd gotten rid of all of the Blood Angel nonsense that you used to be able to use. I couldn't make the Death Company move before the game started. I couldn't redeploy a, a, a fly unit. I couldn't uh, add D3 attacks. And I wasn't taking like crazy smash captains or any of that nonsense. I was just taking, you know, normal, predominantly normal Marines from this new Marine ecosystem. And it felt like a really good, but ultimately not ridiculous army. I just think that's the thing with the the indexes, not the indexes, sorry, the supplements. I think, I think if you start looking at Space Marines and still think about the supplements, I think that's where you're going to go potentially a bit too extreme with them. But I also worry, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, and I know I've said this before. I'm also curious to to know how long the old supplements will remain in this edition, as it were. I mean, do you think they've got long left, or do you think they're... I, I, think... Think, I think they're going to be around for a while. Mm. Um, because... Because it saves them time, yeah, ultimately. Because um, you've, you've got the the three new supplements coming, mm. and you've got Death Guard before Christmas, so those indexes are basically going to be useless in a month or two anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you think in the new year people are going to be screaming out for something that's not in power armor. Yeah, that's true. So you're really hoping that you're going to start seeing the Eldars and Tyranids and stuff like that get get their new fresh codexes. I mean, you say that though, Joe. What was uh, what was amongst the first things they showed off when they uh, announced Warhammer t- uh, Day the other day? A chaplain in Terminator <laughs> It's like yay. Well, but but it's not Primaris, so it's a bit different. I tell you what, actually, going off on a slight tangent. Has he got well. rules? I can't remember. I can't remember seeing him in the book. Uh, Chaplain and Terminator armor is in the book, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, bizarrely, though, there's nothing. Oh no, yeah, it says here. So this model's Stormbolter can be replaced with a combi weapon. 
So yeah, yeah, you can you can totally take him as they've armed him because he's got a combi flamer, um, the one they've or is it a combi melter? Either way, he's got a combi something. But what's interesting yeah. about that new chaplain miniature is they look like they've tried to proportion him so as he may actually appear, you know, to scale like he could actually be a person in that suit of armor. Yeah, which is weird because when you look at the other one, the good one, the, the good special, one, yeah. the, the special, the special release one, fifty quid well spent right there. Yeah, he is he is chonky, mm. but he is a lot more imposing. Because like they're, they're like, we need to make a Terminator chaplain. He can't be like the old resin one, and he can't look like the good one. Mm. We'll go somewhere in between. And but they're like, but it's basically the same. Um, but they've kind of got his, his left arm is in the exact same pose as the good one. His right arm holding his crozius is in a right weird position but instead of looking out to where he's firing which would make sense he's just kind of staring off at a random angle and i really hope that he's looking at you judging you he's he's looking at you was firing blindly around a corner well that's not even he's he's got all the sensors he doesn't need to look where he's shooting he's got a a camera on his gun there's no fluidity in that model there's no sense of direction he's just going everywhere but but in defense of that model i actually prefer it oh my god it's it's better proportioned it's got less tat on him like the old ones used to have crazy you know you got those two sort of skulls on the chest and he's he's like like the head of head of the religion have you seen the pope running around in all his garb covered in skulls yeah, but it just seems oversized to the point where it's like that kind of hero scale versus true scale, and yeah, it's yeah. all a bit disproportioned. Where they've toned the new one down a bit, and it actually all looks more correct. It to... does, however, look like they've they've taken the CAD file of the original one and just reposed it and tweaked things. They I'm not. I don't. I don't think that's what they've done because actually, if you look at a lot of the detail. Like, you know, he's got these two sort of pointy chapel style sensors at the top. And you look at them initially and you go, oh, it's just the same, isn't it? And then you look at them a bit closer and you go, no, they're ever so slightly different. <laughs> to the point where they've probably not just copied the old model. I, bet I mean, they they're copied not, quite a lot. It's like when I used to do homework at, um, when I was in college. And we, obviously we didn't have like Google stuff. We had like Encarta. And I just copy stuff off Encarta and then change the word slightly. That's what everyone did, didn't it? I mean, it must have been so obvious to teachers that the sentence structure was almost exactly the same. You just sort of yeah. dumbed it down a little. But anyway, you look, I mean, in terms of the um, yeah, the, the the future prospects and what that means and what it means to the supplements, you know, I'm, I'm, I am annoyed by that because I do think one of the funniest things is about the flavour of the stratagems, the flavour of the rules. Everything in this feels like they've taken every step possible to remove a lot of the janky weird stuff and i think the problem with the old supplements is is they didn't have that much care and attention to detail so you end up in situations where it's still got a lot of the weird exploits that i think they need to do away with so for example there's a warlord trait in here where you can redeploy free units now that is a ultramarine stratagem However, the ultramarine stratagem is after you know who's going first, you can redeploy free units. Now, the ultramarine stipulation is 
is that they have to be on the battlefield. So you're just moving models around on the battlefield. The warlord trait they put in this is is that you can bring units out of uh, reserves and you can put units back into reserves. So you can take three units that are on the battlefield and chuck them into reserves. The only thing with that is, is that means that you still don't know whether you're going first or second. So you could think to yourself, oh, I'm going to put these guys into reserves, then do the roll off. And if I win, I'm going to I'm going to tell my opponent to go first, because that way that way there's less of my army that they can that they can affect. But then they could win the roll and tell you to go first because they've just clocked that you've just put 70 percent of your army in reserves. So they're like, why have I got to worry about you? You know, you just crack on, mate. Um, and, and these are sort of interesting kind of small nuanced differences that make a huge difference. I mean, for example, they changed um, uh, the vehicle stratagem around machine spirits. And now if you've got a machine spirit vehicle for one CP, you can top bracket your machine spirit vehicle. So your repulsor, if it's on one wound for one CP, you can make it shoot and move as if it's at full wounds again, which is amazing, but it's not as good as what it used to be, which was... If it dies, you could have it automatically explode, or you could have it shoot one of its weapons, or all this other well, stuff. Well, no, that's, but is that a like-for-like like stratagem swap? No. Because the rule for Machine Spirit was that you could move and shoot without penalty, right? Well, no, you still, but you still had your ballistic skill. So if you were ballistic skill 5+, you wouldn't suffer the minus one to move and shoot, but you'd still be ballistic skill 5+. Whereas now it's a keyword that gives you a stratagem that top brackets you for the stratagem now okay fair enough it's not a like for like comparison but i'm just talking about the kind of flavor because they've taken away stuff that feels like a gotcha or they've taken away stuff that feels like it's a bit too powerful so there's no when i read all the stratagems i don't go well that's broken or that's broken i go that's good but i don't think it's broken you know what i mean yeah, like, and they're, they're more so the new stratagems are because before, the old ones were like, oh, anyone can do anything. Yeah. Now the new ones have aimed very specifically at specific units. So then what you're doing then is creating play styles with those units. Mm. Um, uh, therefore, you're like, oh, if you do an all-gravis army, then you get this stratagem. But you don't get access to the fight-twice stratagem. That's available only to the assault interceptors, which will be more comfortable in... An assault army yeah. kind of thing. So all these stratagems then become fitted to very specific play style. Mm. But it means that if you go hardcore on assault, someone like White Scars, who aren't going to be taking Gravis, they're kind of cutting out half of the book. Mm. So by running a bit of everything, you have access to everything. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it might be a case that that will actually start to shape army like space marine armies to be more generic looking yeah and i think but i think it's clever i think genuinely like i mean this is a insane tome as a book it, it's crazy it's got so many units so many rules so many things in it yet bizarrely they've kind of managed to thread this narrative through it now where you feel like you can do anything with space marines which is an amazing place for the for the collection to be but at the same time, the stuff you are doing doesn't quite feel like the 2019 Codex where 
they could do everything and they do it better than everybody else. I mean, they do do it very well and they arguably do do it better than a lot of people. But I, I think it's just coming down from the 2019 Marine Codex into something that that doesn't feel like it's going to hurt the long-term enjoyment that people are going to have with this game. Because I think the point we often come back to is not about the tournament play. We talk about, and we have talked about, and we talked about it a couple episodes ago when we were reviewing the rules that had leaked out about heavy intercessors and things before we knew all the details. Now, I think if you and a mate are playing on a regular basis and your mate has a normal Space Marine army and you have a normal Necron army, for example, to use the, the other you know newest codex as an example i actually think going by both those sets of rules you're going to have fun balanced interesting games Th- these books yeah. are good i think they're very good actually yeah. i mean and the, point, and the points changes are quite fair although i do think that the um the heavy intercessors are massively undercosted i agree i think heavy intercessors are undercosted i think centurions are way overcosted like yeah, they now they've taken away all their but it was kind of like when they changed smite and like all the psychers got like they they tried to fix the problem by making all the psychers really expensive. Mm. But it didn't matter because smite was really good and people still took them. And then they changed smite so that obviously it got harder to do kind of thing. Yeah. But they didn't reduce the cost of the stuff. Yeah. They just left it expensive and then you never saw them again. Yeah. And that's kind of what's happened to centurions. They made them expensive because they were too good. Yeah. And now they've changed the rules but left them expensive. It's like they've hit them with like three different nerfs, though, right? They've 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 yeah. they've, they've they've made them more expensive. That that's like nerf number one. They've yeah. excluded them from uh, bolted discipline or whatever it's called. Bolted the thing that made meant that their bolt guns were yeah, better. Bolted discipline. Yeah, yeah. bolted discipline. Um, and uh, they took away their ability for rerolls because they're not core. And it's like, wow, you have literally done the triple header it's like any one of those things in isolation would have probably been enough maybe not necessarily the 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 not making them core in isolation but if you had gone they're not core and they don't get bolter drill but they're still the same points as they were before fair enough but like that is that is a lot of nerfs coming their way i mean i don't think well, they... i suppose they kind of want they're like they're like they want to sell other space marine kits and the centurions <laughs> are still good yeah, like what's the point in selling heavy intercessors kind of thing, yeah. or not or um, aggressors? Like, who's going to buy those things when you can still run uh, centurions? Indeed, no, it's a, it's a really interesting point. To be fair, I think as well there's some really cool little weird tweaks and things when you actually read through the book and you notice. I know this came up in a conversation with you and me, Joe, where we were going through the top 10 segment but you were talking about how Victrix Honor Guard have that cool ability and I was like yeah but so do command squads and you were like do they? And it's like oh um, so like little weird things that you don't even notice like company veterans now have bodyguard like Victrix Honor Guard and things like that and those yeah. weird little nuances that you can start to sprinkle in because if you've got like a character that you really like you could just go cool and I'll take two veterans um, and uh, you know a company veteran sergeant and a single veteran They'll cost me about 40 points to field. But that gives my character, like, you know, four extra wounds that you've got to chew through before yeah. you start getting to him. Um, and all these other little tricks in there that are, like, really, really clever. And, you know, the way they, you know, teleport homers works. The way that, um, 
you know, mm. the weapons kind of work in different places. And, you know, I, th- I think what they've done with this is they've made all the different options interesting. And I think I think that's the best thing about this book is that all of a sudden there's so many more options, you know. And I've I've seen a lot of people talk about the big losers. People have talked about how scouts are a massive loser. I kind of have to agree, unfortunately, but... Well, same... but I think there's also a thematic reason behind that as well. Why? Because uh, they've stopped they're, making scouts. They're not, they're not making old space marines anymore, really. Mm. They're just hammering out Primaris marines as quickly as they can. So what is so... the law of Primaris marines? So they're not, they're not doing scout training, they just get combat doctrines sort of bred into them or something. Yeah, so it's all like... Um, it's all... Psychic, like, yeah, psychic, you, you, it's you all go been... straight into a, a field, so you either yeah. become like an intercessor or an inceptor yeah. or an aggressor. Yeah. Like that takes... is your job from day one. It takes half. It takes like a third of the time to train a Primaris Marine, and then with the psycho indoctrination mm. that it does to go through the whole scout training process and getting the black camera face and stuff like that. So it's just it's just not as efficient. It's because, like, at the moment, Space Marines are annihilating and dominating everything in the game. Mm. Literally just ruining every army. (laughs) But in the story, like, the Imperium is literally on its knees crying (laughs) and and is just just literally holding on for dear life. Mm. And the Primaris Marines are obviously helping that and pushing back the demons and stuff. But the galaxy is literally in turmoil mm. and, and it's like the last days of the imperium but that's not so that's like reflects in why these primaris means literally being thrown out but the games workshop haven't done that to reflect the game no that makes sense mate that makes sense another funny little uh, perk that i discovered on the topic of scouts and snipers and things of that nature was is they made eliminators ballista skill 2 plus did you see that i didn't see that no, see, it's these little funny things that when you don't really pay attention to it, like so, I was playing again, playing Richie on Sunday, and he shot at me with the Eliminators and picked up a, a couple twos, and one of them misses, and he was like, "No, they're Ballistical Two Plus." I was like, "Are they?" He was like, "Wow, Jesus!" Like these, all these little stop, things. Stop that... doing drugs, Richie. Exactly. Like, oh, <laughs> calm down, Rich. Why are you took? Oh, he's right. They are Ballistical Two Plus. It's all these things, though, man. It's like it's filled with like loads of. Interesting bit. Is that so they can because they're heavy weapons, right? These are the auto cannon guys. So no, no, no. This is this, this is the um, the sniper oh, guys. The snipers. Yeah. Oh. They've gone to mm, ballistical two plus, which is crazy good, crazy good. And they've still got all the same sort of gear, so they've still got the uh, the, the, the 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 sniper pistol, bolt guns. I imagine, I imagine there are loads of people out there. Who are still running eliminators, hitting on freeze with them because they don't didn't even probably bother looking, right? Oh, that makes the Dark Angel variant well good. Well, indeed. Well, I mean, well, that's it because they get plus one to hit, mate. They don't get reroll ones. Oh, I thought they got reroll ones. If they they used to get reroll ones. Now, if they remain stationary, they get plus one to hit. Hmm. Yeah. So if they remain stationary, they get plus one. And then obviously you take like a captain or whatever. Yeah. Well, imagine you... Raven Guard like. Raven Guard players who actually played the stealth Raven Guard game are happy. Another because, unit as well yeah. that I think is massively underrated that I wanted to give a little shout out for as a potential weird. Is it servitors? No, it's not servitors. It's no, the Scout Bike Squad. 
I actually looked at the Scout Bike Squad and went, hang on a second here. These ain't half bad. <laughs> the old Scout Bike Squad. So they're about uh, 70 points uh, for free, I think. I think they're like, um, hang on, how many points are you, my Scout Biker pals? Scout Bikers. Uh, they're not elite, sorry. No, you're fast attack, obviously. Of course you're fast attack. What else would you be? Uh, fast attack scout bikers are uh, 30 points a model, uh, which is the same as a regular biker. Uh, they've got one less wound than a regular biker, and their uh, save is one le uh, not as good, so they've got a 4 plus save. But they do have the outflank ability natively, so you can just have them turn up, and they've all got Astarte shotguns and twin bolt guns. So when they rock up, they shoot six times each. Um, strength four minus one because they turn up in the tactical doctrine. And I was like, that's a pretty hilarious thing just to throw at your enemy, just as a funny thing to come appear and just shoot you a lot. I know they're not going to necessarily turn too many heads, but I just thought it was fun. I was like, well, actually, that looks like a nice little option. It's not bad. Exactly. But this is the point about why I like this book so much. Everything's becoming, you know... You never would have even, even, even considered the idea of a scout biker before. Whereas now you could probably go, well, actually, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's, there's some flavour to it. Admittedly, there is stuff that you're definitely not going to want to take, like, I don't know, assault squads, for example. I don't think too many people are going to be falling over themselves to get an assault squad anytime right, soon. Not when, not when you can take um, uh, Vanguard vets. Yeah, I think Vanguard but, uh, vets are just too good. Who are good with Vanguard vets and uh, Terminators with uh, lightning claws are big winners? Yeah, because because the, the change to the lightning claws is actually really really good. Because before it was um, you just got you got to re-roll wounds and mm -hmm. if you had a set you got an extra attack. Yeah. Now you get plus one attack for every like for each lightning claw. Mm. So. Assault Terminators on the charge are getting five attacks. Oh, so is it like a weird nuance of the of the of the right of the wording? Because yeah, it's not a pair of lightning claws. So each time a bearer fights, it makes one additional attack with this weapon. Each time the attack is made with this weapon, you can reroll wound rolls. So because you would give them. So yeah. So what do you replace with? Any number of models can have their Thunder Hammer Storm Shield replaced with two lightning claws. Yeah, no, that's totally legit. Then yeah, so they get plus two attacks. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even clock that, mate. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really good. So, and it's also like a really good buff for like chaos at the moment. Well, I mean, uh, God, they take what they can get, right? I mean, they're, yeah, they're which means that, but no, but it also means that like things like uh, warp talons now are really good because they've got two attacks base. But weren't lightning claws minus three before? Uh, no, they're minus two. They've always been minus two. Yeah. I always felt like they were minus three. No, uh, they're minus two because um, I don't know why. Because, but they just were. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But, but... it's it does make like things like warp talons really good. Um, I was looking at the idea that the obviously I'm not going to do it because I don't want to. The, the new book could be coming out, but I was like, oh, just three units of ten um, uh, uh, Black Legion Terminators. Um, all with double lightning claws um, and Abaddon. So the entire lot is re-rolling hits and wounds. <laughs> I mean, that'd be pretty great. That would be yeah. pretty great. I think um, 
It's strange as well that they've not allowed Lightning Claws to give the plus one strength to have them a little bit more in line with um, uh, with the power swords, though, right? I Are suppose you... that they then become too good. Yeah, I suppose so. Because if, if all of a sudden um, you were strength five, you buy one, it's strength five, uh, you get an extra attack, and you'll be rolling to wound, that's a loss of stuff to stack on them because then they'd actually just become really expensive yeah that's true that's true but i mean the terminators overall are such a big winner like they've, yeah. they've just again a very very sensible change it's it's funny actually because i think if you go back a couple of years and listen to our custodies review yeah. i think i distinctly remember i've not listened to our custodies review in ages but i remember at the time saying when things like custodies exist and are the way they are why would you ever take Terminators? Because everything about a Custodes like completely and utterly eclipsed what a Terminator was. It was higher toughness, more wounds, better you know gear for what it was. Whereas now you look at the Terminators, that that increase in wounds is a big change to them for sure. But ultimately, like changing the way Power Fists work, so they're now flat two damage. You know, the points yeah. decreases. Everything that kind of comes along with this squad, they've 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 really they've really come out of their shell. They've become a yeah, very and, different squad. And being flat damage too, mm. you know what you're getting. You're like, oh, if I charge this unit into here, I'm gonna get this many hits, probably this many wounds, and I know that I'm doing exactly two damage with each of those hits. Because mm-hmm. um, because I'm, I'm I'm currently building. Um, Custodies at the moment, mm. and I'm, I'm looking at like how Space Marines are at the moment. I'm like, oh, there's a lot of D3 damage in a Custody army mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I was like, hmm, their blades need to become flat damage too, mm. and then the axes become flat damage free. And then there becomes a real argument: why do I take Custodies when I can take Wardens or the Terminators kind of thing? Mm. I think that's the thing, though, isn't it? I think actually one of the funny things about this book, but also the Necron book, which I guess we'll get onto in a bit. But the the Necron book's quite interesting because when you actually read through it, you start to discover how they've tweaked and changed rules and how they've um, you know done things to basically make it work within this new rule set. And it's very much like what we were talking about when we first you know speculated about Space Marines becoming two wounds, i.e., firstborn Space Marines becoming two wounds. Because actually, in reality, the game is shifting into a scenario where they're spreading out that kind of damage to weaponry. And now you're yeah. kind of looking for damage to guns, much like in uh, the earlier editions of 40k, you were looking for AP minus free or AP free, sorry, guns. Yeah. Um, but so- but the, the, problem, the problem with that, though, as we've discovered, is that everyone's gearing again to kill Space Marines. Mm-hmm. Because so everyone's chucking in damage two, damage three, as much as they can. Mm. But the problem is, is all that damage two guns kill everything else even better. Mm. So I did this. I played against the new Marines with new Necrons, mm. um, and it's the new ne- the Lich Guard are real good. Yeah, yeah, right, real good. Um, but. A unit of plasma interceptors are in, and basically overcharged, killed the entire unit of Lich Guard in one round of shooting. 
tidy tidy. <laughs> just killed the whole lot in one go. I did feel like Lichgard are a bit of a... I mean, they seem good, but then at the same time, you do feel like, I'm not sure... Because the thing is, you want to take them with the staffs, right? You want to take Lichgard with war sides. Yeah, that was it, war sides. I think we're going to see a unit of ten of each mm. in most armies now. But um, Plasma Inceptors are the real winners because <laughs> some genius, and by genius I mean blooming idiot decided to make their plasma gun blast. Yeah. Right? And guess what? What have they done? Sorry? They've given the plasma gun on plasma inceptors blast. But you don't buy them as a pair. You buy them as two. Yeah. So they do D3 shots each become three shots each. Yes. So any unit that has six or more models so, a unit of five goes from putting out, admittedly, 10 D3 shots to a comfortable 15 shots. No, six shots. A comfortable 30 shots, straight away. Like, and you're just like, wow. And you guys laughed at me when I was building my Inceptors. Well, we did back then, Phil. They were terrible back then. They were terrible back then. But now... They're flat. They're, they're one damage. You overcharge them. They're two damage. Is this one of your weird lizard people group that you were getting this uh, these hot insights from? No, clearly uh, there's a fan of of the show. He listened to my plea and was like, "I'm going to do do Dan and Joe." I'm going to break the fil- the game for Phil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> clearly, clearly, that's what it is. Yeah, the Dark Angels have that still have that stratagem at the moment where they get plus one damage to their plasma weapon. Uh, no, no, that's been taken out because obviously the old uh, that that codex has become Thank gone. God, because so, yeah, because then those plasma interceptors are just flat three, and because they're minus three, they just carve through everything in the game. Yeah, they are pretty tasty to be fair. I mean, Phil, yeah. let's have a little bit of an insight from you, mate. I mean, what's your general thoughts on what you're hearing about Space Marines. I know you're obviously very heavily invested in trying to continue to build up this uh, Minotaur force of yours. I mean, yeah, how you how you feeling about it? Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty positive. I'm kind of glad that there's... Um, glad that there's still some good stuff in there. Uh, but it's not also, like, so broken. I'd feel guilty about running stuff. Mm. So... And also, quite often when I was playing with my Space Marines, I was also playing other Space Marines. So hopefully I'll have, weirdly, a slightly easier time of it now. Because obviously when I'm doing my Space Marines, I'm not running the, the top meta stuff anyway. I'm just doing stuff that seems right and fun. Mm. So, yeah, I think there's some cool stuff. I'm really pleased, actually, about the so the new ability to upgrade your uh, captain to a chapter master. And that there's the is it the warlord trait I think or the relic um, maybe it's the relic where you get plus one toughness uh, is it plus one wounds? Uh, I can't necessarily remember if that's a relic or a because um, I remember they like, previewed it on uh, Warhammer Community. Mm. You see, the funny thing is, Phil is like I think it's a relic because it was armor. Could well be, mate. I think one of the mad things about all this book, I have to say, is that there's so much to it. It's so much to consume. I mean, there's so many data sheets and so many things in it. It's it's it's, it's a lot. I mean, you know, I've had this in my possession now for 
four days or whatever it is at the point of recording. And obviously I'd seen the rumours and stuff beforehand, but there's still stuff that I'm missing. Uh, oh yeah, so the armour indomitus. So add one to the wound characteristic of the bearer. The bearer save character is two plus. Oh no, 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 that's not the thing. Is it? Oh, um... it's, it's, yeah, oh, that's it. It's plus one save, plus one toughness, I think. Is that uh... right? Armor in it, there's the shield eternal, which is four plus and vulnerable save. No, this is save. sorry. This is it's the uh, it's the chapter master specific relic. If you oh, so it's specifically it. in the chapter master hero section. Yes, yeah, that's gotcha, right. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, sorry. Um, uh, oh yeah, yeah. So the angel artificer or artificer. That's it. So yeah, if the bearer has a safe uh, a safe characteristic of two plus. Add one to the bearer's wound and toughness characteristics. Yeah, so I like that purely because obviously, so I've got a jump pack captain that I've modelled as uh, an inceptor, oh, or yeah. at least, uh, or as gravis armour. Uh, mm. And now there's more gravis stuff. It makes me go, oh, actually, yeah, it, can, it could have been a bit confusing because he's clearly then... not in gravis. But now I can give him the upgrade to effectively being gravis, mm. even if it's not technically gravis. And then you take him as a salamander and give him two extra wood. Oh, don't start talking about the supplements again, Joe. You're going to start dirtying <laughs> the dirtying the water with your silly supplements again. But yeah, yeah and then true. when he dies, he gets back up. Yeah, that's good yeah. fun. You know, the funny thing is, is if you if you take it, Captain in Gravit's armor, and give him this upgrade, his armor goes from three plus to two plus, and then he becomes toughness six with eight wounds. Well, I've heard people do it with. You can do it with the. Is it Captain on bike? as well oh yeah but the captain on a bike only it would be well i suppose he'd be more mobile because he'd become toughness six seven wounds yeah but then you can't do um transhuman on him that's it that's it you want to do it to the uh you want to do it to the to the sexy old uh gravis captain because then you can still give him a warlord trait right because that's a relic so you could still give him um the feel no pain warlord trait where is that Have they still got that Mm. Um, or you just give him that warlord trait where he can't be wounded on a one, two, or three. Oh yeah, that'd be hilarious. So what? Toughness seven? Or oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, toughness six can't be wounded on better than a four plus by anything that's in excess of strength seven. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's um, that's bonkers. Casually walk up to this knight and poke it in the shins because it can do nothing about it. So, anything else you're particularly excited about, Phil? Um, oh, let's see. Well, obviously, when they first previewed the Indomitus box, the most exciting thing um, I, I saw was the Eliminators. Not Eliminators, Eradicators. Mm. Uh, and they seem to be top dog, super cool winners. So that's <laughs> kind of interesting, kind of cool. Um, I mean, they're I, so I, obvious, aren't they? In so much as, I mean, talking about the idea of balance, the Eradicators do, do somewhat, you know take a, a big steaming poo on top of the idea of this book being balanced because they are they are very good aren't they, they, they uh, I don't understand why they took it away from the aggressors but they're, they're like no no we'll make sure this, this unit can shoot eight motor gunshots a turn that seems fair yeah, yeah I mean I, I, I would have liked it if they had gone all Gravis armour has an ability to shoot twice somehow whether mm. that's they don't move and they can shoot twice and it's got to be at the same target then that's reasonably balanced to an extent because you eliminate you're limit, limiting their movement for example 
Um, obviously, it was a bit broken when you could combo it with the Ultramarines. Oh, they always count as not moving. And they can still do it in Overwatch as well. So they could shoot twice in Overwatch, which seemed bonkers as well. Mm. So I think they could have kept it in there and applied it to all the other Gravis stuff as well. But you've got to really tone it down if, if you're going to do that. So, but like Joe said, it is a bit odd that they've kept it in with these guys, but gotten rid of it. I mean, obviously it got rid of it from aggressors because it just seemed to be too good. Mm. And I wouldn't be surprised if in six months' time when there's like a big FAQ, they go, well, we'll just take it away from these guys as well because they're clearly too good as well. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it is weird though, isn't it? Because these guys... Yeah, they're very, very obviously strong and very underpointed. I mean, you know, you compare these guys to um, Centurions, for example, it's just, yeah, it's bonkers how cheap these guys are for what they do. I think it's 120-ish points or whatever, so like um, 35, 40 points a model for these guys, and they are ridiculous value for that for that price of admission. Um, another thing I just read, by the way, because the Eradicators appear next to the Eliminator Squad. Here's another little weird Eliminator Squad uh, statement that you may not have been aware of. If you take their um, Bolt Carbine... So the Bolt Carbine before used to be that you could use the Bolt Carbine and then you had the ability to move in reaction to being declared as a target for a charge. That yeah, they got rid yeah. of that, didn't they? They've got rid of that now. So actually what it is now is you shoot and then you can make a move. So nice. you can hide away. Well, it's well, yeah, so obviously you can pop up, shoot, and go back down again. Or alternatively, you can not move in the movement phase, shoot at full ballistic skill, then move to a new position for the next shooting phase. Well, it, it almost exactly as if that's what actual snipers would do in the real world. Yeah, exactly. It's quite clever, you know. But I it mean... also, being Blizzard skilled too, actually now it makes sense because it means that they can move and shoot and still hit on threes. Mm. Whereas before they would have been hitting on fours. Well, yeah. I mean, to an extent, that's not realistic because if you are a sniper, you do need to be standing still. Yeah, but, but this it... is 40k, Phil. I don't think realism's ever been taken into account at all. But the ballistic skill, the ballistic skill of two plus, does also add new opportunities to the viability of the Laz cannon variant of them, the Laz fuselage thing. Yeah. Although, again, range thirty six, heavy one, strength eight, minus three, flat free damage doesn't really massively stack up when you compare it to things like eradicators, for example. I know, <laughs> but. If you want the perfect anti-marine unit... Oh, yeah, God, yeah, you're not wrong, are you? They're going to be ruining um, those heavy intercessors. And the eliminators and the eradicators and things like that, yeah. yeah. And I suppose here's the one really funny thing with them. You could, you could scatter a few of them around the table because you can take these guys in units of... You can only take these guys in units of three, so you can only have three of them. But you can scan around the table, and they can still all-spec scan, can't they? Yeah. So when, um, admittedly, the range of all-spec scan is a bit wibbly, but if someone was going to run those eradicator outflanking manoeuvres on you, um, you could cause them a little bit of a headache. Yeah, you go pop, pop, pop. Exactly, because eradicators love outflanking. That's 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 what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a really good 
it's a really good idea. Just take take three units of three with the with the the last fusils and just wait for those eradicators to turn up. <laughs> well, Assuming they... we, um... oh, no, no, sorry, Phil. I was, I was going to change the conversation slightly and say, what do we think about the vehicles? Because um, it sounds like most people are complaining that, for example, the Impulsor has lost its charm because its Invon save is now five up rather than a four up. Uh, and I think it's gone up in points as well. And well, it's good a lot of people saying the Repulsor, for example, is sort of not as viable anymore because it's just so expensive. Uh, oh, I don't know. If, Joe, you were about to make a point. Please, please um, The fact that it's dropped its invulnerable save is good because like you had like combat armies just running into these impulses. Yeah. Um and it just, just made it too good. Just, just bouncing off it. It is just it was too much really. And the fact that them and the repulsors have lost fly is really good as well. Because it was just far too abusive. Yeah, because like, I guess they're meant to really just be hovering just above the ground. And yeah, they're like a simple, around. they're like a simple little transport. They shouldn't be the equivalent of an Eldar vehicle, like the the Wave Serpent and the the um and and just any or like the, the Venom. Falcon, like the <laughs> Falcon, yeah, the Venom. There's no reason. There's no reason that uh. uh Impulsor and a repulsor should be moving in the same kind of way as a venom. Yeah, I mean, and I, I look, I echo a lot of that sentiment. I think the changes to the repulsors and the changes to the impulsors and all the tanks are a much fairer representation of what these things are on the battlefield. And I think it's a much better rule set for them. I think before it didn't really make any sense that they behaved the way they were the way they behaved. And I think as well. And, and I think this is one of the funny things, isn't it? Because I think one of the big issues with 8th edition is is that we were, especially Marine players across the span of the last year, were fed on a diet of, you know, nothing but steak, as it were. Mm. Everything was great. Nothing was bad. Everything they, you know, they didn't have to worry about consequences. They didn't have to make any tactical decisions. They just took armies and they worked because all the rules were in their favour. Now they're in a position where... They've actually got to make some tactical decisions and actually create some, some you know, some balance to their forces. And I think this is a really good sign because all of a sudden there are reasons to take repulses. I think repulses <clears throat> are still very, very good. I just think the thing is with it is that it's not as obvious now. You have to work at it. If you want to be the best player and play the army well, it's more about how you behave as a general than it is about how busted your army is. Um, and I think a lot of people in the tournament scene who have performed well across the span of the last couple of years may st- find themselves struggling more because because all of a sudden these armies that they just plugged, and pl- plugged in and played are starting to potentially require a little bit more nuance from them. But maybe I'm being a bit too sort of optimistic at this point and, and maybe I'm jumping ahead, but... Yeah, I, I think these are all the right decisions. I think a repulsor should be expensive. It's a big tank. It's mm, yeah. covered in guns. It and it also should, be, should be, and because be, it had. Oh, Gonjo. I was say because it had fly as well. meant it could start the game on top of the world's highest building. Mm. Um, and then just go and sit on top of all the other buildings, and people just couldn't really interact with it. 
mm. because it was just yeah. just obnoxiously floating around all over the place when it shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. And, and hasn't the repulsor executioner lost its double shoot ability? Yes. Yes. Which did I... they up? Did they up the number of shots on the the heavy laser destroyer though? Uh, heavy la- laser destroyer is heavy laser destroyer is heavy too. Strength twelve minus forty three plus three damage, so minimum three damage. Mm-hmm. Well, minimum oh, yeah, four that, damage. That's sorry, a bit that they changed. Yeah. Honestly, though, again, these all seem like sensible decisions to me. I think the problem is, is that we are at a point where we can't see the full spectrum of the game yet because we don't know what all is happening to a lot of these other codexes, and I think that's where the issue lies. Is that actually, as time goes along, maybe GW will universally make lots of sensible nerfs to really stupid stuff um, because I think the double stu- shooting stuff is stupid I never really understood mm-hmm. why they felt like that was a mechanic that they needed to, 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 to massively lean on because by the you know there was so much stuff double shooting in the game you've got your fire prisms and your um, uh, and your obviously all your imperial guard stuff I think you yeah. know. It's, I think that's the right decision. Get rid of it. I don't think. Well, it's good. well it started. It started off with the Lehman Ruffs, pretty much, and it's and it made sense because the number of shots was a D six, so you're always yeah, yeah. likely to roll really badly with one shot, one D six. So making it two D six gave it a sort of reliable average uh, at the sacrifice of not having to use your full movement. But maybe they 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 even get rid of that and they go, okay, it's a you know flat five shots but you can move as much I reckon, as you sort of thing. I reckon it will stay D six because it's I, I think it will for that as well. And um I think it's it, it sort of make it sort of thematically made sense and, and fitted them really well because it was the first time anyone had seen that grinding advance ability. But then as Dan was saying, they just sort of bolted it onto everything. They gave it to the elder uh gun platforms and then they've given it to the Space Marines so it'd be interesting. And then they were giving it to infantry. So I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, again, they got rid of it from a bunch of people. They've only given it to um, the eradicators. But the way they've given it to the eradicators is, is everything in the unit has to be shooting at the same target. Which, by the way, creates a bizarre little funny rules interaction. Because the way the total obliteration rule reads, in your shooting phase, each time this unit is selected to shoot, if it has not advanced this turn, it can unleash total obliteration. It does select one enemy unit. Models in this unit can shoot twice this phase, but they can only make attacks that target that enemy unit, and only if that enemy unit is eligible target for those attacks. So bizarrely, if you ended up in a situation where um, the unit you're targeting is only in range of two out of three models, you can't actually use this ability. Well, no, you no? do. Um, is it a squad ability or a unit, a model by model ability? It's, it, it, it's a squad ability. Yeah. So the, again, I'll read it. I'll read it one more time. In your shooting phase, each time this unit is selected to shoot, if it has not advanced this turn, it can unleash total obliteration. If it does, select one enemy unit. Models in this unit can shoot twice this phase but they can only make attacks against that target enemy unit. And only if that if uh, that unit is eligible target for those attacks. So it's one of those things where, again... Well, I, one... I, th- I think it's fine, because it says you can. doesn't mean you have to have all your models do, do that ability. Okay. 
You know, so the second time I read it, I actually I sort of side with you again on that one. That was just a momentary weirdness. Basically, yeah. No, that seems more sensible. Sorry, everyone. I had a moment moment of madness there. It's all right. It's just a senior it's, citizens moment. For exactly. These things happen from time to time, right? Sometimes you sometimes you read things wrong. I was like, oh, hang on. Oh no, that doesn't actually mean that. Whoops. But there you go. So if anyone had read it the way I read it, not that you're ever going to find yourself in a situation where one dude is out of range, but if you had, hey, there you go. You're in the right. Don't worry about it. As in, anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Anyway, right, look, we're coming to the end of this segment. Can we get some final thoughts uh, on the Space Marine Codex and what we think it represents for the future of 40k 9th edition? Start with you, Phil. Final thoughts. Um, I'm going to say very positive. Um, the fact that it's more weirdly more of a nerf than a, a buff for Space Marines, I think, is a good thing because everyone was a bit fed up last year when the last uh, Codex came out. So I think it will be an interesting theme if it carries on for the rest of the codexes. I think they, they've given units lots of flavour. The stratagems all seem to be really solid and do stuff. Uh, but it's all very toned down. Um, so it should be fun to play and fun to play against. Uh, so if they do that with everything else, then we're on to a winner. Indeed. Joe, where where's your head at on this one? I I actually quite like them. I think they're 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 really good new space marines. Like, but but like, but not obnoxious. Like, I think obviously depending on what supplement they're using. Well, um, <laughs> if they put their models down on the other side of the table, you're like, oh, you're not going to be just be like, oh, another space marine player. Oh, I'm just going to get tabled because they're ridiculously OP. Now it's like, oh. Might actually have a bit of a chance because they've got less models and they're not putting out as many bullets. I mean, but truth be told, man, I mean, if you're playing a game with your mates, you can probably have a gentleman's agreement that you just don't use those old supplements for anything other than the character stat lines and points and things. Like, I think, honestly, you could just be like, well, I want to take Calgar, so that's how much Calgar costs and da 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 da. But it doesn't mean you need to use the supplement because I actually think using the supplements, as I've said many times over, sort of breaks it a bit. So, but I mean, again, that's for friendly games. Obviously, for competitive games, stick to your supplements as long as you've got access to them. But um, I think it's going to be interesting when we see what the Blood Angels or the Space Wolves or the Death Watch bring to the table. That's where we're really going to know what the what the future competitive element is for these guys, right? Yeah, hopefully they'll be toned down a bit, which will then show us the future they're kind of um going more down like the eldar route in terms of like this one character buffs this one unit mm. now instead of everyone getting buffs which i quite like yeah. yeah 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 and i mean for what it's worth on my side of things this is a great book it, it it's it's got its it's got its problems i mean there's plenty of people on the internet who will tell you they could have done with a bit more of a proofread um it's got a few words and Bits and, pe- uh, bits and pieces out of place, but you know what? It's 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 really renewed my faith in this edition of Warhammer 40,000. I, at the beginning of 9th edition, was a bit concerned about what they were doing with Marines and concerned about what the future of the game was going to look like. But this has already started to show me that there's some exciting times ahead and that they're actually doing things in a way that are much more much more creative but also much more interesting so 
Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it in a way because, you know, I, I love to hate things. Um, I don't really. But the point is, is, yeah, I, I genuinely really like it. And I think if you're considering adding Space Marines to your collection or you're thinking about, you know, actually playing Space Marines properly for whatever reason for the first time ever, I think this is a great time to jump in. The range is incredible. The miniatures are obviously incredible and, and the rules are amazing. Um my final, final statement on it is, is obviously, typically when we do these type of reviews, or th obviously this isn't typical to our typical sort of review, normally when we do a proper review, we go through in absurd detail and read every rule and talk about them in detail. Obviously, with a tome the size of Space Marines, mm. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to do it. Yeah, it's actually, they're, they're, They've actually changed the size of codexes as well. Oh, what, you mean the actual physical size, yeah. The physical size. So the, the Space Marine Codex is actually a third bigger than the Necron one. But also, both of them, they've actually increased the overall no, square footage. I don't know. The square sp footage works. Yeah, like it's the like, dimensions. The dimensions, yeah, because when you put them on a shelf next to other codexes, they're considerably bigger in multiple directions. Yeah. They are, is it how does it compare with the core rule book? Is it the same size as that? Oh, that's a question. I haven't actually put the two side by side. I haven't looked at my core rule book since I got it because I got it and then it turns out it's entirely redundant. <laughs> but because well, um, you don't play Crusade, that is true. It's because I don't play Crusade. Do you play Crusade yet, Phil? Uh, well, I, I was going to bring this up during the podcast. But, I was going to but say, that's what this is, Phil. I mean, what, well, what, 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 well, exactly. So now, now is the time, or never, I was going to try and make you and Joe, maybe Richard, do a pact, because I know you're desperate for us to come around and play some 40k. I am. And I was going to be like, I'll do it any time you want. But it's got to be with painted models, which we probably will normally do anyway. Uh, but also it's got to be Crusade, to, to make you play some Crusade. <laughs> Well, let's have a let's let's chat about that in the intro recording. No, come thing. on, come on. Oh, okay. We're that's a, that's good right. intro filler. That that is right there. We can talk about this in the intro filler, and it'll be really weird for anyone listening to this bit because we will have already spoken about it in the chronological. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Let's save it for the outro. Yeah, either way, whichever one, whichever one, it will happen in one order. All right, all right. Well, that's enough of this space marine talk. As I said, look, guys. Obviously, those of you who really enjoy our reviews of, of rules and codexes and all that sort of stuff, obviously really appreciate that. But yeah, we, I don't know. I mean, we'll try and get a little bit more detail orientated if we can in the future. But it just depends on, on what the release schedule is like the next couple of uh, weeks and months and what time we have available to really cover it in detail. Because that book is massive. Um so it's going to be a while. Maybe when the supplements start dropping, we'll 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 get a little bit more into the weeds. But um, when when it's a slow news day. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, doesn't look like one of those is coming anytime soon. But um, <laughs> but yeah, when it does, you'll be treated to our in-depth space brief review. But uh, until then, guys, thank you very much for that. We're going to move on now. Transitional noise. Woo! Welcome back again, everyone. Me, Joe, and Phil are still here talking about new codexes. Uh, and given that we've already kind of given you our thoughts and feelings on Space Marines, it's only natural that we then move on to the Crons, the Necrons. 
Um, any initial thoughts and feelings, gents, about the Crons that we want to get into before we sort of dive into it a little more? I really like them. And from a general view, they're a lot better than they were. Um, but they are not incredible. Ooh, controversial. Yeah. Okay. Phil, anything you want to say? Uh, n- not not at this stage. I'm going to hold judgment till I've listened to both you guys. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, can I say from the outset, from my side of things, how lovely it is to have a book where what you're looking at is a concise, sensible army. You know what I mean? Like, actually, a very, very comprehensive, diverse, rain diverse device. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Point is, a broad range of miniatures that, in and of themselves, make up an entire army, as opposed to the Space Marines, which has just become bananas. Like, there's too much stuff in Space Marines that it's almost incomprehensible trying to work out what they've got, what they've got access to. So moving across to the Croms. Yeah. The fact that it's all in one book oh, actually yeah. helps. Is it, like, if you play a Space Marine army now, you need the Codex, a supplement, um, an FAQ supplement, and Forge World rules and other stuff. Luckily, you don't need um, Psychic Awakening anymore. They took that away. They were like, no, no, not I mean- anymore. This is the first proper codex that Games Workshop have put out since the Sisters of Battle. In so much as the first standalone, supplement-free, normal codex since well, Sisters of Battle. Can I ask one thing? Has it got the special character data sheet that was included in the last Psychic Awakening book? Uh, oh, what, uh, Trajan... No, sorry, Aluma Cesaris? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's in it. He's in it, yeah. Oh, okay. Because we speculated at the time, like, is it just going to be reprinted? And if so, why would you buy the last Psychic Awakening book? Oh, mate, well, you've just opened a can of worms there. I think, you know, Psychic Awakening was a great uh, gotcha for the good people at Games Workshop, because, I mean, yeah, so much of the Marine stuff and, you know, obviously now the Cron stuff is all... Pfft, it's just literally like, yeah, this is, this replaces it now immediately. Which is funny, given the fact that the Kron stuff was one of the final books they put out in the Rage. And then it's yeah, like, I mean, it would have made more sense if, if that was the very first book. You'd have got almost like a year out of it before it got replaced. Yeah, but you know, That's I mean, we, we all knew it was coming, right? I mean, we all kind of suspected it was the way it was going to play out. But um, yeah, I mean, I will say from the outset on the topic of the uh, new Chromebook and, and talking about the old HQ choice that they added in Psychic Awakening, the range of characters they now have access to is really, really deep. To think that when this book, or rather the Necrons first, really came into their own and got their first codex in 3rd or maybe 4th edition 40k, the only character choice they had was the humble Necron Lord. The fact now that they've got the breadth of characters they have is an incredible testament to all the work that GW's done over the last 20 years to expand this range, because, yeah, it's night and day in terms of the diversity and what you can actually do with this. Can, can I just have one gripe about Please. both books that really, really bugged me Okay. On a, on a cellular level? Wow, okay, it's gone deep. Right? 
Why have they put all of the stratagems halfway through the book of rules? And not so we've had an entire edition where the stratagems went at the back of the book. They were the last thing in the book, mm-hmm. but obviously before the um, like weapon entries. Mm-hmm. Now they're like lost in this jumble of stuff because it goes. The same for the Marines. It's like rules index, combat patrol, detachment abilities, your dynastic codes or your chapter tactics. Your three, four pages of stratagems, then your arcana or chaplain abilities, librarian stuff, then warlord traits, then relics, and then chapter approved, and then you've got crusade rules, which admittedly no one really cares about. Oh, there it is! Then you're into the data sheets and the army, of which there's a million pages, oh, and so then it goes to the, the data sheets. Yeah, so it's before. Like, I, I, I hate that because obviously you want the data sheet, you want the data sheets to come first because that's when you build your list. Once you've built your list, you want to know what your warlord traits and your abilities are, so those come next. And then you have the stratagems. They're at the back because they're easy to find and better to use whilst you're playing. Mm. Easy to find. Whereas they are not easy to find. So if you need a quick reference to stuff, you're constantly chopping and changing, trying to find stuff. Nightmare. One of the things they did to try and streamline this process is that they've added colour-coordinated like tabs to um, to this. So match play rules are in red, crusade rules are sort of in a pooey brown colour, sort of maybe indicative of the, the game itself. And <laughs> and uh, and all of the all of the other stuff is in Battleforged rules. So Battleforged rules is your dyna- uh, dynastic codes, your ancient dynasties, and then stratagems. But they decided for whatever reason that stratagems oh. are just in Battleforged rules as opposed to being just stratagems. And yeah, again, and that's also, a weird implication. they put all the tabs at the same level. Yeah. So it, so all, you can't be like, oh, it's that colour. I know it's that tab because it's the tab near the bottom of the page. Mm. Not, let's wedge all the tabs together... And when they're all next to each other, they're all a different dark browny blue purple colour. I mean, for the colour blind, this is not very useful, is it? Yeah, and from the outside of the book, do you know what colour it is? (laughs) Grey. Can I also ask, because they put the stratagems in the Battleforged rules, does that mean if I'm playing open play, I can't use stratagems? I guess so. Because that's a very weird statement to make. And also, by the way, I also noticed in all the FAQs and um, indexes and stuff, and you can see it here, they've got colour-coordinated stratagems, or they put names against stratagems. So there's battle tactic stratagems, epic deed stratagems, requisition stratagems. But I don't know what that means. I think some of Nothing, it is like... basically. So, no, like, so the pre-game ones... Where you're giving your like doing the army builder stuff. Uh-huh. I think they're, they're all one, and then, oh, but then yes, the others are sort of a bit more generic buckets of this might be to do with you know m- movement or combat or shooting, for example. But I'm not entirely sure if that's correct, mate. I mean, like I think, ex- next, so the requisition stratagems are all pre-game. 
Are they? Yeah. Okay. Um. Which I guess does at least kind of create that familiarity, I guess. Maybe it's one of those weird, like, languages and, and things that we'll learn over time that will start to go, I'm going to do my requisition stratagems. Cool. I know these all happen pre-game. But I'm not necessarily, and maybe I've just missed it, I've never seen anywhere where they've spelled out that these stratagems mean these things, you know? No, they, they don't really mean anything, to be honest. Yeah. So it was just weird. Trying to be fancy. Because in the FAQs and erratas, they basically, for the FAQs, for the supplements, they've gone, these stratagems are these types of stratagems. And I'm like, cool, what does that mean? Nothing. It's like, oh, okay, well, so why have you done this? No. It's like, fuck. Cool. But anyway. They've color coded them so they're easily grouped together. But then someone was saying that they're. Different colours depending on the different codexes. Phil, me and me and Dan literally just talked about this. No, about... we were talking about the tabs. He's talking about the colour coordination of the yeah of the stratagems. Yeah, green, brown, grey. Yeah, and and that's the thing. The strategic ploy to treat. Uh, oh no, they're all these are all the same shade of grey. They're like that, and then there's war gear stratagems, which are a slightly lighter shade of grey. Dear oh dear. It's all it's all pointless. And anyway, then do these colours coordinations then relate to Oh wait, no, yeah, of course they relate to these stratagems because these stratagems are specific dynasty stratagems. But they are still taken from areas. Fine, whatever. I mean yeah, look, I mean I, I totally understand where you're coming from, Joe. I do agree that the layout is something you've got to get used to. Um But I I don't know. I think it's all a ploy to sell more, more of those. Because um, they've taken away tactical objectives now, but you can still buy the the the, the box of pointless cards. Mm. Well, the box of pointless cards. I bought both boxes of pointless cards as well because you know me. I love a I love a pointless card. Um, they're actually do quite they nicely have, designed. Do they have unit data sheets in there? Because that would actually no. be useful. No, mate, that'd be ridiculous. Well, Maybe. think how big the space mean would be if you got a deck of cards with your data sheet on it. Yeah, if I buy it though. Yeah. Plus, how small the font would have to be. You would, yeah, but there wouldn't be any pictures on it. It would literally just be. I will. I will say this about new codexes though, as well, and specifically the Crons. They have added layers of stuff, haven't they? So now you've got your dynasty. Uh, your sorry, your dynastic codes, which are your army-specific chapter tactic things, right? So you've got your yeah. whatever you are thing. Then you've got your ancient dynasties, which are essentially the customizable chapters, right? Like you make your yeah. own dynasty. Cool, simple enough. Then you've got your stratagems. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Everyone loves a stratagem, even if they are weird, wibbly colours. Then for no reason at all, you've got a nice piece of artwork that sort of breaks up the, the fact that, the, you know, that we're supposed to be talking about rules here. But anyway... Um, and then you've got Cryptek Arca- Arcana. Um, so now you can basically make loads so of... Instead of having one type of Cryptek, there's four different types. Yeah. So it's basically... so, like, Instead of just having, here's a Cryptek, he gives you plus one, you'll get back up. You can have a different style of one mm. that functions similar, but not the same as a chaplain or a librarian. Indeed. Then you've got your warlord's traits, then you've got your dynastic warlord traits, then you've got your relics, and then you've got powers of the Catan, uh, which are like a load of extra things for the Catan. They all, they all do mortal wounds in yeah. various different ways. 
Then you've got chapter approved rules, which is no mercy, no respite, battlefield supremacy, shadow operations, um, ancient machineries. Oh, these are sorry. These are your these are your uh, your secondary things. Crusade rules. No one cares. Um, Ooh. <laughs> sorry, I'm just going to keep banging that drum <laughs> while it's funny. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, they've got lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff is the long and short of it. Um, um, so do you want to, so do you say how how reanimation protocol works? Oh yeah, that's probably the, the best place to start. What does reanimation yeah. protocol do, Joe? So when so instead of doing it at the end of the phase, mm-hmm. like doing it was, what though? What are you even talking about? At the end of the turn, so when what? a unit gets shot and it dies, you basically take account of how many people died in the shooting phase or the or the combat phase. The fight this phase. Does not, the fight phase. This does not include Overwatch or psychic powers or leadership. So models can only come back from being shot or chopped up. I see. Basically. Um, They're not immune to mind bullets then. Yeah, but only being shot from a distance, not whilst they're charging at someone. Oh, I see. There's, very, there's two very different things. They the got caught unawares. Yeah, so, um, so when you get shot, you take your models off, and it's you do it now. Sort of at the end of the phase or end of the turn, you do it immediately after each unit has shot at you. So, say mm-hmm. a unit of intercessor shoots at you, they kill a couple, then you roll your reanimation protocols, then someone else shoots at you, and then you roll it again for the ones that died from that round of shooting. And what do you need to shooting. succeed at reanimating? So. So what happens is, is depending on how many wounds have been lost mm-hmm. or how many models have died, so it's how many models have died from that round of shooting, you at, create a pool of how many wounds there are. So if it's 10 Necron Warriors have died, mm-hmm. they've all got a wound each, you roll 10 dice, and on a 5 plus, that many come back because they've got one wound each. I see. If it was a unit of Lich Guard... And you have a unit of 10, and they killed 7 from this round of shooting. Because they've got 2 wounds, you roll 14 dice. And for every 2 5 pluses, 1 comes back. Because they have 2 wounds, you have to roll 2 5 pluses. But what if I roll 3 5 pluses, Joe? Does 1 and a half come back? No, only 1 comes back, and that 1 that you did roll at 5 plus 4 is lost. Oh, so, this actually, this new rule system for We'll Be Back is brilliant for one-wound models. Mm-hmm. So, Immortals and Necron Warriors are really, really good for it. Everything else, it sucks for and is really <laughs> bad. And because to use your it, example, though, as well, Joe, you said that if I would killed 10 Necron Warriors, you would roll 10 D6, and then for every 5+, plus, a single Necron Warrior would come back. Yeah. But assuming I'd killed 10 Necron Warriors, and that is the size of a Necron Warrior squad, would you still get the roll? No, so if the unit is dead... Ah, so if, if all no the unit goes... Dead, so, but a Necron Warrior unit goes up to 20. Well, yeah, I know, but for the sake so, of argument. I was basically and, just trying to make the point that you forgot to say that if they everything dies... Yeah, they don't and I actually... So, Necron Warriors and Immortals are now your best unit mm-hmm. because they are way more survivable than everything else in your army. That's crazy. Because, yeah, because 
if, for instance, you've got a unit of destroyers, the new, we'll say the new choppy ones, the, uh, uh, what, the um, triarch the score, destroyers, or whatever they're called. The score no, we'll say the score pack ones, which have got three wounds each. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. If you kill two, you roll six dice. So, averagely, you're going to get one back, because you, well, not even averagely, you might look, you might roll two five pluses, and the other four dice go to pot, or five dice go to pot, and then you get no score pack back. Mm. If you're so, the best, or what your opponent can do, and what a smart person is going to do, and what people will learn to do, is you kill one at a time. So you kill one, your opponent rolls three dice, and unless all of those are five pluses, that model is never going to come back. What does the resurrection orb do now? I've forgotten. It's once per so battle. Resu- right? so, so actually, so the resurrection orb, you do. So from reanimation protocols as normal is how many people have been killed per round of shooting. Mm. So for instance, in my example, they kill one score pick. You roll three dice. One probably doesn't come back. Then you get the unit gets shot again. They kill one. You only get to roll those three dice. You don't roll six because it's per everyone. Whereas the resurrection orb allows you to do it in the command phase for everyone that's been lost in that unit. Okay. So out of a unit of 20 Necron Warriors, you've got two left. You roll 18 dice. Oh, wow. Okay. Kind of thing. Or for your score pet destroyers, one's left, four are dead. You roll 16 dice. That's no, not 12 terrible, dice. Got, is they got, it? Yeah, they got, they got three wins. It's 12 dice. So you roll 12 dice and you might get a couple back. There is a relic one, which every Necron player is going to take, called the Orb of Eternity, which basically means you get plus one to your dice roll. Ah, that's so the one you want, right? Yeah, and you can't get any better than fours now. I think that's good, though, right? Because I think yeah. the problem is with the Necrons was it was always really easy to make them this really unkillable blob. And... Yeah, so what... So, old... So... Now there are ways of bringing them back. So, um, some of the cryptics have rights of reanimation. Mm. So they pick a Necron core unit, which has to be a core unit, uh, and then one model comes back. So, model a unit within six, one model comes back with all of its wounds. Mm. If it's a Necron warrior unit, you get D three comeback, um, which is really really good. Which mean and then the um, the ghost arcs do this do a similar thing yeah, yeah. as well so um, and the new the new walkie canoptech um, stridery things mm-hmm. um, in the command phase you pick a unit and that unit gets plus one to all its rolls until the next command phase nice. so there's what so if you've got a unit that's out in the open. Then you put it on that, and then it's getting four pluses. But the issue is now, I think you're just only going to see fifteen man units of Necron warriors knocking about. And fifteen because because if it's ten, that unit's going to be too easily killed because they've only got a four up save. Mm-hmm. One unit of Marines, even at rapid fire range, is probably only going to kill. Eight or nine, but you can bring those eight or nine back real easy on fives or fours if you've got the spindly guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
But so if you've got a big 15 man unit, they're actually going to last a lot longer than you if the Marines spend loads of a whole shooting phase to kill that whole 15, and you've got one left. You're just going to pay two CP auto pass, pass, resorb them all back, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're doing over, if you're going over ten, remember you're subject to the super blast, so you don't necessarily want to do yeah, that. Yeah, but but even if they've got super blast, it's going to be it's going to be. So if it's like a battle cannon, he can only kill twelve, but it still leaves three. Mm, so. So you got to think like, oh, yeah, something will super blast them, as which we're now going to call it. That's Thanks definitely now what it's being called, yeah. Yeah, sure. super blast goes off. It's not going to kill the whole unit. Then you bring back a whole load of them, and then something else has to shoot at them. Whereas if you shoot at a unit of um, the destroyers, where there's five of them, mm. like this, you're never going to get them back. So do you feel in a way, though, with the way that they've got this kind of, you know, durability, that there's an argument that people really should be paying attention to the one wound kind of almost like horde style infantry army that you could build with these guys? Yeah. You think that's their way forwards? I think that's I think you have to play them not what's by not by what's the coolest slicey cutty unit in the in the book. Mm hmm. I think these guys, you have to play them like the fluff. Uh, just a relentless marching phalanx of warriors with one or two cool units. Mm. So, like, I have to say as well, though, I mean, the improvements to the warrior um, rules is, is, is quite noticeable as well. Because I think they were Ballistical 4 Plus before, weren't they, the warriors? No, they were Space Marine stat line. No, I feel like well, I feel like for some weird reason they made them a bit rubbish in the last book. Maybe I'm no, wrong. they were weapon. I think they were weapon skill four plus. But oh, they that were might be the case. Three plus. Um, and the fact everything's leadership ten as well is really strong now in this game because I didn't talk about this when we were talking about the Space Marines, but one of the things that was quite profound about uh, Mind Game against Richie is Space Marines now fail leadership tests, which is quite incredible. Yeah. And also, Necron Warriors re-roll ones for their reanimation. Hmm. Oh yeah, I so, forgot about that, yeah. So these guys are going to be sticking around for a while. Why do you feel like they didn't give... Oh, I suppose obviously because the Immortals aren't, you know, the numerous members of the of the Necron army, but it does feel like a little bit of a, 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 a sort of an admission not, not having the Immortals have something sort of similar. Like, I don't know now, when I look at the troop section of the Necrons, I don't know what the argument is for the Immortals anymore. So the, the benefit to having the Immortals is... Their toughness five. Yeah, they're strong. Three plus save as well, and Three they still have Tesla. Four plus. They still have the Tesla, but I think you're probably better off going with the Gauze Blaster anyway. Agreed. Because it because it is strength five minus two. Mm. So when you're shooting at those new Marines, you are wounding on fours, but you're actually going to start hurting them on their save. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. new Marine, the the Tesla's got no AP. Correct. Yeah. On it, so they're going to struggle, and also. With the new command protocols, one of them allows you to always count in cover even when you're in the open. So Immortals with the two-up save in the open is quite good. And also with that command protocol, depending on which um, which dynasty you're on, you can have the other one. So you can either count in open or you can stand ready when you get charged. 
So you don't get to save, but you're always prepared to be attacked. Mm. So you can either overwatch on fives, which these guys will be doing, or hit on twos for your other units. What do you uh, What do you think of the flailed ones? You uh, excited about them when they get their miniatures? I am well excited for flayed ones. I think they're incredible. Like I, 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 I was reading them knows, the other day, going, "Wow, these guys are strong." Anyone who knows my history of Necron warriors or Necrons knows that I absolutely love flayed ones. Mm. They're amazing. Um, they're still selling the old fine cast flayed ones on GW oh, yeah, website. I think, I think it might be worth like picking one of those up for the lols. Just scatter them amongst your yeah, uh, your new ones. Yeah, because the flayed ones you can still have twenty. They're weapon skill 3 plus. They're still strength toughness 4. They've got one wound which makes them better because they can re. So, with reanimation protocols, you can't come back within engagement range unless you're already in engagement range. Gotcha. So, these guys have become an incredible bog unit. Well, totally. So, if you're taking these 15 man units that you're talking about. Yeah. And they. Um... I can't remember what they, they they appear within nine as well, don't they? Because they've got the dimensional transition thing. Yeah, so they can deep strike sorry. in. They mm-hmm. can deep strike in. They can deep strike in as well. Yeah. Um, and they also cause a uh, minus two leadership debuff, which is and massive. Now Marines, like you said, now Marines fail leadership tests. And let's face it, Marines are only ever going to really lose one at a time, mm. but. By decreasing that leadership test, your your kind of increases your chances of of them losing that one guy. Mm. Um, what's so get... the, can I just interrupt? What's the update to and they shall now uh, and they shall no no fear because it's so re roll leadership. Is it now yeah. they don't suffer the combat attrition? It's not that they don't they suffer still... combat attrition. It's that they don't they basically don't get any buffs to it or debuffs to it. Essentially, oh, yeah. so it's. It, it, there's no, you never get the minus one for being at half strength. Right. Correct, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So, but the good thing about flayed ones, they've got three attacks hitting on threes. Their combat weapon is now minus one AP, which is great, which is really good. And they've got exploding sixes in combat, and it's an additional hit as well. Bear in mind, so it's not an additional attack; it's a just a straight additional hit. Yeah. So I'm taking all my necrons as uh, Novok. Hmm. I was going to get around to asking you, Joe, what you thought the best uh, dynasty was to uh, to take. It's well, there's two. Mm. I think the way I'm running them because we're taking loads of the, I'm taking loads of the Scorepex stuff. Mm. I'm taking uh, Novok. So you add one to your charge rolls, yep. which means the flayed ones out of Deep Strike only have to do an eight inch charge. Mm-hmm. Each time you make a close combat attack when you charge, are charged, or perform heroic intervention, you improve the um, arm, the AP of your attacks by one. So, so played ones become AP two. Yep. And when the um, the protocol of the hungry void becomes active for your army, um, you can select both um, options on that protocol. Mm. Hang on, oh, I've got to find the blooming page now. Right, it's page eighty-one, um, mate. And the protocol of the Hungry Void. Each time this model in this unit makes a melee attack, an unmodified wound roll of six improves the armor penetration by one. So so sixes to wound are now minus three mm-hmm. AP on those sixes. And each time this model with this unit makes a melee attack, if that unit has made a hit charge move, was charged, or performed a heroic intervention this turn, add one to the attack strength. 
So now those played ones are hitting at strength five. Mm. It's really good. And Novok's own stratagem, plus one attack to the unit, or to yeah. the models in the unit. So these guys, and even the Scorpec, are chucking out a truckload of attacks. Well, if you get that 15-man unit in, right? I mean, that's... What is that now? That's 40... Yeah, yeah, 60 attacks, isn't it? Yeah, 60 attacks, hitting on threes. You'll probably might will be done them, so they're hitting on twos. Yeah. Um, And, like, at strength five, it's going to really hurt. Strength five potentially minus three. I mean, it's going to be a bit of an exercise in uh, in dice management to you know siphon out the stuff that's going to be yeah. minus three and so on and so forth. But yeah, no, I, I, I love yeah. it, mate. I think, I think it's really Novox, strong. Yeah, Novox really really good. Uh, the other the other standout one is, in my opinion, um, Nefrek. Oh, okay. Not Nefret, but Nefrek. Yep. Uh, models with this code get six up in fun. Okay. So if you're running loads and loads of warriors, then you're just massively increasing their survivability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and also when it advances, it it you don't roll the dice. They auto advance six inches. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they've got a movement of nine if they're near it. Uh, the movement of ten. The, which, the movement will become 11, but if they're near a lord, it, it, they get plus one, so it's 12. Mm-hmm. And they move like wraiths. So they just ignore all models and terrain. Oh, so they, they, just, all, they all ignore all models and terrain? Yeah, so they just blip around the table. But when you advance, you can't shoot or charge. Gotcha. That's very uh, cool, mate. Yeah. Can, can I say the one that I thought was, the, was my favourite so far for the sort of army I was thinking about? I quite like Sawtech. So that's the that's the yeah. um, re-roll morale tests, which I think yeah. is very strong, and um, they always rapid fire at eighteen inches. Yeah, uh, and when they're in the uh, conquering tyrant protocol, uh, they get the um, uh, it basically has both the command protocols of yeah, that. Yeah, so so with command protocols. Um... It works. It's kind of like Power from Pain from Drakari, but you only get one buff per turn. Mm-hmm. And pre-game, there's six. Of, there's six of them, but pre-game you have to select the order that they go in. Mm. So turn one, you might collect pro, select Protocol of the Sudden Storm, and then turn two, you might pick Protocol of the Hungry Void, and then turn three, you might have Protocol of the Eternal Guardian. So. So you have to kind of plan your game in advance, um, but that's quite that's, that's quite good. It's a good little buff. I, I, I like it mostly just because I love uh, Vargard Obron. It's always like, oh, yeah. he's a Soltec guy. Um, so it's like, well, I'd probably if I was going to get these Crons put together at some point, because obviously I own Crons like everyone else does now. Um, it's one of those things where I was like, well, I'd probably get that character, and then yeah, I guess so I'd I have to take him as him. So you take him, you take Nemensa Zandrek, who's, who he's the bodyguard for, yep, 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 yep. and he works very similar to Illuminous' errors, mm. so he can buff and improve your units as well. And Nemensa Zandrek has Vect for free. Correct, yeah. And you don't roll for it. 
You've stole my fun today, Joe. I was going to talk about how great the combo was of Oberon and, uh, and uh, Matey Boy, but yeah. Counter Tactics is the best ability for any unit in the entire game. Yeah, I don't care who you are, but the problem is it's, it's, it's locked in one specific house, which is correct. I think it should be, but it's not the obvious choice. I, I agree, I, I, but, I, but I like that in a way because I think it sort of creates an interesting... Again, you're getting good stuff, but then you are missing on other bits and pieces. But I like the always rapid firing at range 18. I like the fact that when you activate, you get your you know the increased aura ranges, and also you get the whole fall back and shoot thing, which is still pretty useful. But I like Oberon for the fact that yeah. he's always blipping around the table, going within range, tanking yeah. wounds, and is well, obviously a bit of a combat monster himself. I mean, not to the extent that yeah. a 15 man squad of flailed ones is. Obviously, yeah. I think but you probably I'll also. Can we talk about how good the monolith is now? Oh, That's yeah, stuff. please. Let's, because let's get into everyone, that. Obviously, everyone's talking about the Catan, how good he is, and how good the Silent King is. But the monolith just got well good. Now, the thing is right. about the monolith, I wanted to say, because I was intrigued by this, that they haven't done retro monolith, new monolith. So are, we suggest, are they suggesting that you can still use retro monolith with these rules, right? Yeah. Yeah, because there's nothing they've added to it weapon-wise that that you couldn't represent with the old monolith, right? No, it's, it's exactly the same. Fine. So, so the new monolith is 360 points. So good, though. It's so a lord of war a, now, though, isn't he, it? He's a lord of war now because he's got he's got the same amount of wounds as an imperial knight. Mm-hmm. He's got 24 wounds. Which it is definitely fine. feels like a monolith when you look at this stat line. It says. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's justified by the name now. Mm. It, it's only 10 points more than the Nightbringer. Alright. And I think that this could actually be better than the Nightbringer. Blimey heck. Well, make your argument, Joe. Admittedly, it's only movement 8. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's, the fastest... It's slow and ponderous, such as his way, and it's always been that way. So weapon skill six, he's not brilliant at hitting stuff in combat, but we'll come to that in a minute. Mm. It's blizzard skill three, four, five, when it degrades. Strength and toughness eight, same as a knight, twenty four wounds, same as a knight. Six attacks in combat. Same as a land raider. Be- same as land raid, then becomes D six, then becomes D three. Leadership ten, not that it matters. But it's got a whopping two-up save. Like a land raider. Like a land raider. Right. It has four Gorse Flux Arrays, which are 30-inch range, rapid fire three, strength five, minus two, one damage. So it puts out... At rapid fire minutes... three is pretty tasty. Yeah, so, it's got four... so it puts out 24 shots at 15-inch range. Or if you're taking them as... Uh... The one I was talking about, 18-inch range. 18-inch range, yeah. <laughs> um, it's got a particle whip. The particle whip now is 36-inch range. Heavy 6, strength 12. Heavy D6. Heavy D6, strength 12, minus 3, flat 3 damage with blast. It's incredible. Oof. Turn the oof meter up to max on that. <laughs> and it's got the portal of exile which is the sole reason why I want to take this, because I think it's hilarious now. So the old rules, you go into combat, you pick a unit, you roll to hit, and then one model takes a mortal wound or something like that. It was garbage, right? Now, 
it's obviously it's a melee weapon, so you make as many attacks as you have on your profile, so six from starting off. Strength user, so eight. Minus three AP, flat three damage, and the, the rules for it is each time an attack is made with this weapon, that attack automatically hits the target. <laughs> Remember so just, that it has six attacks at strength eight. Yeah, it just slowly, slowly just bumps into something, and then they all die. And it can appear outside of nine inches. Yeah, it can deep strike. Yeah. And also, Joe, did you mention, by the way, when you talked about the uh, Gorse Flux arcs, that it's got four of them? Yeah, yeah, it's got you four. Did of me- them. You did definitely 20, mention it puts, that. It puts out twenty-four shots at half range. Yeah, which is mental, and it's got living metal, so it regains a wound a turn. Woo! It's nothing exciting, but yeah, it's, it's all right. Like, if someone's like, "Oh, I did a wound to it," and you're like, "No," just to demoralise them. Indeed. Um, you measure from its hole or its base, whichever is closest. Indeed. I actually think that the hole is bigger than its base. It definitely um, is. Um, it, it explodes. explodes. <laughs> uh, on a six, uh, all units within six suffer d6 mortal wounds. And it's got the gate of eternity. In your movement phase, if this if this model remains stationary... Um, then a re- in the reinforcement step, you can summon units from Deep Strike through the door. It has to be a core infantry unit. Have to be placed wholly within three inches of this model. It's huge, should be doable, um, and not within engagement range of any enemy models. Um, the units that come out count as moving. So it's like disembarking from another vehicle, but they have got a stratagem in here, which allows you to pull any unit from the table. And then have it come out of the door, like like it used to have that rule as well. But that's now become a stratagem. But what's big about that, though, mate, is the fact that you can. It, it, it's not specified that has to be a distance away. You just don't have to be in engagement range. Yeah. And yeah. unless I'm reading this wrong, they haven't stipulated that doing this prevents you from charging after you get out of it. Yeah, you can still charge after you've disembarked. So you can disembark within a two inches of, a, of an enemy, assuming this thing hasn't moved somehow, finding itself in this scenario, and then out comes all of these dudes. Yep. And yeah, it stipulates the good. unit can't be in engagement range that comes in, but it doesn't stipulate that this thing itself can't be in engagement range. No. So, so this, this... Can, it can be an engagement range, you can disembark from it, obviously, because of how the rules... Cause the rules used to be you had to disembark near the doors. Mm. So that's what made the monolith always terrible, because it had this one tiny little door. Yes. And you had yeah. to disembark like three inches away from it. Whereas now, you disembark from the entire thing. Even mm. though it has the one door, you can be placed anywhere. Yeah. So the front end of it can be in combat, and then you can disembark on the other end. Mm. And then charge around it. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty incredible, isn't it? So good. The problem is, though, getting Lords of War into your army is a bit fiddly. That is a downside. That is a big downside. Well, it's weird, because back in the day, you'd quite often see one, two, maybe three monoliths on the table if you're going heavy, and that was kind of the thing. I mean, Who are you playing against? I, I, I haven't seen... Every time I've ever seen a neck, like a monolith on the table, my opponent was taking it as a joke. 
Like, I well, don't think anyone's I'm, I'm taking one as a serious thing. Back more around sixth and seventh edition, because yeah, in eighth, well, I don't think I really played. I played one Necron player in all of eighth edition. Hmm. Um, so yeah, but I mean, yeah, in older editions, they were like the go-to big hmm. vehicle that they would have. Yeah. So they, if you do have a couple. They of only had that not. Before, though at the time, though. Yeah. They didn't have any other vehicles at the time. Um, also, other un- other units to be aware of. The Hexmark Destroyer Pistol Guy that Games Workshop's giving all the hype <laughs> oh, he looks so good. Is, is pure, unadulterated garbage. Yeah, I didn't understand whether or not he Cause was... Because the, the funny thing is, is they, they're like, oh, the Kellermorph is going to stay at home. He's got so much trouble. The Hexmark's going to destroy him. <laughs> He's not. Well, the thing is so, with him, because he's got the weird thing where he gets more shots, but he only gets one extra shot. Yeah, so he, if he shoots all six of his pistols that only fire one shot... Strength six, AP minus one. It's strength six minus AP minus one. Admittedly, he is blister skill two, and he hits on... And he re-rolls ones. And so the Overwatch is on two pluses. Yeah, but the Kellermorph's never going to charge him. Um, and then, once you've done all your attacks... You can shoot one of his pistols again. Woo! So you get seven oh, shots. Oh, I thought it was. Was it not for? You can no, shoot a pistol that, again if they, that pistol killed someone. No, you can yeah. only shoot one of his pistols again. Yeah. See, I, I read right. it many times, Phil, because I was like, "Hang on, that can't be right." But what's, got, what's the wording? Um. So it is. Uh, each uh, no, time it's not inescapable. Oh, anyway, it, it, it's multiple threats uh, eliminated. Yeah, so each time an enemy model is destroyed by a ranged attack made by this weapon's disintegrated pistols, after this model makes the rest of its attacks, it can shoot with one of its um, enmitic disintegrator pistols yeah. one additional time. This yeah, is... well, for what, what, what that means is each time you kill someone with one of the pistols, what that pistol fires again after all the others has fired. Nah, but you, nah. do, you do them all one at a time. So... No. No, it doesn't mean that. No, so Phil, 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 it says, like, each time an enemy model is destroyed by a ranged attack made by this model's disintegrated pistols, after this model makes the rest of its attacks. So if you killed, so if you were doing the proper rolling one at a time and you killed a guardsman with the first pistol shot, right, you make the other five shots. And then you can shoot one of its pistols again. Yeah. Well, the way I would read it is, let's say you, let's say you roll one at a time. Yeah. The you first say it's, three shots kill three guardsmen. No. And you do the other two, and they don't kill anyone. Then you re, then you re no, shoot again no. with the it, first three. Phil, Phil, the exact words are: after this model makes the rest of its attacks, it can shoot with one. Of its disintegrated pistols, one additional time. But it specifically says each time this, each time you kill someone, right at the very beginning. And yeah, but so no, it, it doesn't say each time. This is the thing for like this is, I suppose, one of these funny little issues where you don't have the book, so it's not immediately obvious. But yeah, it, well, maybe. Honestly, mate, both me and Joe are reading it the same way. He, I, I believe he is correct because it's each time an enemy model is destroyed by a range attack made by this model's 
disintegrated pistols. After this model makes the rest of its attacks, it can shoot with the Eggmatic disintegrated pistols one additional time. So, it, so is is the pistols a single profile? No, it's no, a yeah, it is a single profile. Pro- but there's six of them. The- so he carries six pistols, and the pistol profile is 18-inch range, pistol one, strength six. Oh, right. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think I'm correct, because you, you do no. each weapon at a time. No, it, it, I, but you I, I understand what you're... together at the end. I, I think the way I'm, it's I'm phrased... I'm pretty sure is... that's how... They, I'm pretty sure they talked about it in Warhammer Community. And that's well, how if they that's what they intended, they've done a terrible job of writing it down, because the way it reads is you shoot six <clears> times, and if one of those shots kills something... You shoot once more. Yeah, but if if that was a weapon profile that said, you know, pistol six, I would agree with you. But it's not. You do it for each of the guns independently. Well, because again, if that was the case, you would imagine they would have put that as a weapon ability as opposed to his ability. Well, I don't don't know. I I don't know either. There's enough stuff. I'm going to take a picture of it, Phil, and I will send it to you right now. But anyway, so the diff- so the difference between him is he gets to shoot, according to me and Dan, he gets to shoot one of his pistols again. So the most damage he's ever going to be able to do is seven damage, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if, whereas the Kelomorph... Which is a ev- Gene Stiller Colt option, if anyone's which curious. Which is a Gene Stiller Colt pistol guy. The free-armed pistol man. The free-armed pistol guy who carries three pistols. Each pistol is pistol two. Strength four minus one, two damage. And for every hit that he makes, you can roll that many hits again. So you fire six shots. If you hit five times, you get to roll five more shots with him. He will carve through this disintegrate, this destroyer guy. Well, he is tough as five, though, so it might not be that easy. And he's got five wounds. I think, bizarrely, if you were putting the two of them up against each other, it might be a 50 50, mm. but it's only because the Killamorph's yeah, the, the stat line does, is the, terrible. This guy's a character. The Killamorph does have access to a relic pistol that gives him re roll wounds. Oh, all right, here he goes. He's, 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 he's tilting the odds. I'm not saying that it's, it's not a. I, I'm, not, I'm not, not agreeing with you. I'm just saying that. I think because of this guy's stat line, it could be 50-50, but it's definitely not a one-sided thing. This guy ain't just rocking up and murking the, the other dude. Right. It's like, you know, it's it's not happening. I mean... Yeah. Uh, I mean wait, I, I, I've, I've read the rule, mm-hmm. and I'm correct. Oh, all right, sticking to his guns. Yeah, it, it specifically says each time an enemy model is destroyed... Yeah, can be multiple times in the shooting phase. They definitely need to do it. You reshoot like one of the pistols after you shot all the others. So let's that, say you're fast rolling. Yeah, but Phil, you're 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 ad-libbing. You're not reading the words as written. No, each is it specifically says each time Read an enemy words, model Phil. is destroyed. Each time, how have we once. ended up stuck on this? I'm I'm completely correct. All right, you're it's, correct. And also to to, to also. Make it a fact. It says at the very end. It says these attacks, which is plural. These attacks cannot generate additional attacks. If yeah, it was it only says, one attack, yeah, but it, it says say, after this, this model makes the rest of its attacks, right? So you well, shoot yes. all of its other pistols. Yeah, and then it says it can shoot the additional the, shots. The, the, the bit you're missing out here is it says that it can shoot with one of its its emitic disintegrated pistols. Yes, one for, additional, for each so model. Shoot, for each model it kills with the pistols, it can shoot one pistol again. 
because you remember you shoot with your pistols it, it it's worded because you do each weapon one at a time but most people fast here, roll so no, the wording is always a bit terrible because it's worded as if you do one gun at a time. But well, let's hope they FAQ them. that sometime in the future, eh? I feel like that's definitely on the cards. Um, do we want to talk about the Void Dragon to finish up on our uh, Necron loving? Oh, yeah, go on. Joe, do you want to, do you want to tell go us on. about the Void Dragon? So I haven't actually read much rules on the, the Void Dragon. Me neither. Yet. That's why I was hoping you would uh, you would have done. But I've heard he's good. Should we no, discover the, together? The best, the best one is... The, the best one so far that I've I've read is um, the Nightbringer. Well, let's just talk about the uh, the Void Dragon momentarily. I can't because... find him. Is he a Lord of War? Isn't he? Yeah, he's on. The... No, it's page ninety nine. So the Catan shard of the Void Dragon. The Void Dragon being uh, the Mechanicus God thing. So that... the vo- so the, the rumor is is that the actual Void Dragon, the mm. actual like. What's suppose the most complete part of him now because this because this so the shards the Catan shards are fragments of gods that have been destroyed by the Necron. Correct. So that's why there are multiple. That's how Games Workshop explains that there are multiple versions of these everywhere mm. because it would be like if if Phil exploded, there would be hundreds of tiny little Phils running around. Brilliant, like like in Army of Darkness. Yeah, or like in Little Nicky, where he turned into an army of spiders. Um, that that love... reference is a hundred percent lost on me. Uh, I love the fact that Joe went with such a worse reference as it was. <laughs> like... Well, we know his taste in movies. So that's only joke. Little Nicky is is one of the best Adam Sandler films ever made. I mean, and that I is... will fight anyone. That is a very shallow pull, but yeah, sure. Yeah. But, I mean, so, Happy Gilmore but, is clearly the best when he's yeah, done that. So it's it's kind of weird because they've kind of broken their own narrative on this one because the whole the whole Void Dragon God, according to Black Library slash, slash rumors slash like stories released by Games Workshop, is that the whole Void Dragon God is currently on Mars. Yeah, maybe they just cut off a little sliver. Like yeah. a little, 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 little sample of cheese. Yeah, like when, when, when the emperor captured him, like and like it was like pulling him, like I don't know, through through a doorway. Its little finger got cut off in the door. Oh, what, and like Elizabeth it, from Barge of Infinite? Yeah, yeah. And the, and it's, the, Spoilers, his little fing, his little finger uh, popped into this absolutely terrifying beast. Does the Void Dragon Catan? Uh, Shard have like a little thimble on one of his uh, one of his fingers to signify. No, he, he will do. Don't you don't you worry. Or is he more like Clint from Adventure Time, who was the uh, was the tale of Shelby the Worm that became a little boy that went went off and had adventures? I never, I never. Oh, you don't see that one. That's fine. So a worm falls off of a, a ladder, and then his tail becomes sentient, or like his bum becomes sentient. He calls, yeah. him, calls him Clint, I think, and then he becomes an adventurer. It's a whole great thing. Anyway, the point is, the Catan Shard Void Dragon has a movement of eight, a weapon skill of two, a ballistic skill of two, strength of six, toughness of seven, nine wounds, all baby, uh, five attacks, and a leadership ten, and three plus armor save. Um, he's armed with the Spear of the Void Dragon, which is range twelve, heavy one, strength nine, AP minus four, D6, and there is a lot of words here. Each time an attack is made with this weapon, if a hit is scored, draw a straight line between the closest point of this model's base or hull... I mean, surely they understand that this thing's got a base and not a hull, but I guess they're covering all bases, ironically. Yeah. Um, 
at the and the of uh, so and the of the closest models in the target unit. Okay, yeah, sorry, I've, I've lost my trail of four, but yeah, basically draw a line between you and the thing you were shooting. Yeah, make one wound roll against the target unit and each other unit that this line passes over. Each time an attack made with this weapon is allocated to a vehicle, models that attacked uh, has a damage characteristic of D3 plus 3. So, minimum 3 damage. So, this is a heavy 1, strength 9, minus 4, D6 damage thing that shoots in a straight line. So, if someone has lined up a nice little column of tanks, like Phil and his Lehman Russes, this dude just comes along and goes, cool, I've hit all four of them, or however many there are, in a row, uh, doing strength nine, minus four AP, minimum three da- uh, four damage to each of them. Um, which is pretty fun, isn't it? He's, he's, a, he's a bit of a monster. He, he's pretty baller. He's also got the Cabotech Tail Blades, uh, which is strength user, so strength six, minus two, one damage. Each time the bearer fights, it makes D6 additional attacks with this weapon. Uh, so that could be as many as 11 attacks so far. Uh, and in melee, the Spear of the Void Dragon is plus 3, so strength uh, 9, minus 4, d6 damage, and when fighting against vehicles, minimum 4 damage. He doesn't like vehicles, surprisingly. Yeah. It's Which is because odd, because you think you get along with them. It'd be quite, I suppose but all of the vehicles in the Imperium have been... Um... Uh, basically backwards engineered from this god. Uh, so I so suppose he's... he'd be quite good at just absolutely tearing them into little little wibbly bits. That makes sense, that makes sense. Uh, so it's got a 4 plus invulnerable save. In addition, this model cannot lose more than 3 wounds in the same phase. Any wounds that would be lost after that point are not lost, uh, which is the same for all Catan, I believe, except for maybe... No, all the Catan have them. Um, so yeah, like Gaz, this guy can only lose three wounds in a phase. Yeah, all the Catan have that ability. Yes, yeah, I did just say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's an Sorry, ins- I, was, I was just looking as a little side piece. I've got a random message on Instagram. Apparently, Alexa Bliss has messaged me. I don't think it's a real account. That makes me sad. Yeah, maybe it is. You know, she's a she's a lovely lady, Alexa Bliss. Yeah. Stands up against, you know, bullying and the like. Um, so, yeah, good luck on that front. If it is the real her, say hello. No, it's it's from an account that only has uh, four followers, so... Oh. So, sad times. There we are. Anyway, in Slave Star God, this model can never have a relic or wall or trait. In addition, any models can, uh, can ignore the lookout sir so- rule when selecting this model as a target of a ranged attack, so you can always shoot it, so the fact that it's got nine wounds is irrelevant. Um, reality unravels this is again another rule that all these guys have uh, when this model is destroyed roll 1d6 before removing it on a 4 plus it explodes uh, and everything within 6 suffers d3 mortal wounds so it's basically uh, you know explodey uh, and then it's got matter absorption at the end of each phase roll 1d6 for each enemy vehicle model destroyed as a result of attack made by by this model or a Catan powered used by this model that phase for each two plus this model regains one lost wound to a maximum of three regained wounds per phase there you go so he just goes around munching up vehicles and continuing to consume their essence as it were yeah and um 
the they actually have a stratagem where they just ignore invulnerable saves. That's very good. That's quite good. So if you had a tank-heavy army and someone rocked up with one of these dudes, you would shoot at him, you know, desperately in the opening turn, uh, only doing three damage to him because you've only got a shooting phase. Then in the next turn, he would probably be getting close enough that he could chance a charge. And then once he's gotten stuck into you, he's just going to continue to eat you. Um, So any damage you've done to him on the way in will have been completely null and voided by the fact that he's constantly eating and consuming your tanks for wounds. So that's quite good, isn't it? Yeah. He's he's a bit he's a bit gnarly. So essentially he's a very match up specific character, but if you are in the business of playing against people who take a lot of, a lot of tanks, or a lot of any type of vehicle for that matter, uh, bring him along. The only downside to him is is he doesn't have that effect against monsters, which seems a bit unfair. Yeah, but then you've Makes got sense. units like the Catan, like the the uh, the Nightbringer. Oh yeah, and he is he's scary. He's a scary boy. He's like he's that, strength... but better. He's like that yeah, because he's got six attacks. True. Uh, his his entropic bladey swordy thing has two close combat options. One is times two strength, so he's strength fourteen minus four d six damage. And you ignore invulnerable saves. Wow. Um, with that, or you have the reaping sweep, which is base strength seven minus three one damage, but for each attack on your profile, you make you make an extra attack, so he gets twelve attacks, which is quite funny. Well, and each time this model makes a melee attack allocated to an enemy model, that enemy model cannot use any rules to ignore the wounds. Yeah. Death Guard are going to love him, aren't they? Well, that also affects people like Gazgol. Um, Who's got a cap? Oh, no, no, no. Well, no, because that's not ignoring the wounds. Or is it? Ooh, it, it well, they, they called it out in the Warhammer community post, so I, I'm assuming it's true. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, so he's got the enslaved god. So this mo- this model can never... Oh, no, no. No, it's the drain one, the last one. Yeah, each time this model makes a melee attack that is allocated to an enemy model, that enemy model cannot use any rules to ignore the wounds it loses. So, so that yeah. would include the, the, the minimum free? Yeah. yeah. Which is... Wow, fair play to him. Yeah, and it ignores... Um, like feel no pains or like the Harlequin one where like when you lose the last wound you can roll a six and it's not lost. Yeah, yeah. That's no, big. It's really big. Yeah. Yeah, he's a scary monster. He is a scary monster. They're all scary monsters to be fair. I mean that's the thing. The worst thing you'd ever want to see and it's gonna be interesting, right? Because if you think about things like the Void Dragon Catan doing the rounds, it really massively impacts your desire to take a very tank heavy army, right? Yeah. And the thing is, I think the problem is with the Necron army is that a lot of their stuff is very expensive. Mm. So all three Catans are 350 points. And um, and the big boy, the Silent King. Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about the Silent he's, King. He's 450 points. Oof. So, and, like, and a lot of the characters are 150 points average. So if you take the Silent King and a, a Catan and you take a, a pimped out Lord, 
that's half of your army. Kind yeah, of that's thing. A chunk, but, it? Yeah, so a thousand. Yeah, admit, and a Necron Warrior is, is 13 points. Mm. So you could take 60 Necron Warriors, <laughs> like two Lords of Catan and, and the Silent King. That mm. would be your army. I don't think you would take. I think Silent King the and Catan, the Catan, would Silent... you? I think you have one or the other. Yeah. Personally, I think Monolith, loads of Warriors, and a Catan, probably, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe some other bits and pieces. I think you take... I think it's the same thing with the Monolith. You either take the Monolith or a Catan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Great, though, man. Really amazing that the, the Krons are back on the, back on the, the map, yeah. so to speak. I think that is a... A fantastic improvement for them. I dare say for a little while they're probably going to struggle against um, some of the more abusive army builds that were coming towards the end of 8th edition that's still valid today because of some of their points hikes and some of their rule changes in different areas. So I don't know necessarily how they would stack up against some of the other kind of like forces, like even like the Mechanicus, for example. Not necessarily the Mechanicus that are taking loads of vehicles, maybe, but... You know, looking at some of the options that those guys were getting towards the end, I do wonder where these guys are gonna, where they're gonna kind of, you know, perform against that kind of stuff. It's, it's a, because of how the army works. Like you want to take, like a lord with a resurrection orb, and you want to take a, a crypt tech, and then you want to take another special character kind of thing. Mm. I think the problem, the problem is with how the army functions and how expensive stuff is. Like I think, like the best version of running it. You're gonna have like two, maybe three lords, all with resurrection orbs, because those—that's the only way to keep your army on the table, yeah. essentially. Um, it's interesting though, man, because again, it, it showcases to me the flavor of things to come, and if everything else follows that trend, mm. I think it's yeah. a better yeah. game because of it. Because like with the Marine Codex. And how they've done it, so you can have like one captain, two lieutenants, and a detachment kind of thing. Um, and of course, obviously, they've had a bit of a points hike as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gonna—you're not gonna be able to take everything. Yeah. And you're only gonna be wanting to take like one detachment because you want to get—you basically want to keep your CPs. So it's gonna be interesting to see which way people go with like characters because you're gonna take a battalion with both armies, and it's like. What three characters do you take? So in Space Marines, you could be like, well, I will take a captain, a lieutenant, and then I take a chaplain or a librarian. I'm not. You're not going to take both, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's the thing with like the Marine builds, isn't it? You're always going captain, lieutenant, and then it's about what the extra character is going to be. Is it going to be the librarian? Is it going to be the chaplain? And that's the the the, the quandary that you have to kind of figure out at that point um but no i love it i think i mean again just a really really great new range really great you know set of rules very cool army um phil any thoughts from you uh well i'm really pleased with it i think they've finally had a really good refresh with the the models but visually looking really good they've now got lots of different options i think as we said before like you can now theme your army a little bit so you've you can go lots like destroy heavy you can go for the canoptech or the sort of more wraithy style and you've got some 
very different sort of play styles or just mm. visual like visually like themed armies um, and yeah it seems like the walls are pretty good maybe not at, up there with the space marines good but maybe it's one of those things where it just takes a little bit more time for the uh, for the list to percolate amongst uh, the Necron players just because there's not as many of them as there are marine players for the, the internet hive mind to work out what what's what's good and what isn't so yeah, it'd be interesting to see how how they do as the other codexes slowly come out. Yeah, exactly. Joe, anything else from you? No, I figured I really like the Necrons. Um, I played with the army; it's really, really good. So I'm gonna have a chance to play around and see what I think is like the most fun, and the most optimum way of running them. Amazing. But I quite like it. I'm I'm really excited. Um, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of warrior heavy lists for a while, though. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, and also, I don't think you're going to see many monoliths and um, void dragon armies and but silent kings for a while as well, because they is well expensive to buy. Oh yeah, they're pricey, right? They're like hundred something quid for a monolith, isn't it? The monolith, I think, is kicking like the one twenty mark. <sighs> I think the Silent Kings in the hundreds. Yeah, yeah, they're pricey boys. Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. All right, guys, that was us talking about the Necrons. We hope you enjoyed it. We're going to move on now to whatever it is that comes next. Transitional noise. Hello everybody, in an attempt to try and do something different than just, you know, reviewing the two new codexes, which we hopefully will also do by the time that we've got our hands on it and had a chance to properly observe and understand them, uh, we figured we'd try to do some fun, irreverent, entertaining style content based around the new FAQs that have dropped specifically for Space Marines by rating our top 10 Space Marine chapters as they appear within the new Space Marine Codex. Although, to be honest with you, we've said it's a top 10. It will have been written down as a top 10. But letting you in on a little secret, we only called it that for the YouTube and or Google Analytics. It is, in fact, a top 13 because there are 13 chapters in the new Space Marine Codex. Therefore, we're going to go through the top 13. And for complete transparency, transparency, this is a top 13 determined by me exclusively and myself joe and phil are going to discuss my interpretation of these rules and obviously joining me would be none other than phil and joe how's it going lads doesn't it sound like a fun segment does it sound like a fun segment i sort of feel like it is a fun you can you can learn how to run your minotaurs through this phil it will give you all the information you need Exactly. I, I think it's got the the potential to be fun. I mean, essentially, I've actually done some work, Phil. I've got a spreadsheet in front of me. I've written out the different chapters, what their chapter tactics are, what I would broadly describe their army archetype as being, 
what the pros are, what the cons are. I've done work, man. Actual work. Have you, have you done? Have you done the chapter uh, miniature profile as per Jez Goodwin's hat theory? <laughs> I have which, not. Which are you rating them by? Which has the best hats? I unfortunately have not rated them by those that have the best hats. But maybe I'm not interested then. Maybe by coincidence, though. Maybe the order of events will have transpired in such a way as they who have the best hats are at number one. I wouldn't be surprised if Jez Goodwin's hat-based metric came into effect in more areas than one. It should do. It really should do. But in this instance, it's going to be much more gameplay-focused. Uh, so hopefully people will sure. enjoy that. I always thought that if if um, if Jez Goodwin was going to... Uh, rate anything it would be like in a series of cigarette packets and bottles of whiskey <laughs> i don't feel I like mean, he drinks whiskey his own youtube channel or podcast just about that that's it that's it yeah. i don't imagine he drinks that much whiskey i imagine what? it's just all cigarette time for him it's uh, what and i feel like he's a coffee guy now i feel like he was tea for a long time no he, he but... would have been tea forever mate you don't get things yeah. done on coffee jez isn't the kind of guy that drinks coffee. I'm the sort of procrastinating loon that only drinks coffee because I'm not expected to achieve anything of value. Do, Whereas, you, do you reckon Jez has sugar in his tea, or he just absolutely has it, like... not? Absolutely not. No, Jez wakes up in the morning, has a tea, and you know puts his pencil in his hand and begins scribing away, creating like, like, masterpieces. Like he basically, he's on those like leaves the bag in for like a solid three or four minutes kind of thing. I imagine and, he's got some sort of sophisticated, you know, filtration device slash brewing yeah. machine that he uses, yeah. and he uses and, proper leaves. And he doesn't have, and his pencil is always behind his ear, like always. literally, like you know. But he doesn't use a sharpener. He he uses like a um, like a, a flick knife that he keeps in his pocket. Absolutely, to like carve it down, <laughs> and he just draws on the walls. So his wife has had to replace all the walls of bits of paper that she can unpin. Exactly, because he, he, he just wakes up in the morning. He's like, I have to draw. I have to draw it down before I forget it. And then all of a sudden, everything he draws is immediately the property of Games Workshop. So he's yeah. like, Oh no, <laughs> they've got to come round and build yeah, me like, a new conservatory. Like slowly fade off of the paper and appear somewhere in the Games Workshop H- HQ. It's like, No, they stole it. Again. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a fabulous insight into the life of Jez Goodwin. But yeah, no, and also in an attempt to try and up the production quality of this segment, I am going to rip off, um, you know, the 1970s pick of the pops radio jingle from the BBC that I have no legal right to own or use in any way, but I'm assuming it's going to be fair use. Uh, and hopefully it doesn't result in some kind of YouTube strike situation that causes could we not issues. Get, could we not like see if we could get someone like Fern Cotton or Tess Daly or someone like that on just to like authenticate oh, yeah. Fern, Fern listens all the time right I mean she's a massive 40k fan I would expect nothing else exactly and I'm sure she'd be more than happy to I mean the only problem is with this situation is Joe is you've thrown this out now when people listen to it it will have been done retrospectively so when Fern hears this She'll be like, well, if you had have asked me, I would have done it. But now, obviously, she's listening to it, unable to, you know, do anything. Because we can't then go back and do it retrospectively. Unless, of course, we do this sort of thing again in the future. Or what if we got her friend Morgana on to be... I don't think she's friends with Morgana. I just think Morgana does an awfully good impression of her. 
Oh. And the thing, I don't think her name is actually Morgana. It's just called the Morgana Show, isn't it? I'd like to think it's Morgana. Which well, is impossible is to track down, by the way. You can't watch that thing anywhere. I mean, even on, I've got no I got idea what you guys are talking about, but it's not Space Marines. So that is true, that is true. Shuffle it along. All right, fine. Here we go. I'm going to now try and put in a jingle. Here it is. Enemy shots! Get behind the barrel! The Crimson Fists at number 13. So, the Crimson Fists occupy the number 13 spot because, personally, I believe that they have a marginally worse uh, chapter tactic than their mainstay chapter. But also because the Imperial Fist FAQ has just been a smorgasbord of nerfs. But let me just take you through what these guys have, essentially. So their chapter tactic is that they get plus one to hit against a unit that contains five or more models than they do. And, for the purposes of this chapter tactic, vehicles are considered to be five-man units. So take that in for a moment, Phil, if you will, because I'll put you on the spot on this one. If you're a one-man unit shooting at a tank, that tank is only four more models than you, so you don't even get plus one to hit if you're shooting at a vehicle with one man. What you want to do is shoot a tank when you're minus one man. Minus then, you, then you've got your five. Minus one, you're just not there. Is that how it is? How um, would you imagine that you would arrive at this minus one man stipulation? I don't know. Psychic power or something. No, you're off the table. You're not. You're on. You're on board a transport. Therefore, you don't count as being on the board. But somehow, you can still shoot. I admire your creativity in this situation, to be fair, Phil. That was a much more uh, creative insight on how to solve this riddle. Um, but... What about what about tank squadrons? I mean, things like killer cans. Each one's a like a little vehicle, right? And... That is true. That is true. So a killer can squadron of two to three miniatures could theoretically be plus one to hit if you were a one-man unit, or even if you were a four-man unit. But if you were a five-man unit... Um, oh, no, even then it's theoretically possible. If it's a five-man unit versus two killer cans in a squad, then yes, you're plus one to hit. But how often do you see vehicle squadrons doing the rounds anymore? Not really. i tell you what, though. The one saving... I'm Two things. One, I'm pretty sure that Crimson Fists only exist because Games Workshop still holds artwork for them. Mm. Um, and they didn't get rid of Pedro quick enough because he was too beloved. Um, and they're like, oh, we'll just give him some rules, you know. Um, but Pedro Cantor is an absolute boss. I, I had actually put that in the, in the pros. I'd say the yeah. only thing that was good about these guys is Pedro Cantor. He's a six-wound chapter master that gives plus one attack to core units, albeit now, I believe... Oh, no, yeah, he gives it to all uh, core units within six of him, uh, yeah. so they get to make one additional attack or plus one to their attacks. Um, oh, sorry, no, no, no. So, yeah, the Crimson Fist core unit is within six of his model. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's an aura still. So he get, does give plus one, um, uh, plus one attack, which is which is pretty powerful. When you think about it, very powerful if you build certain types of um, things around it. Now the thing is, right, and and it's weird in a way because these first two that are my bottom two are very closely linked. So all the things I'm going to say about one really applies to the other. So I may as well. Wait, uh, can I guess? Is it Black Templars? No. Number 12. Get a grenade in through that window. Is Imperial Fists. And I'll tell you what. I know, right? I know. So, Imperial Fists have a chapter tactic where they ignore cover light cover specifically which is good and like their crimson fist friends any sixes to hit generates two hits rather than one but where both of these armies have massively fallen down is everything in this imperial fist faq nerfs and changes so much about the the way the imperial fist function they've stipulated now that for their super doctrine that used to be all heavy weapons it has to now be heavy weapons with strength six or greater. So that's auto cannons, plasma cannons, missile launchers, las cannons. These are things that haven't really and still don't massively play into their into their archetype. And additionally, can I just tell you what does? Please, twin heavy bolters. Twin heavy bolters, but they're not strength seven. Oh, uh, no, I thought you said it was six or above. No, strength seven or above. Oh, there, there goes my little joke. To, <laughs> a, to, a typo in, the, the, in all of them, apparently. Yeah, yeah, all, all, all twin heavy bolters have become strength six, haven't they, yeah. at the moment? Or at least in the FAQs, not in, um, not in the indexes, but um, in the... Uh, oh, no, yeah, no, it must be in the... Well, no, the Imperial Fist won't do, because that's not how it's written in the Codex, is it? I mean, I don't know. I've not got the codex to hand, so I suppose that really sort of... No, I, I mean, I, I guess the assumption is they've been updated across all the indexes as strength six, but it's a typo, one mm. good issue. So. But yeah. yeah, I think the problem is with the Imperial Fists, and I know there's a lot of uh. hardcore Imperial Fist fans out there. I mean, obviously we had Valric on the show not too long ago, and I imagine he would argue... That... We got Richard as well. We got Richard. Exactly. I think I, I quite like Imperial Fist. And I, I like think, Imperial Fist. I just don't I think, think they're the best anymore. I think this change fixes them mm. because now you've got things like the heavy intercessors coming out, and every gun that they carry is heavy. Correct. Yes. And they've got that new Space Marines. Have got that new stratagem coming out, which basically. But you pick a squad and it has all combat doctrines in effect. Mm-hmm. Which means Imperial Fist, if you just had 10-man units of heavy intercessors, would just just blow through enemy armies so quickly. You say uh, that, though, but they have, but again, against vehicles, they're really falling over there, right? Because, okay, strength 5, but that's not enough to get your plus 1 damage. And yeah, I know, sure. but they've got a stratagem that uh, gives you plus 1 to wound. Plus 1 to wound, but not plus 1 damage. No. And, that, and but, that's the that's the problem with this, right? Is like so much of the Imperial Fist archetype is, is, is the issue, right? Because these are the guys who relied the most on auras. 
Like, if I go through every army and I think about people who needed auras, Imperial Fists are that. Because they wanted to re-roll every dice. Because so many people with Imperial Fists would be like, cool, I'm going to use Tor Garadan to make these guys hit on twos. And then I'm going to roll all, you know, 20, 30, whatever it was, bolt rifle shots. And then I'm going to pick up everything that wasn't a six and roll it again. And then, you know, because of the Chapter Master aura... And then, you know, with all my exploding they, they didn't need that, though. That just makes them a bit broken. Mate, they, they needed it, man. Like, the, this is the thing. Mm. And, and this is the thing, right? It's like, what you've got to always remember is, is everything that you're saying is good is still good for other Marines as well. So it's that thing where it's like, when you just weigh up this particular archetype and this particular type of army, I think the Crimson Fists and the Imperial Fists are the most affected armies within the entire Space Marine range. I think the yeah. Imperial Fists were definitely top three. Now, the problem is, now they're just a bolt gun shooting army mm. and other army, other chapters do it better. Yeah, exactly. And look, you know, here's the thing. The change to the, you know, to the Super Doctrine is massive. The book is full of nerfs. Everything is basically taking stuff away from them. But the biggest and most you know, single hit to this army are the changes to Centurions. No one loved Centurions more than Imperial Fists and Crimson Fists. And they've been massively nerfed. They don't have the core unit special rule. They're not able to double shoot their bolters at 24-inch range. You know, that that is massive as well. Because that's huge to the archetype of of this army, right? Yeah. So if you take away their Centurions, you take away their reroll to hit Auras, you take away their damage plus one heavy weapons, what are you leaving them with, you know? Not not a vast amount of stuff, really. I mean, they've got good stratagems. They've got good stratagems, but not the best stratagems. Yeah, I think maybe you just kind of... Um... I don't know, because like, I think Imperial Fists are now going to be relegated to the Fluffy Army. Because mm. so, you've got that new um, chapter approved book that gives you all the terrain, mm-hmm. like we discussed in the last one, is you literally make a six-inch high wall that goes the entire length of your deployment zone, and mm. then you put all of your new heavy intercessors in it. Mm-hmm. And you put whirlwinds behind. Yeah. And you don't move. We're going to play You Charge Me game. That's what we play now. Yeah. And to be fair, you you, 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 you know, you raise an interesting point there as well. Obviously the whirlwinds, uh their strength seven missiles now are gonna be damage free with that super doctrine. So, you know, there is still some options in there that are working for these guys. But the only downside is like with the whirlwinds and stuff, they rely heavily on um on like the blast. Mm. They've kind of lost out on that blast now. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, same thing with, like, Thunderfire Cannons. Another thing that you would have really happily put in an Imperial Fist army. Absolutely nerfed. Uh, yeah. Now only straight four. You know, it's it's that thing, right? It's like... Yeah. That, you... The Thunderfire Cannon had to go down, though. Oh, of course it did. It was it was it so... it's It was so obnoxiously abusive in every possible way. Mm. Um, although, apparently, in the new book, it's still going to be Ballistic Skill 2. Which I don't understand. Well, I don't understand why it hits better than everything else in the entire army. Well, it's got a tech marine at the gun. Oh, but the tech, 
But the tech, but the tech marines now have the inbuilt ability to pick a a, a vehicle and give it plus one to hit. Mm. Oh. What does the? I I can't remember because I'm sure I previewed it a while ago. The new servo turrets, which yeah. is like manned also by a tech marine. Yeah. What does that hit on? Two. Does it hit on twos? Yep. Oh, so clearly tech marines are the best shooters, and that's well. That's literally I, tell, what it means. I tell you what, though. Um, you the with the servo turrets, you could have them as a squad. What a uh, squad of, of vehicles! A, a squad of one to three. Well, if you're you only... against Crimson Fist, you best watch out. The thing is, though, it could actually work in the. So, if I was an Imperial Fist player, I would probably just take nine of these. Yeah, because they move move three inches, so they're not going anywhere. Mm. Um, But each one puts out six strength seven minus one AP shots at two damage each. Three damage in in turn one, right? Yeah. Or you take the Laz Talon version, which puts out four shots. But therein, therein lies the problem as well, though, right, Joe? Is you're talking about an incredibly immobile army in a game where you need to capture objectives. Well, you just put nine of these at the back, didn't you? Yeah, and but just, then what else are you putting in this it. army? You know, it's like... And then, it's again, because what they've got doesn't necessarily complement certain other situations. It's, it's one of those things that... And how many points are nine of those things? What, they're going to clock in at 900 points? Eight hundred points, seven hundred points. I'd probably, I'd, I'd probably put them around. Knowing, I, I think that they should probably be about the one ten, one twenty. But knowing games workshop, they'll probably be like seventy points or something. Even then, though, mate, if you're taking nine of them, that's still six hundred and uh, what's that actually going to be? Six hundred and uh, and thirty points if there's seventy points to go. Yeah, it's a big chunk of your army, mate, just to have doing very little but sort of floating around and what happens when someone gets into a fight with it it falls over <laughs> exactly right <laughs> it's like no don't punch me no i don't want to be hit no uh well, anyway there you so go it guys can't, that... it can't it can't run away either yeah but that's 13 and 12 the crimson fists now let's move on to number 11 So number 11 is another of the Sons of Dawn. It is the Black Templars at number 11. I know, I know, right? I know. Now here's the thing, right? I really love the Black Templars as a theme. And I actually, for a long time, had them higher than this. But upon further evaluation, I just realised that there's a lot of problems with this army. The problem with Black Templars is that they're an assault-based Space Marine army, mm. and the other assault-based Space Marine armies do it better. To- totally agree. And I think here's, here's, here's the thing, right? Yeah. Righteous Zeal is phenomenal. Reroll advance and charge rolls, and a 5-plus feel-no-pain against mortal wounds is spectacular. That is a really good chapter ability. They've got different unit options they've got some good strats in this index that they can gain access to such as being able to advance and charge and come out of land raider crusaders and charge but with no they only get ignore I, psychic powers 
They don't ignore psychic powers. They no, don't. No, on a, with a stratagem, they can. They're like on a four up, isn't it? Uh, I don't know if that actually made it into the index. Oh yes, that's a good point actually. Yeah, no, that that that. So yeah, that didn't make it in. So they now have a bore the witch, which is use the stratagem in your opponent's psychic phase when any psychic model tries to do a thing on a four plus, you nullify it. But they don't have a you can't do this ability. Oh no, that's that's the one I meant. Yeah. Oh, so they, you meant on the they four ignore plus a psychic power on a four up? Right. Yes. 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 Sorry. Sorry. I thought you meant they just do it automatically because later chapters in this in this. Uh, assessment have abilities to automatically pass that check regardless of range as well by the way so you could do that if someone was casting a psychic power 48 inches away from you but we'll get to them when we get to them um the other massive problem they've got is whether it's a mistake or whether it's meant to be they've got rid of their super doctrine They don't have, have they? Yeah, it's gone. It's not in the index. Oh. So they don't have a super doctrine anymore. They are the only thing not to have a super doctrine. So they don't use the Imperial Fist one as a No. no. They have their own Black Templars one from Psychic Awakening. It's not in the index, it's been removed. It's so at the boo boo there, games workshop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I double, triple checked the version of this PDF that I've downloaded on Tuesday, the 6th of October, but they do not have a Super Doctrine. They used to have a Super Doctrine that, surprise, surprise, went off in the Assault Doctrine, but that all of that has gone away. Right. Plus also a lot of their weird stuff that they used to have when it came to like fighting characters, most of that's gone as well. So it used to be that they used to be well up for a fight and stuff, whereas now it's come become more broad. So a lot of what was good about them before is gone. The things that are really good about them is is a, a lot of their characters are spectacular. You know, yeah, they're like I'm just reading the rules for Hellbrecht, and he is he's a bit of a beast, isn't he? He is. A, this is the thing: they've got great characters, but all Space Marine chapters from here on in have great characters. This is the yeah. this is the problem. Because he right? gets. Because he gives everyone um, plus one strength. Yes. He rerolls the hits. He's a chapter master. Well, one unit uh, can reroll. His to hit. warlord trait gives you plus one to your advance and charge. Mm-hmm. When he fights, he gets five plus D three attacks. Yeah. With his strength six minus three two damage sword. Mm. Like he wrecks face. Yeah, and he's not even that expensive. I think it's 155 points for him. Yeah. And he's got and he's got two Obama save and a four up in them. Grimaldus is pretty good as well with the um, Canabite Servitors. They're pretty decent. They've got the uh, Relics of Hell's Reach. Uh, it's a well-friendly Black Templar unit with a six-inch unit. Each time that model would lose a wound as a result of a mortal wound, on a, D- on a four plus you ignore it. So you've got four plus ignores on mortal wounds uh, yeah. with, uh, with those Servitors. Um, the um, the Emperor's Champion is is an absolute savage. Again, though, the problem is with the Emperor's Champion now is is that you've practically got access to him in every army with the new chapter yeah. champion rules. The Emperor's Champion is slightly different, but the, yeah, but the uh, but he like gets... that was the way in Psychic Awakening as well. Yeah, he gets of course, all attacks and stuff. I'm not. This Why is the thing, does I'm... Chaplain Grimaldus only get three attacks? 
Well, because you know he's an old an old geezer. He's got beautiful eyes, doesn't he? Isn't that the story? <laughs> he, he's had a church fall on him. Fell on him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He's got four wow. attacks to be fair, Joe, in the first round of combat, though. Whoop de doo. Whoop de doo. The main the main problem with the Black Templars is is they are phenomenal at what they do. If you're up against an army that wants to be doing what you want them to be doing, i.e., if you're across the table from a mostly foot slogging uh, yeah. army of infantry. You're having a great time. You come up against an elder army with flying things, you know, flyers, all the rest of it. You come up against a Tau army. You come up against, you know, better shooting marine armies. You're just running into their gun lines and getting zoned out by vehicles that you can't do that much against. And you're just going to get blown to bits. Everyone knows what they can expect to see from a Black Templar army. Plus also the way their army works. They are one of the least well-equipped chapters to take advantage of the new coolness that is in the uh, the codex space marines with the exception of blade guard veterans blade guard veterans and black templars are phenomenal the problem is though is that heavy inf- uh, intercessors don't really do much with them um you know all the other like bikes and things they, they've got some options for sure but it's just yeah. they- like because like you really need to have like because you want to take all the characters, because the characters are what make your army really good. Mm-hmm. But you need you need a lot of the litanies to go off mm. from your chaplains, because that's what makes your army good. Yeah. Like re-roll, wound rolls of one. Um, your get like your chaplain makes every you select a unit and it gets to fight first in combat. Add one toward the extra attack stuff like that. But you're not going to be able to do it because you can only take like one chaplain in a detachment now, mm. and you need all the CP you can get hold of. It's... And the problem is, is like to get all those extra attacks and to get all those extra buffs and all the advancing and charging. At that point, you're better off taking any other assault-based space marine army because they get all that stuff for free without having to do tedious abilities. Exactly. This is the thing. I love what Black Templars are. I love what they represent. They're just... They're just not what you need at the moment. That's the thing. It's like, they are great. I mean, the Assault Intercessors, great. The the, the Blade Guard, great. But if if you're really rating all 13 of them, you have to, unfortunately, put Black Templars towards the bottom of that list. Fair enough, you could turn around to me and say, oh, well, they're you know, not as good as Imperial Fists, maybe. Cool, maybe they go further down. But when you start talking about what's ahead of us, I just don't know how you make an argument for the Black Templars. No. <laughs> That's the problem. It's like, and, and that is... I mean, let's, let's be honest. The, the Black Templars are always, unfortunately, at, at the bottom of the list, like, even, even before the FAQ, right? So yeah. they're, they're always a bit of a lonely child. They sort of suffer from the... Not quite popular. Well, they are popular, but not quite popular enough to be a Blood Angels or a Space Wolves. They're like the sort of slightly forgotten child as your family go to New York for Christmas or Paris <laughs> or wherever it was, and they're just there doing their own thing. And they, as as Joe said, a bit like Grimms and Fists, they sort of go, "Oh well, we've got to update them because we still sell some models." 
Um, but they haven't gone. Actually, let's let's give them a supplement and a proper decent treatment in their. Yeah, I think that the Crimson Fists, Flesh Terriers, and Black Templars, in my opinion, only exist because it's harder for GW just to kind of just slide them off the edge of the table (laughs) because there'll be like 10 people that will just kick up a right stink and then someone at Games Workshop is just like I can't be bothered to deal with this at at the end of the day they've created character miniatures for all these ranges well well, they did they did 20 years ago yeah yeah, they haven't updated well 15 years ago I think for most of these guys well no yeah 20 years ago for um, Black Templars though yeah yeah. I just think I just think that they just kind of need to forget about them. Just do, just do what Forge World do. Just release some shoulder pads, release some heads, occasionally take them out of availability, then bring them back after a couple of years once you've had enough complaints. There you go. There and just go. be like, take whatever chapter tactic you want. All right, then. So that was our first 13 of our top 10. So that was uh, the first one, two, three. So 13th. 12th and 11th place so before we get into the top 10 let's have a recap due to an underwhelming chapter tactic coming in at number 13 is the crimson fists thanks to an FAQ filled with nerfs imperial fists are not number 12 and always the bridesmaid never the bride black templars at number 11 But who is the first of our top 10 entries? Let's rip this, make way for strength! The White Scars are number 10. Uh, really? Oh, Dan. Mate, Dan. now... Yeah. Really? Really? Now, I have to be honest with you, I was really torn between White Scars being 10 or 9. But, again, this is just sort of going further towards illustrating what's ahead of us. The problem is with the White Scars is, and to be honest with you, they don't have too many problems. They've got a really great chapter tactic, which is advancing and shooting their assault weapons with no penalty. Bearing in mind as well, they can advance and charge after having shot their assault weapons with no penalty. They are incredibly mobile. Blade Guard veterans love being White Scars as soon as they get in the assault doctrine anyway, because their super doctrine is bananas. They're mobile, and, you know, they've got characters with a lot of punch. The, the problem is with them is that they do still suffer with a little bit of a one-dimensional theory when it comes to army list construction. And I feel like with Ninth Edition, you're rewarded for being a little bit more of an all-rounder. And I feel like when it comes to the White Scars, they are that one-dimensional. However, you, you could disagree. You, sir, have not been charged by 15 aggressors. Because it's not fun. I have been charged by 15 aggressors. And 15 white scars aggressors? Yeah, and they, and they tear the hell out of you. But the thing is, is, is that the, the thing is with them is, and I, I, look, and I accept, the, the, the problem I've got with this is that when I look at the guys that come ahead and I think about everything that's available to them and how some of the new stuff works and how some of the old stuff works, my problem is with the White Scars is, is I feel like in a competitive mindset, 
and thinking about it sort of more mechanically within the game, I do feel like that sort of one-dimensional aggression is their biggest weakness, you know? And again, I'm not suggesting that they're bad by any stretch of the imagination. As I've already illustrated with my summary of them, they're spectacular. I just think they make you and they force you as a Marine player into a direction that you have to stay in. They, they, they put you in a lane and you have to stay there. I don't know. I mean, what's your experience with these guys, uh, Phil? You've been playing White Scars. Uh, I have been. I mean, a relatively limited experience. Uh, I think currently they've got a decent set of stratagems. Mm. I think it sounds like in the new codex, there's an ability to jump ahead in the tactical doctrine. So that will actually really benefit them. So they can always have at least one squad um, in the close combat doctrine mm. uh, sort of from turn one. So I think I think there's going to be some perks to them. Uh, I think what you said earlier about there's the like they're a close combat army like Black Templars, but there are other chapters which do close combat better. Namely, I guess Blood Angels and Space Wolves, and I imagine that will is, is still always going to be the case. Um, whether that's actually true now, because those two are currently in a weird limbo where they don't really have many stratagems uh, and you know access to cool gear. Whereas at least uh, white scars have like a full supplement that is compatible, and they they didn't really get they didn't really get nerfed in any way in terms of like their FAQ was just making things compatible with the new rules, right? There was I think one stratagem where I think it's Swift Wind where you can like do a double move. Yeah. Um, I think that got changed so you can only do it after you've done a normal move, so you can't advance first and then use the ability to just move. Well, it's a normal move or fallen back. Yeah, whereas I think before it was a, you can just do it after having move and advance. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't know if that meant you could do a double advance or at least you can just advance once. Mm. I I mean, I don't know. I mean, a a relatively minor tweak to to the wording of the rules and stuff like that. But otherwise, I think they're pretty unscathed. So... Yeah, there's, you know, I think that's quite low down. I think that's a bit harsh. Well, and again, though, right, again, when you go through, and I'll obviously share the working outs with you after, but like... The formula. The formula. When you are in, like, this is the thing, right? Once you've kind of eliminated the bottom three, what you're left with is such a very, very strong wedge of things. Like, they're all really good. So it's like one of those ridiculous formulas where you're like... Oh, God, what edges it out? I'd say all the guys from 10 to 5, 10 to 6, are incredibly strong under any any set of circumstances, which is an amazing testament to Games Workshop and what they've actually created with the Space Marine range. True. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, think... I think, so, you know, with White Scars, you've got to think, you know, those new uh, speeders, uh, they're going to do really well as White Scars, aren't they? Uh, well, again, though... They're are they going to do, do really well as White Scars? I mean, yeah. Well, sure. you've got the, the crazy melter one, right? That's surely going to be an Could, assault weapon. Yeah, potentially. I mean, again, though, right? I mean, the problem is is the board sizes have gotten sort of so small comparatively now that, like, the mobility of those speeders isn't massively impacted by the ability to advance and shoot. Neither is it really impacted by... Well, 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 well. I, I, I would disagree, especially when using melter that does plus two damage at half range. Well, they like 13 if, if, you can, if, that can, if that can sneak you into 
sneak you into half range. Aren't those things like 30 inch range guns on a vehicle that moves 16 though? Mm. Sounds about right. Joe, you, you're the yeah, sort of man who remembers that's things. assuming something sat in, in, you're on your deployment zone edge, they're on your deployment zone edge, you know, you're probably going to be hidden behind something, they're going to be hidden behind something, so actually, yeah, they've got fast movement, but you, even then you still might need that that extra the advance, that extra bit. You might need it, you know. I'm just saying that's that's an option, a valid tactic. Mm. I think they, they pretty, do have lots I'm of good movement. Sure aren't all their weapons heavy? Yeah, I'm just looking at the rules from now on the old community site when they because they put that out. Yeah, yeah they're all heavy. The, all the new land speeders' weapons are heavy. Uh, well, yeah, the, the, mel- the melter see... destroyer is heavy free. Okay. I think for but... white stars, you you could see a lot like a lot of. Impulsor with assault intercessor lists because they can literally because ju- assault intercessors are still going to be troops, so you can literally just send squads of those all out over the table, advancing and charging into your opponent's lines, just stealing pe- objectives off people. Yeah, the assault intercessors have got the, are the only unit to have the the, the double attack stratagem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They've got um, White Scars have a stratagem where you can turn one, I think it's one vehicle, uh, its heavy weapons into assault. So, you know, that would, that always combos well with something. This is the the thing, right? It's like any other army out there in the world of 40k, as an elder player, I'd love to have the options that White Scars have. You know, as a a whatever player, you're going to be thinking, crikey, you know, White Scars are great and they are but it's that thing isn't it it's compared to some other sort of marine things but yeah look, as you've illustrated amazing stratagems great chapter tactic with a lot of flexibility the thing is though as i said you keep coming back to certain archetypes certain things that you think that you want and and here's the thing right these are one of the worst armies to take heavy intercessors in and heavy intercessors are broadly already understood to be one of the strongest things in space marines so if you can assert that the strongest thing in your Space Marine army is going to be things like heavy intercessors, these are one of the worst things for heavy intercessors. Well, can I tell you what they do have access to? Please. Some, some of the best in the game. Good hats. Good hats! Good hats. <laughs> Think of those little plumes on top of their heads. They yeah. are some of the best at Wolf Chapters. I don't know, man. I've always found that they've had some of the, uh, some of the ugliest miniatures in the uh, Space Marine range. Really? Yeah, the white. I don't like the weird, like Mongol look that they've got. I never liked White Scar's appearance. That that sounds. Uh, oh, I think I actually though. think that the White Scars are probably one of the best looking Marine armies. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, fair play. I mean, look, I, I, I when I look at the the Forge World range, I always look at them and go like that Terminator captain with the eagle. I go, oh, he looks all right, I guess. But what's no, all those... you, you are right. Their, Some of their... the Forge World Horus Heresy looks a bit derpy. When it comes <laughs> their to Terminators spells. are incredible. Oh, I hate those. What, with the, with the big swords? Yeah, the, the Terminator is incredible. You think I'm they not, are, but then when I'm you sort of really look at the silhouette of them, they don't work. Oh, no, but I've held them. Oh, you've I've, held them. I've, I've held them. You've cuddled them up. Yeah, I've swaddled them. <laughs> they... They're quite lovely. Very well. Really. Um, they're, although their contempt and their Leviathan are a bit poo. 
Yeah, and their captain with the sword running forwards is terrible. Oh yeah, he is better with a helmet on, you know, with a badge. Yeah, I'll I'll give you that. If if you got a helmet for him, he's better. Anyway, there we go, guys. Number ten was the white scars. Now let's see what number nine could be. They shoot us in the back like traitors. The Raven Guard, number nine. So, weighing up the Raven Guard to the White Scars was a really interesting dynamic because the White Scars are, in some respects, quite similar in so much as they are quite kind of mobile and they are quite aggressive. (laughs) They're quite similar as much as they are completely different. As much as they are completely different. Look, here's the thing about the Raven Guard, right? So, first and foremost, the Raven Guard have got probably one of the best chapter tactics out there which is if you're outside of 18 inches you are considered to be in light cover and if you are in cover within outside of 12 inches you gain the dense cover ability so if you're in a ruin outside of 12 inches so you've got really great survivability and really great um you know saving throws added in there also their abilities their big pro is they are spectacular at killing characters they kill characters really, really well. Um, and they've got a great, uh, you know, chapter tactic. And also, they're also quite an aggressive army as well. So they, so like the White Scars, these are the army that you always see in your face turn one, right? Because everyone's either going, here's my Centurion bomb, here's my Aggressor bomb, here's my, you know, Shrike with his, with his Vanguard Vet bomb, it was always, always the way that you would kick off any game against the Raven Guard, which is where I'm drawing the comparable to the White Scars, with a big scary unit of something punchy in your face, as it were. So Raven Guard are really, really aggressive, while also very defensive. And this is why I've put them in ninth place, because they've got this 50-50 booking problem. Your army wants to, in one instance, be this super aggressive aggro machine while also keeping away from you. And this is the, where their dynamic sort of breaks down a lot. And I've seen so many Raven Guard players historically fail because of this dynamic. They throw a unit at your entire army and they go, yeah, these guys are going to kill everybody. But normally what happens is, is they hit something. And yeah, sure, they kill something. But then your opponent relatively easily deals with what you've put in their face. You know, because with the best will in the world, whatever you've thrown at them isn't going to be the equivalent of their entire 2,000-point force. So what happens is, is, yeah, that roadblock is there, but you deal with it, and then you start to pick them apart. Because all of a sudden, that aggro is gone, and they've just got... Ooh, Thunderfire Cannons, or ooh, Whirlwinds, or ooh, Devastator Squads, or whatever. And I think that is where they really start to become a bit weird, because you invest a lot of points in that aggro, that turn one aggression, but then you start to crumble, because nine times out of ten, that gets dealt with. Again, that's been my experience with Raven Guards. Joe, you you know a bit about this. What do you think? I think as an army, you've got... You can have. You've really got to play to their strengths. I think it only really works if you're taking, I don't know, three units of um, eliminators, 
And you probably end up taking three units of eradicators in case you come up against knights. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, like, they they used to benefit from um, the stalker right bolt rifles having that stratagem where you can shoot characters, but they don't mm-hmm. have it anymore. Mm-hmm. That's gone. Um, aggressors don't get double shoot anymore. So you can't just blop them in front of your opponent's lines and be like, "Here, have at it." Mm-hmm. I my strike my is issue, a massive plus. Like if I was strike, strike is strike is really good, but um, I think if you're going to play Raven Guard now, you've got to play them like their seventh, six and seventh edition ones, where you just go old Marine heavy. Mm. And take Vanguard vets with Storm Shield and Thunder Hammers. Then mm. you just hide at the back of the board, turn one and two, sit on, sit on some objectives. And as soon as your opponent pushes the center of the table, you just you just you just let loose. But there's the problem, though, right? Isn't it? Because yeah. all of a sudden you're relying on counter charges as opposed yeah. to as opposed to that aggressive element. And that's what I've seen most people do with Raven Guard. Here's my thousand points of aggro here's my thousand points of of um you know of standing back and even if you go first i mean i had this at uh, beachhead back when i'm mm. still playing 40k tournaments i've had it in many 40k tournaments where i played raven guard i played a guy in the last game of the tournament exceptional raven guard player fantastic army he sent multiple smash captains multiple aggressors multiple things at me and you know he killed a bunch of stuff, sure, but he was left with you know maybe the, but like. But like the problem is with the Templars is that um, they are they can be played as an assault army, but they are not as good as assault as the other armies. Totally. Um, I think they because and with with scouts going to elites, mm. you you can't run like three units of eliminators and six units of sniper scouts. Mm. And just kill all your opponent's characters anymore because it's just not efficient. Can I can I just say as well? I think as well as people start to see this addition mature and mm. the changes begin to apply to auras and other things, I do think we're going to move towards slightly less emphasis on characters and more on native abilities and and other things. I think you're going to look at characters as nice to haves as opposed to essential elements especially when you consider with the way that command points are generated like yeah. you and, and also if you are going to be taking characters you're going to be taking super durable characters that you're going to struggle to kill even with raven guard although to be fair if anyone's going to do it it's going to be the raven guard right <laughs> yeah raven guard are going to absolutely annihilate characters yeah um they just they just need to get back Potentially, if they redid their supplement, I think that they might end up with warlord traits and stratagems that allow squads to target characters, mm. um, so they can kill them off. They're pretty good with heavy intercessors as well. Yeah. With the whole minus one to hit outside of eighteen um, plus one save. But like you said, their whole their whole shtick is being far away and getting cover when you shoot at them. Mm. But the game is designed now about holding objectives and getting stuck in. Mm. And most games, you only ever end up with one objective in your deployment. Sometimes two on Dawn of War, 
but armies are so quick that that you won't you won't benefit from that cover save very very long. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I I'm surprised that you put Raven Guard as high as you have. <laughs> what number nine? <laughs> Where yeah. would you have put them? Would you put White Skies higher? I would have put White Scars because I I honestly was in two minds. It was going to be either White Scars. I I honestly thought that the final place was a was going to be a tie between um, Crimson Fists and Raven Guard. Wow, you really thought that poorly of them. Yeah, I just think like again, like we looked at the concept of doing Raven Guard back in seventh edition. Mm. And I love all the heresy books. I kind of like everything about them, but they are just, they suffer from the same issue I have with uh, Black Legion. Mm. They're really, really cool, but their rules are just absolute tripe. (laughs) I want nothing more than to have this army in my possession and paint them, but I have no reason to I was going to say, it's funny, when the supplements came out, everyone was saying, oh, odds are Raven Guard are going to be the sort of secret contenders for, like, competitive chapters. They like, were, very briefly. Yeah, they they really were for a while. And it was when people started to unlock the madness that was, you know, deep striking in your Centurion squads and deep strike. You know, all this stuff got really crazy. And it is really crazy. The problem is, is... Now more than ever, with the points hike that everything's had, you can't afford to be that nonchalant about units of that caliber. You need yeah. those things to do heavy lifting. Because if you chuck, you know, five assault centurions up the other end of the board and they fluff that charge, you're absolutely done for. Because that five-man unit of assault centurions is what four hundred and fifty points. Mm. So it's. I, like, I think the problem is is. The main issue that Raven Guard have mm. is they're an ar- army that suits old Marines and the old Marine playstyle down to the ground. Mm. They do not fit or suit Primaris. None of the Primaris stuff functions as Raven Guard. Well, you could maybe make an argument for the uh, the Reaver squads. <laughs> oh, they're all they're garbage as well. Because, but the problem is. All the cool stuff that you, the primaris things that you would think would exist within a Raven Guard army, mm. e.g., Phobos Marines, Eliminators, mm. the guys jumping with the the um, auto cannons, all require having to be up close. Yeah, and don't really do anything that you want the Raven Guard to be doing. Yeah. Raven Guard's chapter tactic doesn't fit their archetype. And that's why I called it that weird 50-50 booking, because the idea is is that you're always going to want to take stuff that's fighty, because that sort of plays into their archetype. But then equally, you want stuff that benefits from this chapter tactic. And you get obsessed with that. You turn into this person that builds an army that is... You know, it, 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 it's, it's just not that good. Mm. I think thing. anyone that collects Raven Guard collect them because they are their favorite totally they collect them because they want to do them because they are cool yes and that is all that is all all right phil any closing thoughts on raven guard or should we move along nah nah like they, they did pretty well to place so highly they did and i'll be honest with you i i, I take on board joe's point that that one was 
I, I just felt like they were they had some at least some interesting character related killing tricks, mm. and I like their chapter master more than I like the White Scars chapter master, as a as a as not as a character but as an actual unit in the game. Shrike is mm. a lot better than Khan. Mm. In as an individual, probably yes. But as a force multiplier, no. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's move on to number eight. The purgation by flame has begun. It's the salamanders. No. Salamanders at number eight. No. 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 So, so the salamanders came in at number eight. So they have... Above... Above what? Flipping flesh terrors. Huh? Are you... Are you on the source? <laughs> Below flesh terrors, mate. Their supplement is, and their rules combined, they should be in the top three. So here's the thing with salamanders, right? So their abilities is is they ignore AP one, and that's an important stipulation. So ignoring AP minus one is an important stipulation because you can also ignore a lot of marine matchups. Because me and Richie were talking about this earlier. Because the bolt guns, the bolt rifles, are minus one AP. So you ignore that and then go down to zero. But then you add the additional minus for being in the tactical doctrine. So then they become back to normal minus one. So there's some interesting nuances in terms of how that rule works. But that's that. They have lost the ability to re-roll to hit rolls. So it used to be that they used to re-roll a to hit roll and a to wound roll. Now they only re-roll to wound rolls. Additionally, in terms of their benefits, the flame arranges increasing is massive for these guys, obviously. Lots of what they do, benefits and buffs. Um, they literally have a stratagem that allows you to have maximum the amount of shots. Yes, yeah, they, their stratagems are phenomenal when it comes to flamers and all the rest of it. Um, you've also got the advantages that heavy intercessors represent for these guys. Heavy intercessors are crazy good as salamanders. And they are... Heavy intercessors are the most perfect unit for salamanders. Totally agree. Totally agree. In, and And yet you push them all the way out here. Well, into look, no man's land. We'll, we'll get into the topic of the other guys in a bit, but yeah, look, I mean, the thing is with the salamanders is, is here, here's the thing with the salamanders, right? I mean, and, and if I can just talk through some of their negatives, they've changed Vulcan quite a bit, so they've nerfed Vulcan, and they haven't updated his profile. So Vulcan, Vulcan is one of the weirder ones because he's not really like. You know, I mean, you're still going to probably take Vulcan, but he, they've changed the way he works. So he doesn't now uh, do an aura. He, pick, he picks he, a thing. He picks a unit, yeah. and he can re-roll the attacks hit and wound. Yeah. You do realise that Eradicators exist, right? I do realise that Eradicators and exist And they're a well. six-man unit that puts out 12 to 14 multi-melter shots. Assuming they're shooting at the same thing. Which they will be, because... And and they get to re-roll all their hits and wounds. Yeah, and I... I, I and get plus one to wound from turn two onwards. So, the reason... So here's the thing, right? 
the couple of reasons why I put Salamanders at eight. Because you are right, re-rolling all that stuff is good. It's very good. But again, you obviously got to pay the Vulcan tax to get that. And he's a chapter master. Or he, and he's no, he's a not a chapter master. He's not. They don't have a chapter master. You have to buy yeah, but, a chapter master for that. Yeah, but he has, a ca- he has the captain word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gives them re-roll once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, Vulcan's good. And also, Agrax, Agatone, is an absolute monster as well. Like, this is the thing. I think the problem is with the Salamanders is the aggressor's nerf has impacted them. Meh. Not really. Of course it has, because they don't double shoot anymore. They don't need to. Yeah, but they you're, do need to, because that's, need... that's where well, a lot of Because what you do is you you just roll... You just you use Blade Guard mm-hmm. to stop anyone shooting at your aggressors, because yeah. you just pay a CP. No, no, you can't shoot at them. You've got to shoot my Blade Guard instead. Yeah. Who are on... And if you shoot them with a... Um, uh, any gun that has minus one AP, so basically any army that's not Space Marines currently, mm. and most of the Space Marine army, so they've got a one-up save all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you can't shoot them. You get there, you do your two D. So what? That's what ten D six, autom or ten. Well, just be sixty flamer automatic hits turn two, mm. all wounding on threes. Um. Rerolling to wounds because of what's the chops, mm. and they're minus one AP. Yeah, and then they they walk into combat. With, how many attacks does an aggressor get now? Three. Uh, so they get four, four on a charge. Yeah, they get four on a charge. You pop Vulcan sigil. They've all got five attacks now, and then you pay one CP. So every roll of a six to wound, it does double damage. But I mean, again. You're talking about a unit in aggressors comboing and with a unit of blade guard. Or you just what send do the, them what the do the aggressors guard. do? What do the what does this massive expensive combo that you've just described do? Turn one. Well, it just rocks up. It just chills in a building. <laughs> one moves from one building to another one. How many points is that? You just got chilling out doing nothing. But you know, that you are just you are thinking about a tiny, tiny little microcosm of this army. Well, no, right. you are. You're the one who offered it to me as an opinion for why they're no, but good. You can, or you just rock up with fifteen blade guard and just right. be like, "Cool, you can't kill me." You put a chaplain in the middle to give them all a five up, feel no pain. Sure. It's like here's my unkillable blob of blade guard. So where are they going? Down the middle. Yeah. And they're definitely unkillable. Yeah. Totally unkillable. Nothing could kill them. Well, they they what about die. what about what about smite? Well, they just five up, feel no pain. It so it's like whatevs. Works well, because five up, feel no pain works every time, does it? Every time. Every time. <laughs> Phil, what's your opinion, mate? Come on, get in on this. So, I feel like this is a fix because I think I know who you've got in number one, and I think you're determined to get them there. So, um, you know. I think there's not much me and Jake can do about it. Well, no, no um, at this point, yeah, this is why this is the debate. Though. I'm putting out my op- opinions, and you're here uh, to, to, to critique well, my decisions. Well, fair enough. Um, I, th- I think Joe's point is interesting, but what he's saying is I'm creating like a kind of Death Star unit where I'm putting my whole army and all my points, all my buffs into one squad. Well, no, exactly you, do, you do have lots of... You, the thing is, though, Space Marines are going to be starting the game with, on average, 10 CP, right? 10 CP. And you've got a Chapter Master in there 
who gets you. So at the start of every turn, you roll a dice and a four plus, you get a command point. So you're going to be getting back six to what, ten what? CP in the game. Well, you get your oh, game. Including, including the normal. Well, that, that's not true because you, you get one a turn, so that's five. Yes, yeah. And then on average, a four plus is half, so you're going to get another two and a half. Well, you don't get two and a half. You get three. Well, no, you'll get you'll get two or a three. Yeah, let's, let's let's be generous and say four. So they get you're you're talking nineteen if you're starting with ten. Yeah, which is so still you're good. A ridiculous amount of stuff. Hmm. I think you are mad. Okay, all right. No, look, that, that's totally fair enough, mate. I'm not suggesting this is the definitive list. I'm just going through what I've evaluated based on what I've seen. I thought well, the flame I... buff was good. The problem is, is Again, to your point in the old things, relies quite a lot on old marines in order to get hold of more flamers. So you're going to be looking at things like stern guard vets and command squads, right? So you're going to add those elements in to, to bring those things to the party. You're going to look at aggressors, which are still quite expensive now, given the fact that they've been debuffed. And you're going to look at things, as you've said, as blade guard veterans. Now, they're still space marines. They're still good. I'm, literally, the, the points of differentiation between these chapters is so marginal. But the Salamanders, in my opinion, although they've got so many tricks around buffing and making super horrifying aggressor squads, the aggressor squads aren't what they were an edition ago, you know? Yeah, I, but I don't think the aggressors even needed the double shoot. You wasted so I think. Well, they do I, when you're spending that many CPs and that, points of salamanders have. You can't even. The thing is, mate, I don't even think it's the double shot that's killed them. It's the not being able to advance and shoot that's killed them. That was my aren't bigger. Aren't their concern. weapons assault anyway? Oh yeah, crikey, they are. So yeah, forget I said that. <laughs> yeah, they they advance and auto hit with flamers. Yes. All right, fine. I'll, re- I'll retract that statement. Maybe I yeah, need to they, reevaluate it. I, Maybe they should have gone up to number seven. Salamanders arguably have the best stratagems in the game. I mean, they certainly have very As- good stratagems. Very, very good stratagems. Anyway, there we go. That was a controversial one, everybody. Shall we move on to number seven? Yeah, go on. Go on, then. Okay. The mightiest weapon is powerless without the warrior to wield it. It's the Iron Hands. Joe? I'm going to hang up this call in a minute. I just. <laughs> What's wrong with the Iron Hands I'm being in so seven? so ashamed of you right now. Why? What's wrong so... with the Iron Hands being seven? They're garbage. Mate, they're not garbage. They are far from garbage. So, Iron Hands have had all of the nerfs known to man, right? Because they were so strong last edition so they now have six plus feel no pain across the board so if they get wounded six plus they ignore it but probably more important with the way this codex has shaked out is the fact that vehicles count as having double wounds it's massive mate because dreadnoughts are ridiculous terminators are ridiculous um all these vehicles these flyers are ridiculous Keeping them at max efficiency for longer is huge now. They are crazy durable, which is massively important in this edition. They've got, as I say, great chapter tactics that really benefit vehicles and uh, dreads. But again, in terms of a downside, they have got a lot of nerfs. So when you actually start going through their supplement and then 
comparing it to their FAQ, there is a lot more to get your head around in terms of things that have been debuffed and nerfed. But again, Ferios is still a ridiculously good choice for heavy intercessors because he gives them all five up in funds on top of obviously the three plus armor saves. There's lots of really good stuff in Iron Hands, but the thing that pipped it for me was that I read the Dreadnought rules and then I went, they have the best Dreadnoughts. Case closed. <laughs> I mean, what do you think, Phil? Am I mad? No, no you're right. Dread, dreadnoughts are good. The only downside is that Dreadnoughts still only have eight wounds. Yeah, no, well, I mean, obviously the Redemptors in a, um, four, no, 12, isn't it? But- uh, the re- the redemptor the only buff uh, the redemptor has actually got better mm. because um, the thing puts out twenty heavy bolt well twenty strength five minus one one damage shots mm-hmm. it absolutely blends like like units and it, and it's d three plus three damage in melee yeah so. <laughs> It is actually a lot better. I don't know how many attacks it's getting anymore. Uh, it's got four attacks on profile, five on the charge. Or five in the first round of combat. So yeah, it's got five attacks. And if if you've got... Does Ferios function like uh, a tech priest now? Where yes. he gives the unit plus one to hit, to hit? Well, he always gave the units plus one to hit. Uh, well, I suppose he, uh, if you had... Hmm, and he benefits from all the new stuff they've given to the to, to the Tech Marine stuff, yeah. Because you're going to want him, a Chapter Master and a Lieutenant, which doesn't leave much space for another... Yeah, but you don't need another character at that point, priest. right? You're, you're going to be like... You could just chuck those things in. Aren't Tech Marines... No, Tech Marines aren't elites, are they? No, they're HQs. Yeah, yeah. I was just saying... I mean, this is the thing. When I was looking at Iron Hands and I was looking at Salamanders to use the two comparables... I literally was like, these guys, to me, feel like, on average, they're going the, to be the better the pro- option. The problem with Iron Hands and running an all-Dreadnought list is Dreadnoughts aren't obsec, whereas a Salamander's player is going to be running heavy intercessors out of the wazoo. Yeah, but you can and still run are... heavy intercessors. And with Ferios, you've got five up in buns and six up feel no pain on those four wound, sorry, three wound aggressors, uh, heavy intercessors. Mm. So that's the thing. I mean, they're comparable, right? I'm not saying I, I genuinely, I'm not, I, I'm genuinely torn between the two. And I really was when I put this list together I be, think... because it hurt me to put Iron Hands this high up. I was gunning for them to be really low down, but it's like, ah, oh, dang it. They're actually really good because of the way the vehicle rules have shaped out. The the issue you're going to, so aggress- so their super doctrine is not very good now though. Their super doctrine is a bit poo. Um, the, the issue, if you put an army of um, Salamander's Heavy Intercessors up against an army of Iron Hands ones mm-hmm. in a game using the characters and the stratagems and stuff like that. So a normal Salamand- game. <laughs> a normal game, the Salamanders yeah. will win. Um, because, I... because, and hear me out, Salamanders have access to two stratagems that give you plus one save whilst you're in combat, one mm-hmm. from the codex and one in their own supplement. Okay. Most of the guns that the um I that the the heavy intercessors will be carrying are minus one 
AP mm-hmm. or no AP. No, the heavy intercessors, because uh, uh, if you're taking them as iron hands, you'll take the um, the minus two variant, right? Yeah, you could do. Because in turn one, they're re-rolling ones to hit natively and not suffering the penalty for the, moving the and shooting. The player just hides and then walks through walls <laughs> and shoots you with the exact same guns. What, 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 ta- what terrain is this that you're talking about, though, now, mate? You're starting to get into this weird world where you're using that vanguard terrain that no one else uses well, because... matter, yeah but are you just assu- are you saying are you just assuming that they're playing on an open table no i'm just assuming they're playing, playing like... using official games workshop relic um ruins well then you just stand behind the building that's fine you're... then you're going to be a long way but, away but it doesn't <laughs> it's just going to be two armies standing behind buildings waiting for the does... first one to blink salamanders <laughs> will start off with their save being a lot higher than the than the iron hands will Yes, the Iron Hands get a six-up or invulnerable save. Feel no pain and a five-up invuln if you take Ferris. Yeah, but their save will be five-up versus the Salamanders, whereas the Salamanders will probably get be getting a three- or a four-up save. But then, what, again, though, looking at the other things, though, right? Looking at the new vehicles and, they've and, added. And very quickly, and the Salamanders have access to strats to give you plus one to wound which means they'll be wounding the Iron Hands on fours, whereas the Iron Hands... Actually, no, they'll be wounding the Iron Hands on threes, whereas the Iron Hands will be wounding the Salamanders on fours. Yeah, I mean, potentially, mate. I mean, again, I can't remember every... The thing is, just for the benefit of the listeners at home, Joe is currently frothing at the mouth to build a Salamanders army again, so he is well swatted up on all the Salamanders rules, whereas I... I'm not quite as well versed in what the Iron Hands bring to the table these days versus what they've the, been. The Iron Hands, the admittedly, do make a much better Dreadnought list because because all their Dreadnoughts are going to be minus two damage to wound. Yes. But. Well, not all of them because the Iron Stone only works when you pick one. So, yeah, you pick one. Yeah. And it gets minus one. Yeah, the yeah. rest of them are all. So he'll be minus two and the other ones will be minus one. But Phil um, pain six plus, which you can buff yeah. to five plus, I think. In, but um, everyone's going to be running space marines at the moment, and like I said, eliminators exist. So yes, you you reduce that plus two damage, but you're still going to be taking the D six. Yeah, and yeah, they're yeah. not obsec. I don't think I am. I iron hands are resilient, but they do not have the staying power on objectives. Okay. Well, I would say, for me, again, I think on ba- in battle on balance, I think what you're suggesting here is is that yeah, salamanders have the best have the best heavy intercessors. I'm saying these guys have the best dreadnoughts, but there's more to it than that. In so much as, I think the way this army has ended up shaking out is you can build a much more varied list with a lot more kind of diversity to it that you can start to use in different ways. So you don't necessarily rely on... They definitely aren't the army with the killer Death Starry combos anymore because Games Workshop realised how broken those were and got rid of them. But what they do have is just... You can have these guys all over the place and they can fight over objectives and you're always going to have a hard time shifting them. And what you're sort of suggesting, based on what I'm hearing, is is you're going to have this big salamander hammer that's going to move around and going, I'm killing this and I'm killing this. And it's like, cool, every turn you're killing something. Whereas I feel like these guys could be a little bit more tactically flexible. Again, I'm the, 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 it's a microscopic difference between the two. 
but I, mm. I feel like Ironhide's edge it out. What do you think, Phil? Let's get your casting vote on this. Um, I think Joe's made a lot of good points. I, I want Sally's to be good, uh, but I'm Team Dreadnought, basically. <laughs> I think, I think the, the new Dreadnought rules, in the context of this little game, uh, make them win. You're so weak, Phil. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, there you go. So that was number seven. Let's get the last of this burst to five and then we'll do a recap so it's number six shelter behind those plants brothers it's the flesh terrors everybody the flesh terrors come in at number six now cool cool on on to number five (laughs) well let me just explain why the flesh terrors came in at number six because at their core they are Blood Angels with a slightly different uh, chapter tactic and what, a lot less characters, but one very good character. I mean, I feel like you would have to be pretty mad to not acknowledge that Gabriel Seth is a little bit of a dude. I don't know. I mean, Joe, you're an opinionated man this evening. What do you think of old Seth? Oh, I love Gabriel Seth. I would never have a bad word said about Gabriel Seth. <laughs> I, I, he's just, he's just so cool, isn't he? And isn't I think that... a lot of the stuff that makes the Flesh Terrors great are the things that we'll talk about when we get onto the Blood Angels, wherever they appear. But the Flesh Terrors are a slightly worse version of Blood Angels, who, as you will hopefully have already noticed, haven't been spoken about yet. Uh, so they obviously feature high. On the list, so as he got as he, Gabriel Seth has got, yeah, he's an absolute. He's he a monster, mate. He's he a monster. Is. He's got his so his chainsaw is a is a thunder hammer. Well, yeah. it's a it's the old thunder hammer, mm. but it is a thunder hammer nonetheless. Yeah, it's a thunder hammer, and uh, he can fight twice. Yeah, he fight, I didn't notice that he fights twice. Yeah, he's a beast. Um, he's an absolute beast. And friendly fresh flesh terrors core units in six. Um when they an unmodified wound roll of a six, um the damage characteristic of their attack is increased by one. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, he's a monster. He's a monster, Joe. He's a monster. Isn't is is his data sheet in the new index? Because surely he's a forge rod model, right? No, no, no he's a Games Workshop. You're thinking about Gabriel Angelos. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. No, Gabriel Seth, he's in the uh, Blood Angels Index, yeah. He's uh, 160 points, but he is a monster. And he's right, got six you, wounds. He's got six wounds, and he gets... Because the Flesh Terrors, um, they add one to their attack, to their wound roll... And an unmodified wound roll of a six improve the armor penetration of the attack by one. Yeah. Um, so it gets plus one damage and an additional minus one AP. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But he doesn't give it to himself though, which makes me a little bit sad. Well, no, but he, he you know, he's wounding pretty much everything he gets into on threes at least, twos mm. most of the time. Because he's um, strength eight on a charge, and then he's still got plus one to his wounds. So yeah, he's wounding yeah. most things on twos. And then he's also yeah, he just fights. T- so you could for you could use that stratagem to have him fight again. So he could fight three times. 
He's a monster, Joe. He's a monster. Um, and added into that, uh, you've got the aggressive onslaught stratagem. So use the strategy in your fight phase. Select one flesh terrorist infantry unit from your army until the end of that phase when this model makes a parlin move. They can move up to six instead of three. So you can parlin six. So you can put that stratagem on him and fight three times. So he can just go, I've killed that unit. Next one, dead. Next one, dead. He's a savage. Is <laughs> what he is. No more thoughts or feelings on Gabriel Gabriel Seth there then. He is he is a lad. He is a lad. There you go. So there you are, guys. That was our uh, rundown of the uh, of that lot. Let's have a recap on where we're up to. Despite tabletop titans saying they're good, we put white scars at number ten. A shifting meta towards less characters, Raven Guard are your number nine. Despite Joe's obvious frustration, Salamanders are number eight. Improved vehicles make improved iron hands, number seven. And because Gabriel Seth is a thing, flesh terrors are number six. But who will be the first of our top five entries? We shall be remembered in the Book of Honor. It's the Ultramarines, everybody. Joe, hey, hey, Ultramarines, hey. <sighs> What's happened here, Joe? My brother. <laughs> Sounds fair. So, the Ultramarines... I honestly thought Ultramarines would be number one. You thought Ultramarines would be no, number one. This is Dan. I can tell you he's number one. No, don't tell him. We've got to get through it. Let, let but him... Ultramarines are... Are the single most versatile chapter in the game. Their entire army falls out of combat and then shoots you. It does, and then yes. one CP charges back in. And they're the only army in the game, apart from Tau, that can shoot you with four units when in Overwatch. I mean, it's quite an expensive strat to do it, though. Yeah, but... Oof. Anyway, so... They have the ability to fall back and shoot at minus one, and they get plus one leadership. You forgot that, Joe. Uh, the pros I have put down as their breadth of characters, good strats, which you've obviously just spoken about. They have excellent stratagems. They've got the defensive gunner-style stratagem thing that Joe just described, where you can shoot lots. Uh, they've got the ability to redeploy free units in their army, so they've got the elder-style phantasm ability. Uh, they've got the ability to move things into the tactical doctrines, They've got lots of great stuff. And also, I mean, in terms of characters, they've got, um, obviously, Good. Chapter Master uh, Marnius Calgar. They've got Tigarius, who is one of the best librarians or best psychers in the game. But the thing that trumps all of that is Bobby G. Roberto Gilliman, single greatest character in terms of stats and or gameplay functionality in all of Space Marines. No single Space Marine thing is better than Bobby G. So why have they come fifth, I hear you shout? Well, I'll be honest I'm, with you. I'm just assuming that um, that social distancing and working from home is taking its toll on you. Look, the, the reason why I feel like, again, why the Ultramarines are here is I feel like most people are going to look at these lists and they're immediately going to get drawn to those characters. And they're immediately going to get drawn to Roberto Gilliman. 
because he is the only character who still has the chapter master aura of old. Yeah. So, and, and, right, Vitrix Honorguard, by the way, while a friendly Ultramarines character unit that has a wounds characteristic of nine or less is within three inches of this unit, enemy models cannot target that character with ranged attacks, which then which negates the lookout sir rule. No, it does. It, it, well, it's, it, it's, it does. Because it, it doesn't negate the lookout sir you, 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 well, well, no, it, it does. What, what it, Joe, what I think what Joe means is it, it negates oh, weapons that ignore lookout sir. Yeah, like it, oh, that's that overrules the the sniper ability. Yeah, but you're forgetting though, Joe. Everyone has access to that in command squads. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. Yeah, but no one's ever going to take a command. Well, they will squad, do, Joe. If you can't shoot characters when there's a command squad next by, you could take yeah. you could take one nor you could take one normal veteran space marine and a sergeant. So two regular space marines with four wounds between, or, you know, collectively, and they do the same thing. I don't think they're as good, though. They're not as good. Arguably, they could be better, though, because you could arm them with special weapons. You could have them running around with melter guns doing that. Yeah. This, this is the thing, mate. It's like Vitrix Honor Guard are stupendous. The problem is with them is, is that they're relatively expensive because... Um, they have old storm shields for a start, unless they've updated them. I can't remember if they updated them now that I'm saying these things out loud. No, no, they they specifically call them out in the FAQ as having the old ones and yes. not um, using the new ones. Because there's a, there's a few things that kept the old storm shields, and they're one of them. Um, but yeah, I'm just and checking. they've got Tigerius. and they've got Tigerius. The Space Who... Marine librarians in the game. It, no, he, he's not just the best Space Marine librarian in the game. Well, see, I would argue that he's not the best Space Marine librarian in the game, but we'll get to that in a moment. But he is definitely one of the best psychers in the game. I think he is one of the best psychers in the game. I feel down. like favoritism is taking a role in your choices. Well, of course, there's always going to be an air of favoritism within these within these comparisons. But what I'm what I'm basically saying to you is is that um, is that I think the big problem is with the, and not, and it's not a big problem, right? Because again. If we're going back to what we we're saying before, the the differences between these guys is super small. But I think the thing is with this is that Gilliman is going to again act as a bit of a crux for you, how people look at ultramarine armies. I challenge anyone to look at an ultramarine army and not put Gilliman in it. I mean, would you not put Gilliman in an ultramarine's army, Joe? Maybe. Really? What would you take, Calgar? Would you? Yeah, I I probably would take. Yeah. Also, they've got one of the best standards relics in the game as well. What's that? So they've got that um, the standard of McCrag. Give everyone within six inches plus one to their attacks characteristic. Everyone else that's got that ability in a relic, it it doesn't stack with um, the charging bonus. Whereas yeah, this correct, one yeah. does, mm-hmm. and it has a twelve-inch bubble of auto-pass morale because Space Marines don't get re-rollable leadership anymore. Correct, yeah. So, but it's not a tw- well, it's not um, it's re-rollable morale, yeah. So you get and you get no, a plus one leadership. No, it's not. You don't get re-rollable morale anymore. No, no, I know that, but the banner's giving that, yeah. The banner 
um, is each time a morale test is taken for that unit is automatically passed. Which is very strong. I will agree with you. Automatically passing your morale tests is massively strong. But again, you're dealing in you're dealing in these 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 pockets of very 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 specific aura based armies again. And I think as we've seen with Tau early doors, as we've seen with like a lot of this stuff, the minute you start incorporating those mechanics, you're limiting your options. You're creating a static army. Okay, fair enough. Gilliman moves and is very happy being in a fight, but he still can't be everywhere, even with the reduced board sizes. And I think this is where the Ultramarines somewhat fall down, because again, the minute you take Gilliman in the list, you've got to be aggressive. And if you're going to be aggressive, then you've got to take stuff that wants to complement that. And again, no one has suffered more from the nerfs to aggressors than Ultramarines, because all of a sudden now, your Ultramarines aren't benefiting from double shooting aggressors all the time they're I mean, still good though still amazing i mean they're great but are they as good as they were <coughs> there's probably an argument to say that you probably take terminators now over over aggressors i totally agree with you i would definitely agree that overall terminators are probably one of the most improved units in the entire codex and that is definitely an important thing to consider but you're still talking about Terminators that want to hang out in an aura of one guy with a limited range. Mm. Unless, of course, you unless of course I'm wrong. Because the problem the problem is with Ultramarines, I find, is again you take Gilliman, then all of a sudden the whole army becomes a Gilliman army. Everything's built around Gilliman. You don't take Gilliman; it's not that good anymore. The only reason I put it in fifth place is because of Gilliman. If it wasn't for Gilliman, I'd probably put him below Imperial Fists. No. No, I would. I really Their would. Their ability to fall out of combat and still shoot makes them one of the most powerful armies in the game. Do you think so, though? Yeah. Like, Phil, what's your you... vibe? Come uh, on, get in there. Yeah. I, I think this time I'm backing the Joe horse. Okay. I think Joe's right. Uh, Ultramarines are really good, regardless of Gilliman. I think the downside of Gilliman, though, is probably people rely on him. And like you said, they force themselves into that kind of static play style. Or not static, but just like that bubble aura play style. Mm. And I think, in a way, it's a bit of a shame. I, I get it that they've still kept him having the really good one because his auras now still affect core units and stuff. And, and like, characters, it has to be said as well. Yeah, and it's You like, can't underestimate how good this and, guy and is. It, and it makes sense. He's a Primarch, but it does sort of go, oh, it's that, that awful play style where everyone just bubbles up around him. Well, I he's, think, still, he's still there. I think Ultramarines can just get away with just running a, a bog-standard Chapter Master on the cheap. That's a bold statement. Because they don't, they don't need Gilliman, and they don't need Calgar. They, they need, they need Gilliman, mate. Without Gilliman, they've got nothing. They've got reroll. They still a chapter master still gives rerolls. Yeah, yeah, but then they're just a, literally you could take Raven Guard and they'd be better. Like, no, this, this, this is the thing because Raven Guard when they go into combat can't leave and then shoot you. No, true, but then you just sort of. But the, the thing is, is you're then relying on units that aren't necessarily looking to kill things in combat, and then you're... I mean, what matchup are you talking about where these guys are getting into a fight, not doing anything that effective, and then leaving? 
Like that's well, the thing. It's more, of a, it's more of a case of when someone charges. If you go up against Harlequins, Tyranids, but don't they just kill you? No. Surely they kill you. Well, you're space marines, so it's not going to be easy. Well, of course it's not going to be easy, but like you know, like a lot of these assault-centric armies, like understand the kind of sacrificial element that they're playing with. Surely the fact that you can move back and kill and shoot them afterwards is obviously advantageous to you. But I, I, I'm just saying, look, I, I'm not even, I'm not even against the ultramarines. I'm just saying, as far as I look at it, I look at it and I go, they've got, they've got the best character in all of space marines. Other than that, I don't understand what's a, what's good about them. Well, the strats. Yeah, the, the strats, strats are good as well. The fact that they get to leave combat and shoot. <laughs> you keep saying it, Joe, but I'm telling you, man. Because like, it's, is... it's it. Because look at Tau, right? Yeah. Like what made Tau incredible? Their entire army had fly. They could leave combat and still shoot you. Correct. Right. Space Ultramarines are the only army in the game that have that ability now. But in terms of so against other space marine armies, if you were stacking this up. And it's annoying because I would then need to tell you, well, I could, you know, any of the four chapters that are ahead of them here, right? When in this matchup is that going to be that valuable to you? Because the thing is, is like most of this stuff is just going to hit you like a ton of bricks and kill you. Or mm. you're going to run into it, do nothing, but you ran into it. So. No, Ultramarines don't charge people, they get charged. Why? Why would you ever charge Ultramarines? Unless exactly. you knew you could kill them. Yeah, so you so if your army is an assault centric army, uh-huh. like you don't want to charge ultramarines because they will just shoot you to death. Unless of and course your army is really good at charging ultramarines like shining spears. I don't know if shining spears do the damage to kill a unit of aggressors. Of course they do. They eat aggressors. How many aggressors? I mean, even even if you put a nine man unit of aggressors in front of them, they eat them. If you took a nine-man unit of Shining Spears and put up against a nine-man unit of Aggressors, they'd be mostly gone. Fair enough. You probably wouldn't kill all of them. You'd probably leave two. Oh, well. Two. What are they going to do? We're going to leave combat and shoot you on fours with our six shots D6. Well, in combat, they punch you with... Eight oh, yeah, points. true. I mean, look, I'm not suggesting they can't punch you back, but two of them's a lot less scary than, a lot less scary than that. And you're not talking about what they do in fighting. You're talking about moving back and shooting, mate. I know, but, like, if you charge the Shining... If you left two aggressors, those <laughs> two aggressors will polish off three or four Shining Spears with no problem. No, I think they'd have a problem. I don't think they'd polish them off. Because they hit on fours in combat, right? And they got Gilliman nearby, so they. All right, so in this instance now we've got Gilliman, right? Okay, cool. So again, you've just you've just continued that 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 situation though, right? So now I'm now it's a Gilliman list. Well, there's a chapter master nearby that gives them re-roll ones. I <laughs> just okay. You can't you can't take it in a tiny little unit versus unit. You've got to look at it as a. As I am a whole that's army. what I'm doing, man. I'm looking at the whole picture here. That's what I'm saying. Where the problem is, they've got one great thing, a load of good stuff. And they're still space breeds. And this is the thing. I'm not suggesting for a second that they're bad. I put them at number five, for God's sakes. I put them higher than Iron Hands, Salamanders, Raven Guard, White Scars, Black Templars. They're great. But they're great because Gilliman's great. And that's, that is it. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, right? I could get my bottom handed to me by someone running Ultramarines without Gilliman in their list. I totally accept that. However, 
I don't think that would be the case if I took any of the four remaining chapters I'm about to talk to you about. Okay. So, anything else for the ultra reads on this topic? No, no, carry on. Get on to number four. <laughs> I feel like I've really upset Joe here. Are you all right, Joe? Oh, I'm fine. Just think you've made <laughs> terrible, terrible choices. <laughs> Phil, what do you think? Oh, you think I'm mad? Uh, no, you're right. They're worthy of a top five position. Totally. Totally. We, we can't really discuss whether you're correcting the ordering until we hear your other oh, right, right. top let's, five. Let's get on to number four then, shall we? What is in those barrels, do you think? It's the Blood Angels. Number four, the Blood Angels. Ooh. So, here's the thing with the Blood Angels. They have got one of the best chapter tactics going. Plus one to charges. Not advances anymore. They used to get plus one to advances and charges. Now it's just plus one to charges. And they get plus one to wound in the first round of combat, which is obviously what they, they, the flesh terror has got as well. Their unit options are crazy. They've got some of the best stuff in Space Marines that no other Space Marine gets access to. They've got, again, as I said, great chapter tactics incredible characters their only downside as far as i can see right now is they've got some terrible strats in this index they got rid of a lot of what made a lot of the janky stuff that they were doing before has gone but what they've given their characters what they've given their um you know just their their army as a whole is ridiculous and you cannot for a moment underestimate the librarian dreadnought which is just a monster. Like, if the if, if at this moment in time, I, I I feel like the Librarian Dreadnought is again one of the best things in the game. It's just dumb. But what do you think, Joe? Come on, I'll start with you. Oh, I need to find the rules for it. <laughs> Have you not read the Librarian Dreadnought rules yet? No. So the Librarian Dreadnought... Well, I, you... I haven't either, so why don't you read it out? Okay, so the Librarian Dreadnought is uh, around 155, 160 points, I want to say. Uh, it is a movement 6, weapon skill 3, ballistic skills 3, so they have reduced its weapon skill from its prior version. It used to be weapon skill 2, ballistic skill 3. Uh, strength 6, toughness 7, 8 wounds, 4 attacks, leadership 9, 3 plus 8. Uh, it's got a bunch of weapons, but the unique weapon it has is its Force Helbert, uh, which is strength plus two, so it becomes strength eight, minus three AP, D3 plus three damage. Each time the bearer fights, it makes an additional attack with this weapon, and no more than one attack can be made with this weapon. So you only use that one weapon once, but then you also have the Furioso Fist, so you get four Furioso Fist attacks, and then you also get the D3 plus three damage Helbert attack. It is a librarian, so this model can attempt to manifest two psychic powers and can attempt to deny one psychic power. Uh, it's got a psychic hood, so it has minus one, uh, or rather plus one, to its deny the witch tests when within 12. Duty Eternal, so it's also a minus one damage dreadnought character, and it can explode, but it's also got access to all the psychic powers and bits and pieces. It's a highly durable, highly mobile because of, you know, Wings of Sanguinius and all that other fun stuff. Crazy Dreadnought Mad Killing Machine. It's super cool. I love it. It's amazing. I don't know. What do you think? I'm still a bit disappointed that... Because um, I speculated that 
everyone would get access to Librarian Dreads. So it's a bit of a shame that that's not the case. I mean, sorry, it's 150 points for the Librarian Dread, not just checked. So it's, not it's bad. pretty, pretty good for the points. And again, this is one of the reasons why... I mean, here's the thing, right? And, and to be fair to Librarian Dreadnought, he's a good, versatile, useful thing, but you haven't even begun to look at crazy things like the Sanguinor, for example. So the Sanguinor now has a new uh, ability called Miraculous Saviour. So you can put your, uh, um, your um, Sanguinor in reserves, and then at the end of a heroic intervention step of your opponent's charge phase... If this model has not yet been on the battlefield and an enemy unit finished a charge move with an engagement range of a friendly blood angel unit this phase, you can set up this model in engagement range. So you can keep the Sanguinor off the table the entire game. Well, not the entire game, because obviously he'll die from battle round four onwards. But you can have three battle rounds of a constant threat of, come at me, bro, I'll bring my Sanguinor. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Imagine that combo with uh, the Judicar making the thing that charged you go last, and then a Sanguinor turns up and chops its head off. Um, do Blood Angels have their own psychic powers anymore? Ooh, that is a question. Uh, I don't think you do get Wings of Sanguinius anymore. It is in here, I swear it was in here. Unless, that, unless this is going to be one of these things where I'm like, oh god, they've got rid of them. They don't, they don't have psychic powers in here. Oh, wow. God, you're which right. That, which means they don't have wings anymore. Oh, well, that changes which things means, a bit. Which means that you just got to spud around to win that all. Oh, well, that absolutely changes things. Maybe I should have put the Ultramarines higher. <laughs> I thought they still had the Psychic Powers. I missed that. No, he doesn't get, and he doesn't get the D3 extra attacks anymore. No, he doesn't get the D3 extra attacks, but that only really massively benefited the um, the Smash Captains. And they're not necessarily what they used to be. I still think this, uh, the Sanguinary Guard are an exceptionally strong unit. I think Dante's had big buffs. I think Mephiston's incredible. I think the Sanguinary Priest is really cool as well. So they've added um, the Blood Chalice ability. So in the command phase, so like one friendly Blood Angel core or Blood Angel character unit. Uh, at the start of the next command phase, in the Tactical Doctrine, basically you can put a unit in the Assault Doctrine. So you can basically go, cool, that unit is Sanguinary Guard in the Assault Doctrine, turn one. Have at them. So, you know, you can, you can muck around with that. If you uh, take Brother Corbin... Like, Mephiston's still a beast, but without wings, he's not as efficient. Yeah, I feel like immediately in you telling me this, because I would that has to be an oversight, right? That has to just have been... Because there has been a lot of mistakes in this FAQ. That has to uh, be one of them. It just says, this model can attempt to manifest two psychic powers in your psychic phase, attempt to deny two psychic powers oh, wow. in your first psychic phase, and they smite in three powers from the Liberia discipline. See Codex Space Marines. Blimey! Well, there you go. It's so deliberate. But then they've taken out all, all the main relics and you know a lot of the stratagems that, that a lot of Blood Angels players rely on. So oh, they got frankly. they got stratagems in um, Psychic Awakening, which is still viable. So they oh, can okay. do. They can do the heroic intervention ability and stuff like that, but no, they, no, don't they, have... they, they wiped out their um, psychic awakening. It's gone, mate. Gone. How did? Where did it say you don't get psychic awakening? In the in the in the psychic awakening FAQ for Blood of Bell. Really? 
Yeah, with that amazing future-proof ninth edition compatible book. Yeah, that they sold. Yeah, they wiped. Uh, no, no, the Space Marines do not use any of the Psychic Awakening books anymore. All the Psychic Awakening stuff has been papooed. <laughs> Joe is literally. I'm trying. I'm. I'm currently reading it. I don't know where. I can't see where it says it. Well, it doesn't say it specifically in that thing. It's really annoying. So basically, the weird thing they've done with Blood and Bell is they've just done an FAQ, which gives you an FAQ for the Tyranid bit of it, but there's no FAQ for the Blood Angels bit of it because they're like, well, that doesn't count anymore. Oh. Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I probably. Okay, upon reflection, everybody. Upon reflection, I didn't realise that had gone. So, yeah, I feel like actually Ultramarines have to have to uh, have to better the Blood Angels. I still think Blood Angels, because of their versatility with a lot of what they can do with their extra units, the Sangre Guard, all that good stuff. Astroff is still a monster. Lamartes is incredible. The fact now that you can do this really like janky stuff with like Death Company and Drop Pods now. Like, there's lots of really amazing stuff in here that I think really makes them still a top five competitor. But losing losing that psych, uh, the psychic powers has basically rendered the Librarian Dreadnought useless and has rendered Mephiston useless, which are two incredibly strong units, or at least they used to be. So, yeah, good ob- observation, Joe. They've uh, the, the Blood Angels uh, stuffed it. Bad times. Sad times for Blood Angels. Are we all happy for me to move Ultramarines up to four and Blood Angels down to five? Yes. It's too much of a faff to change anything else. We'll just we'll just uh, we'll just tweak it in that respect, and I will uh, hold my hands up in my enthusiasm of doing all this research and looking at stuff. I uh, I caught a lot of mistakes in the process, but I'm only human, much like the Games Workshop rules writers. I seemingly make mistakes. <laughs> fair enough. Um, fair enough. But you know. Blood Angels are still pretty cool, though, right? I mean, it's exciting. That Sanguinor change is pretty cool. Obviously, the fact that Blade Guard veterans are going to be amazing as uh, Blood Angels. Uh, Outriders are amazing as Blood Angels. There's lots of really good Blood Angel stuff, not least, obviously, all the exclusive stuff that they've got access to in the form of their, you know, characters and everything else, right? Right. Good. All right, let's move on to number three. The smell of Bolter Fire always stirs. It's the Death Watch, everybody. Ooh. Phil, did you think I was going to make Death Watch number one? N- no, I know exactly who you put number one. Oh, he thinks so. He and thinks have, so. And I have since, I don't know, since number eight. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, of course it's them. Of course, of course. So, Death Watch are number three because, I mean, well... Let's acknowledge from the outset, the Death Watch aren't without their problems, and me and Joe were talking about this before we started recording. They have really mucked up the special issue ammunition situation. So it used to be that everything in Death Watch with a bolt gun or a shotgun used to have special issue ammunition. Credit where credit's due, everything that has a shotgun does have special issue ammunition because they didn't have too much to muck up on that front. But when it comes to the majority of these listings, Storm Bolters no longer have access to special issue ammunition. Um, 
neither do intercessors or heavy intercessors or infiltrators or incursors. All of the Primaris variants have lost their special issue ammunition. Unless, of course, I'm wrong. I mean, Joe, have you have you spotted anything to that extent? Yeah, the only stuff that gets special ammunition is is Deathwatch bolt guns, uh, the shotguns, and combi bolters on the bikes. Well, funny story, not not combi bolters on the bikes. I think they do. Nope, they do. They're old school. Nope. <laughs> Veteran bike squads have twin bolt guns, rapid fire two, straight four, damage one. The only bike that has the twin Death Watch bolt guns is the bike from Kill Team Cassius. Oh. Yeah, I know. Ridiculous, right? Com- combi weapons have special ammunition. Uh, no. They do. The, co- uh, the If you go down to the ranged weapon stats at the bottom... Mm-hmm. The bolt pistol, bolt gun that have got it, all the combi weapons have got special ammunition. Oh, yeah, sorry. Deathwatch combi mail to Death. Yeah, you're right. So the Deathwatch combi weapons do, if you've got Deathwatch combis yeah. on your characters. And there it says Deathwatch twin bolt gun. But that's not a twin bolt gun that the bikes have. Correct. The only bike that has the Deathwatch twin bolt gun is the one in the Cassius Kill Team. Wow. Yeah, massive, massive oversight on that side. But why is it that we feel like these guys feature so highly? Uh, Phil, do you want to talk about this? Because you've been uh, you've been kind of uh, arguing it. The gods, you, you're basically going to say outriders that have the infantry keyword that can be taken in squads of five because <laughs> you can combat squad them and they can go through walls and they're obsec and and they're outriders. I mean, when you say it, Phil, you make it sound so unimpressive. Well, because we've literally been talking about it for like two days straight, and I'm pretty bored of the subject. (laughs) (laughs) And now we've got to do it all over again for the podcast. Yay! Yay! Well, I mean, you delivered it with with such passion. So the trick with, with kill teams that a lot of people have overlooked over the years is the fact that Combat Squad is a real rule that exists in Space Marines. And obviously... What that means now is is that you can create these kill teams with your minimum allocation of intercessors or uh, veteran space marines. So that's four veteran space marines and a watch sergeant or four uh, death watch intercessors and a intercessor watch sergeant. But then you can add five of something else. So you can add five terminators, five veteran bikes, five vanguard vets. In the case of the Primaris, five aggressors, five hellblasters, five outriders. But then what you can do with those five outriders is you can go, cool, I'm now going to, to combat these the, uh, combat squad, these squads. So now I have a five-man squad of outriders and a five-man squad of intercessors. But what's extra fun is because the origins of this squad was that it came from a kill team, it starts with the infantry keyword and does not lose the infantry keyword when it becomes a unit of only bikes. So you now have a 20-wound outrider detachment with obsec and the infantry keyword, which is bananas. It is literally mental. Right. Can, can, can I just clarify a few things? Sure. So, so, so like number one, what happens is when you combat squad them, or it doesn't even say that. It says that when you have just a squad of outriders on their own from a kill team, so because you, you've combat squad them, I guess, 
um, they gain the biker keyword. Correct. And I think that's probably a bit of an oversight because they should have said you get the biker keyword instead of the infantry keyword. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that gets FAQ'd. It might not because obviously if you've got five of them in a, a regular kill team with other infantry, they can do weird things like go through walls and go on a second floor of a building uh, and all sorts of weird weirdness. And that's always been the case with mixed squads with mm-hmm. you know bikes in them. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if that's meant to be played that way. It is odd because they do specifically say um, if you have a squad of just bikes, you can then turbo boost, for example, and use that ability, and you can't do it when it's mixed. So they're, they're kind of aware that you can have squads of them on their own, and that's a thing. Uh, there's another weird rule with the kill team where it says something like... Um, if a unit has, or if models within a unit have an ability that require all the all the models in the squad to have that ability, like then they all need it to use that ability. It's it's a weird worded thing that doesn't really make much sense because there's not many abilities that require everyone in the squad to have it. I would argue that combat squad is one of them, and outriders don't have combat squad, mm. so even though the rules imply, they don't say that they can combat squad. There's an example, and they talk about bikers or outriders being able to combat squad into squads of five. But the rules, if you're going down the rules as written uh, train down that tunnel, uh, I don't think they can actually do it in the first place. It's true. I mean, it is janky, and there is a lot of... um uncertainty in terms of some of those interpretations it's extra weird when you consider the fact that they have shouted out that stipulation occurring within the actual rule set so they've actually used the example of outriders combat squatting um again this is one of the messy things with these versus the final product um but um yeah nonetheless but you can still do this with with regular bike squads right veteran bike squads can still do this so you can still have other death watch bikers with um you know with the infantry keyword, infantry keyword. Yeah. though they're not necessarily as good as you'd hope they would have been before because they used to have death watch guns now they don't any thoughts on that joe yeah. or would you rather move on i what? i want um units upon units upon units of obsec terminators that just sit on objectives well, to be fair, and that's within your grasp, right? And three of those Terminators can be armed with uh, Cyclone missile launchers. Yeah. So you can have five-man units with. Three... I'd probably just keep them really cheap and just give them storm bolters and uh, power swords. Yeah, I'd probably be the same. I think power sword, storm bolter, just for efficiency and points. Yeah, although, given the power fish, is it bad because they're because they're what minus two two damage, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they've changed those up now. Yeah, but the fact is, is that yeah, you can the way the kill team dynamic works is the fact that basically you can fill out like you know you could do, go double battalion and just have yeah you know twelve units five man units of um, of um, veterans and twelve yeah. five man units of of terminators and the fact that the stormbotters have lost special ammunition is no not an awful thing because you can They're still take. Anyway. You can still take five, 
five guys with the normal bolter and um, a storm shield because mm. that puts them at something like twenty five points, twenty three points a model. Yeah, yeah, twenty three points a model. Uh, don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to consult the book, but Troop, probably sounds about uh, twenty points. Storm shield is five points. So yeah, twenty five points a model. Mm. So it's five points more than um, an intercessor, mm-hmm. but it's an intercessor that's always got um, a three up in a three up save, regardless. Well, four up in van, two well, up save. Four, yeah, so it's got a two up save, yeah, and a four up in van, and its gun is arguably better. Yeah, no, it's 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 super strong, and mm. and you know it's one of those things again. Going back to the statement of Terminators are by far and away the most improved thing. So mm. being able to, to utilise those in any great extent. And also, let's not just underestimate their army-wide ability. They re-roll to hit rolls of one against any Xenos, which you're going to see plenty of Necrons, and you will still see Elder and Tau doing the rounds. But in addition to that, they also get re-roll wound rolls of ones against Battlefield-specific things. So, you know, it's that thing where you can go, cool, you've got a lot of elites. I'm just going to shoot them, you know? It's... Yeah, but I was slightly they can't change that now, like they could mid-game, because they don't have that stratagem anymore. Uh, that's correct, yeah. Although I think there is still... Oh, dear. No, you're right, yeah. You are right. They, that is another admission from, uh, from this side of things, because they haven't given them any specific relics or any specific um, any specific uh, stratagems. They're just space marines through and through. Yeah, that is the only downside for them, is that they don't have any of that cool extra stuff. Do they Do they get any, like, warlord traits or stratagems in the uh, book? Uh, uh, only, only the space marine ones. Oh. But the space so, so what you're saying is Death Watch are where have you put them third? Yep. Because of Outriders. No, not just because of Outriders, because of Obsec Terminators, Obsec, Obsec Vanguard Vets, Obsec um, you know, Outriders, Obsec Bikes. This is a game about objectives. No um, one does it better than these guys. Death Watch have got their they've got their new Warlord trait, which is basically the tome of the Exoclades. Oh, okay. So they pick and they pick a squad, um, a core squad, which is going to be your whole army, basically, mm-hmm. um, and then you basically change that the battlefield role that they get reroll ones against for the turn. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not awful. And I mean, again, I feel like. The the because re- again this this is all coming down to the fact that Space Marines as an army are still really strong, but being able to do this weird janky thing really unlocks a lot of potential within this army because of the fact that you can create all of these really durable, really mobile, really versatile units. Because not only is it mad that you you can have bikes with obsec, it's mad that you can have them with infantry, and it's the same thing with obsec terminators. It's the same thing with all this stuff. It's just crazy durability, cheap bodies that are hard to move and really, really good at holding objectives. And and 
99% of games are the, uh, at high level play at least are won by controlling the objectives. You know, and if you've got more, if you've got loads of bodies, and that's the thing that these guys have loads of access to, because you can start spamming out, you know, loads of these guys, and they're super durable. So yeah, that, that's where my head is at with that, and why I've put them so highly. It's because of the nature of the game. They're just they're just super durable. Uh. But there you go. All right, cool. Who have I chosen to be number two? I hear you cry. Well. Sniper, find the coward! It's the Space Wolves! What a surprise. What a surprise. So, Space Wolves, why are they number two? Well, so, their ability is they get plus one to hit rolls when they've charged. So, if you get charged by any big Space Wolves, they're hitting you on twos. Additionally, everything in their army has heroic intervention three inches. So everything in their army can heroically intervene. So do not get close to these guys if you're not looking to have a brawl. Secondly, they have, again, some of the best characters in the game. Ragnar Blackmane is an absolute boss. Uh, I will encourage Joe now to actually look up the rules for Logan Grimnar on his Storm Rider because I think that is surprisingly impressive. Um, there is some mad stuff in there. Uh, you've got Bjorn the Foul-Handed, I think he is, again, still crazy good value for a Dreadnought. Mad durable, just incredible. But the thing that really, 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 really gives these guys the edge is they have got the most units in all of 40k. There is no single army with more options than Space Wolves. They have everything. They've got the most Dreadnoughts. Uh, oh, have they got the most Dreadnoughts? Yeah, they've got... They've got all. They've got the same amount of dreadnoughts as Blood Angels. Sorry, so they've got uh, equal to the most dreadnoughts, and they've also got the most amount of units. And despite people feeling like these guys are pretty one-dimensional, they have got some incredible shooting options. They've got some incredible unique weapons. They've got some incredible, you know, like mobility. They are they are ridiculous. And to top it all off, they've got Wolfen. And Wolfen are the stupidest thing in the game at the moment with their whole, we don't even care if we die, we're still going to fight. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, for me, when I look at when I look at the Space Wolves, I just think, wow, these guys are insane. Like, they've just got so much choice, so and they're good all round. They're just, they're fantastic. Uh, they are really fantastic. It was really hard to choose between them and my number one pick. Um, but what do you think of the Space Wolves? Um, Bjorn's still good. Bjorn's like, very he's, good. He's pretty hefty. Um, You're reading Logan Grimnar on Stormrider. He's all. He's he's not bad. I wouldn't say he's great, but he's not bad. No. How many points would you pay for a Logan Grimnar on a Stormrider, Joe? I don't know, he's probably he's always overcosted, isn't he? So what? He's, I reckon he's what two hundred. Logan Grimnar on his Stormrider, Joe. Is no more than 180 points. Mm, yeah, that's probably actually worth it then at that at that at that points range. He's probably because you've got probably a, all right because you've you've now got the fact that he is. Um, sorry, I'm trying to get back to his bloody uh, bloody profile. So he's got movement 10, which is pretty nippy. Obviously, his weapons are good, but it's two strength four, uh, toughness six, 14 wounds for 180 points. 
five attacks, leadership nine, two up save. If you use his axe one-handed, he's got ten attacks, Joe, if he attacks mm. one-handed. In fact, no, he's got twelve attacks if he attacks one-handed. Because he gets two attacks for every one instead. So yeah. one-handed, admittedly, okay, that's fair enough. It's only going to really work against chaff. But if he uses it two-handed, he's strength eight minus three, flat three damage. And when you've got the um, assisting fury uh, of teeth and claws, each time the Baron uh, fights, it makes six additional attacks with this weapon. And there is a stratagem uh, within this actual thing where you can actually uh, increase the damage of um, that weapon to damage two. So use the strategy in the fight phase for Thunderwolf Cavalry unit from your army. Oh, it's specifically Thunderwolf Cavalry. Is he a Thunderwolf Cavalry? He's not. So forget I said that. But nonetheless, he is still pretty amazing, given the fact that you can... He ain't no Harold Deathwolf, though. Well, Harold's pretty mad as well, isn't he? Harold is well good. (laughs) Yeah, Harold's pretty mad. I think I'd probably take Harold over... Over Santa Claus. Uh, well, ooh, I probably would. You as can't well, target yeah. Harold, whereas you can target Santa. That is true. Santa does. Santa does like getting shot, I suppose. Um, yeah. Well, Harold how, is. Uh, he's only how, um, 140 points as well. Oh, he's not going to include then, <laughs> because he's got because he's got the same rule as a dreadnought. He can't. You reduce all damage by one. Yeah. To him. He's beastly. And mate. he's a captain. And he's got a two up, four up. Oh, and he can advance and charge, you know. How can he ad- advance and charge? Because he's got Swift Hunter. Oh. And Swift Hunter is an ability where you can advance and charge. Oh, yeah, he's not going to include then. Yeah, because they've given that ability, by the way, of advancing and charging to Thunderwolf Cavalry. Oh, thank God. I know. <laughs> is it? it? It's crazy, man. So literally, like, yeah, much, much improved. I mean, obviously by now everyone's hopefully can remember the last chapter that I've not said that's in this book and understand that they must be doing something crazy to be able to to pip these guys to the uh, to the post as it were but yeah no and the thing is even long fangs are bonkers like even when you start looking at things like long fang squads because you can still put a um battle leader in there so you can take a uh, wolf not wolf priest wolf guard wolf guard battle leader in there and you can still give him a cyclone missile launcher and all that kind of stuff so you can have like grey hunter squad not grey hunter sorry long fang squads with a terminator in there just going yeah sure i'll tank all these wounds what have it, it they're crazy man and murder fang and wolfen and ah they're crazy they're super good super super good like literally yeah. i i almost there was a couple of times when i was doing this where where i put space walls higher than my number one pick Kena's Wolfbane's had a massive buff as well. Huge buff. Huge buff. Canis, it's a shame that he's got such a good buff because he's a horrid model. Yeah, he's, he rides that really chubby Thunderwolf, doesn't <laughs> that he? really asthmatic, wheezy, fat, <laughs> flipping wolf. It looks, like, it looks like a hamster that's wearing a wolf mask over its face. <laughs> I would love to see someone who's actually made that model look good because I imagine you could do some great stuff with it, but you'd always just see the face, wouldn't you? Yeah. It looks like it's about to drop dead at any minute. <laughs> it definitely is. It's definitely eaten its fair share yeah. of, uh, of, yeah. of the grub. Yeah, the only downside to Wolfen is that um, 
is the change in the storm shield. True, true. Giving him only a four of invun is a bit of a change because yeah, it gives and they've, him a free and they've only got two wounds as well. Yeah, but again, if you can get him in, if you can hide, they're so durable, man. So durable. Do they get the? Do they still get the five up? Feel no pain. Uh, no, how were they getting that before? I swear they had feel no pain. I thought that built. was an aura thing that they were getting from character, weren't they? It might be. I, I feel like that was like an Ulrich the Slayer thing. I'm looking at oh, the old Thunderwolf Cavalry. Are you looking at the Thunderwolf Cavalry rules? Four wounds apiece. Beastly, mate. I mean, to be fair, if Terminator is one of the much improved units, I'd probably say Thunderwolf Cavalry are up there. Because... The ability to advance and charge in the Thunderwolf Cavalry is Yeah, you, I think now you just take uh, Canis Wolfbane, Harold, three units of Thunderwolf Cavalry, and then some filler. 45 points per model on Thunderwolf Cavalry. Oh, it's worth it, though. It's totally worth it. Four wounds, mate. Toughness, five? Oh, and you can give the... Uh, Storm Shields... Because now Storm Shields give them a two-up save. Yeah, yeah. Bananas is what I would say about the Space Wolves. I mean, Phil, what's your opinion on the Space Wolves? Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty aware that they were good. Uh, I mean, the guy, I mean, this is obviously pre-FAQ, but uh, the guy who won their retreat was with Space Wolves. Like the, and that was pretty much by spamming um, Thunder Wolfen. Um, or, or Wolfen. Wolfen, Wolfen, yeah, yeah. Um, and I presume their abilities still still in there of attacking yep. again after they've died yep 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 yeah. I, I, I mean I, I imagine that will still be in the codex I wouldn't be surprised if it um, gets nerfed a bit down the line with an FAQ if it becomes one of those popular tournament metas which it mm-hmm. could well be um, but yeah I mean solid pick I think Ragnar I mean, Blackmane as well man crazy he's got 10 uh, sorry 11 oh no 10 attacks on a charge he's an eight. absolute Blender. Yeah. Strength 6, minus 4, flat 2 damage. Utter beast. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because even like a year ago, I don't think anyone was really rating Space Wolves all that much, were they? Mm, No. No. Go back a year, they were nothing to worry about. The only thing Space Wolves suffer with is that if you do run an all Thunderwolf army, which I would be encouraged to do so because it's cool. Absolutely. Um, you will struggle if your opponent goes upstairs. <laughs> but that's why that's why you look at although, things like their sky claw units and things. Like it, although that. engagement range is five inches, so mm. as long as they don't go above the first floor, that you're fine. It depends, I suppose, on the size of the the gaming, well, the size of the terrain that you're playing against, and all the other yeah. bits and pieces. But here's the thing, right? If they're running upstairs, running away from you, you've got control of the objectives, right? Yeah, that's true. So if everyone all of a sudden puts their, you know, pulls their uh, pulls their trousers up, so to speak, you're, uh, you know, they're still you're still underneath there, getting all the getting all the good stuff. Um, I don't know. I, just, I think you I think you'd be mad to spam the Thunderwolves. I think you take one big impressive unit of it, but I think you just there's just so much good stuff in this list. And again, we're not even talking about things like their flyer. That thing's crazy. Um, their dreadnoughts are mad, like because they got a flipping dreadnought with a flipping storm shield. You know, <laughs> it's like it's bonkers. Their venerable dreadnought is mad. Um, so, yeah, it's just really, really good, 
really good army. Um, easily a contender for the number one spot. But before we talk about that number one spot, let's recap where we're up to and what we've done. In at number 12, it's the Imperial Fists. Black Temple is coming in at number 11. Number 10, it's the White Scars. Number 9, it's the Raven Guard. Salamanders coming in at number 8. Iron Hands coming in at 7th place. 6th, it's the Flesh Terrors. Thanks to the loss of their psychic powers, coming in at number 5, it's the Blood Angels. Despite me previously saying they were in 5th place, in 4th place is the Ultimates. Death Watch are your number 3, and Space Wolves are number 2. But who could be our number 1 Space Marine chapter? Holy Emperor, what is that foul beast? It's the Dark Angels, everybody. So, that, that's a funny way of saying Deathwing. Well, not just the Deathwing, mate, because the Ravenwing are also incredible. So, the reason here's the thing, right? I do have it's a history. The reason that you own lots of um, Dark Angel models. Well, not just because of the fact I own lots. Of I them. thought you sold all of your Dark Angels. Uh, no, I still got quite a lot of them. I had a lot to get rid of. I've sold a lot of Dark kept, Angels. Kept, kept some for a rainy day when they become peak meta and you can dust them off and be like, oh, I've always been playing these. Did you, see when I, I, did you see when I posted in competitive 40k where I was like, I used to play these guys. Do I still count as being able to say I used to play them when they were bad? Um, well, I, uh, I have you know that the Dark Angels are my first army. So, yeah. Good on you, So I've, I've always loved them. Well... I don't know, right? I mean, before I get into what it is that makes these guys good, can you at any point offer me a reason why you think I'm wrong? The chap is a little bit terrible. What are you talking about, mate? What, a plus one to hit when stationary and ignoring combat attrition? I see. Was you... Yeah, the, the ignoring combat attrition is okay, but you still lose one model to failing your leadership. It doesn't matter, though, Joe, because you know the trick. You're never going to take a green marine in your life. This army is all about Ravenwing and Deathwing synergy. This Both is... of which rely on having to move, so you'd never use your chapter tactic. We don't care, because your chapter tactic isn't that. Your chapter tactic is jink and inner circle. Inner circle... Oh, my God. Do you know what inner circle does, Joe? No, but I'm sure you'll tell me. So... The whole army never takes a morale test. Oh, that's good. So well, each time a morale test anyway. is taken... Each time is... Sorry, Joe, say that. The Dark Angels historically used to be fearless anyway. So, yeah. So they can they never take a morale test. Ever. Uh, while this unit is with engagement range of a fallen unit that isn't a vehicle, it can't mm. fall back. How many times you've ever seen a fallen unit in this game, I don't know. But if you happen to be in combat with a fallen unit, you can't run away from it, unless it's a vehicle. Oh, look, it's nice and thematic. That's good. Mm. Exactly. Each time you select this unit to fall back, unless it has the vehicle, raven wing, or chapter master keywords, roll 2d6. If the result is less or equal to the leadership characteristic, it can fall back. Otherwise, it cannot fall back. 
So each time you select this unit to fall back, if it's a fallen unit, it can't, unless it's a vehicle. And even if it was a vehicle, they uh, oh, sorry, no, if it has a vehicle keyword, you can do it. But if it was something else, you have to roll 2d6 under your leadership. It's, it's a bit weird because with that, it's implying that you've got to fail, you've got to pass the leadership test to run away. And if you fail your leadership test, you stay in combat. Well, Dark Angels used to have the rule that they could never leave combat anyway, I'm pretty sure. Correct, yeah, that, that was just living. In like fifth edition, sixth edition, it was like iron was it iron resolve or something it was called. Mm. Um, you could never fall back. So once you're in there, you're there. You're stuck. You're so, there, going. Oh, I can't be the first one to leave this party. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to stick around. But the thing that really takes it over the edge is if they have the infantry keyword and in a circle, you cannot wound them on anything other than a four plus. Regardless of what you're shooting with, I mean that's cool, but yeah, I mean it's all right. What it's, are you talking about? Tra- it's all right. physiology for the whole army of that, terminators. That is incredibly powerful. It's huge, mate. Because what do you shoot at terminators to try and kill them? Plasma guns, las guns, La- las guns. Mate, good, good luck, man, with las guns. Because the thing is, right, these guys have got a two-up armor save, a five-up invun, and that's not before you're even talking about Deathwing Knights that have... By the way, as well, actually, I think Deathwing Knights are one of the few ones that still have three-up invulnerable saves. Let me just check that in case I'm being a lunatic. Deathwing Champion, Deathwing Knights... Oh, I just read the rules for Belial. Oh, mate, what a monster. Mate, the, only if you downside, re- the only downside to Belial is he looks like an, a 90-year-old man who's about to keel over <laughs> and is in desperate need to go for a wee. Yeah, but you just kitbash another nicer-looking one, don't you? Yeah. So you've got um, you've got that inability to win them on fours. They've got two of our saves. They've got four up in buns if, they're, if they've got the Storm Shields and one up saves if, if, if they've got the Storm Shields. Um, and... You can obviously take the Apothecary, Deathwing Apothecary, and then give them a six-up feel-no-pain aura. Or you can take the Deathwing Ancient and give them a Relic to give them a five-up feel-no-pain aura. Which is bonkers. Then you also take them as like a command squad of them. Because then, if you take a command squad, they don't count towards... Um, they don't count towards your um, army like numbers for the purposes of... Um, for purposes of like slots. So if you've got a character, you can take a command squad and they don't take up an elite squad. And then if you've got a command squad, you can take an ancient apothecary and champion without them taking up a slot. And the Deathwing Warlord traits include Lalo the Mighty, which is an aura. You can reroll wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons against character units or units with a wound characteristic of eight or more by friendly Deathwing units whilst they're within six of your Warlord. So you can make this unit murking tanks and vehicles and characters because obviously if they've got eight or more wounds on their profile you can start having at them or you can use watched which is hilarious because it's an auto pass to deny the witch that it doesn't even matter where you are on the board you just go cool stop that so, which is crazy it's just how, how does that work is that a strategy no, it's just a it's a once per battle warlord trait where you can just go. Ah, oh, don't oh, fancy him. Like once per battle. Okay, Still so. really strong though, man, because you can stop stuff from happening without even being in range of it. You just do it, just like oh, I wanna, I wanna, 
you know, I want to quicken this unit of, um, I want to quicken this unit of, of, of shining spears to get into your ranks and cause you issues. Yeah, cool. No, <laughs> like you can stuff a lot of strategies by by nerfing that ability by by stopping a psychic power automatically anywhere on the board. Who is Lazarus? He is the first of the uh, Primaris Marines to make it into the Inner Circle. Oh, he... yeah. I completely mm. forgot that he even existed. He's a monster as well, right? Is he a named character? He's a named character, yeah. Lazarus. I thought he was one of those... He's just a sergeant and we've given him a name on the box, but he's just a sergeant. No, so... mate. He's a, he's, he's a legit named character and he's crazy. Uh... He's absolutely crazy. It, I mean... This is the thing, right? I mean, have you read the rules yet, Joe, for the Deathwing champion? No. Mate, the I'm Def- slightly annoyed that it's not Ezekiel, but as, I think it is Ezekiel, that his, um, his plus one attack buff doesn't stack, which is really annoying. With the Death Wing. Yeah, yeah, it is because, a bit of a shame. Because they're going to kill whatever they touch anyway when not they get exactly. in on the first round of combat. But I think this is the thing, though, right? It's like, I think... The thing is, the versatility of the, the Deathwing squads is ridiculous. Combo that with the synergies with the Ravenwing. So if you take Ravenwing Black Knights, which, why you wouldn't take Ravenwing Black Knights, I, I don't know, because they've got access to the Jink special rule, which is, if they move, they've got a four a five-up invun. If they advance, they've got a four-up invun. They've got Inner Circle, so they're never going to take a morale test. Unfortunately, they don't have the infantry keyword because they're not Deathwatch. Um, so they will be wounded on, um, you know, threes or twos if you've got a strength six or better gun that you're shooting at them because they're tough as five. But you can also take, like, you know, an, uh, 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 an apothecary with them to give them, uh, you know, the feel no pain auras. Uh, you can also take uh, the banner guy with them to do some other stuff. There's so much ridiculous stuff. Plus, you can also make it so as you can turbo boost or rather, you know, advance the unit of Ravenwing in your movement phase. And then for one CP, you can bring in your Deathwing units uh, within six inches of the enemy within. So basically you can bring in Deathwing units within range of Ravenwing units. So you can bring them down and do all sorts of stuff. So you've just got insanely durable Terminators that you just can't shift because they're just ridiculously hard to deal with. And yeah, sure, Phil, to your point, shooting with a load of last guns, fine, but you're going to be hitting them on fours if you're your average guardsman, wounding them on fives, and they're going to be sitting there going, cool, we've got two up armor save with three wounds a pop and five plus Phil no pain. They're just, they're tough boys. And and the thing is, the five up Phil no pain thing, sure, you can have that in one area, but you can still take the apothecary and have the six up Phil no pain in other places. So you can spread out their auras. And you can take multiple apothecaries if that's what you want to do. So, yeah, these guys are just... The problem is with these guys is, is yeah, they're really one-dimensional. And, yeah, they're not that versatile because you have to take Deathwing and you have to take Ravenwing to make these guys good. But the Deathwing and Ravenwing abilities are so good. It just trumps everything, in my opinion. Tell me I'm wrong. You're wrong. Oh. Why I am I wrong? You- I think because your opponent, because oh, your opponent takes takes a bunch of infiltrators, and then you can't deep strike on the table. Who cares? Just walk over, walk across the board. Mm. Well, I, I would probably not infiltrate many of them. I'd infiltrate enough of them. 
but also the um, the uh, ability, the Ravenwing Deathwing synergy trumps that um, that that twelve inch ability. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. So how many Terminators are you taking in this list to make um, to make Dark Angels playable? Thirty. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, some people are going to do that. Some people like that as a narrative army. Some people will like that as a competitive thing. Yeah. If you look on Games Workshop right now, I'm pretty sure all of the um, Deathwing Terminators are all sold out and all the, the bone colour is sold out. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, so, so people are doing it. But it's like, yeah, great. Like The, the, the number of people that are going to do that, though, is pretty minor. Um Sorry. Well, we'll cool. see, won't we? We'll see. I, I mean, again, this isn't necessarily me endorsing the situation or saying that this is what people should do. I'm just offering, in my opinion, uh, yeah. what's the best. I, well, I, th- I think what you've done is you, you've sort of taken the concept of the top 13 uh, and you've gone, this is the best armies based on sort of the FAQ and the chapter updates, uh, yeah. you know, chapter statics. And then what you've done is you've, you've fallen down Joe's little Death Star uh, trick of the salamanders of i'm just putting all my points into one or two big units to do everything and it's like yeah it's cool it's a, it just seems a bit gimmicky i mean but the, the thing is i'm not i'm not taking one or two big units this is a whole army like this is the, this is the difference an this army stuff. of terminators yeah an army of terminators yeah that can be um, all over the place and do lots of things they are very slow though yeah movement five I mean, isn't there now an ability to uh, redeploy with your um, Terminators using, is it Teleport Homers or something? Where you, but I think yeah, it's only into your deployment zone. Bizarrely, Deathwing Terminators don't have Teleport Homers. Uh, um, or at least they haven't done historically. I'm just double checking. Yeah, they don't have Teleport Homers. So, yeah. Also, they've got. I mean, the... they're plodding. I mean, you've got enough stuff where you can hold the mid table for sure. But but also, and they're going to be super durable. But also, as well, again, you're going to keep a few units back and chuck them out of reserves. And fair enough, to Joe's point, yeah, there's going to be some infiltrators and things that are stopping you from doing that, but not that much necessarily. I mean, again, it's just one of those things where they're just real tough to get rid of. A, de- a Deathwing Terminator comes with uh, a storm bolter and a power sword, right? So they're 38 points a model. So a 10-man unit of these guys is 380 points, which means that you can theoretically get 40 of these guys into an army without breaking a sweat. You can only put 30 in because of the rule of three. Uh, Yes, you are right. Sorry, yes. So you can put 30 in, yeah. Yeah, you make a fair point on that side of things. And then you could add in some Deathwing Knights if you wanted or whatever. Uh, also, well, you say that as well. You can also take... Um... Can you combat squad them? Yes, you can combat squad them, yeah. Yeah, you can You can, You can. can combat squad them. You can also, in the Space Marine book as well, though, you could also... Because um... th- this is the only interesting thing, again, or not only interesting thing, but it's an interesting consideration. Because in the Space Marine book now, they've basically bundled all Terminators together... Or rather, all Cataphracti and uh, Tartarus Terminators as Relic Terminators. Um, and if you take a unit of Relic Terminators, which is different from regular Terminators, they also become Deathwing. 
but they don't gain the inner circle ability currently. A bit like Blade Guard. They're like Blade Guard, yeah. So there's lots of stuff in the Space Marine book that gains Deathwing, but they don't gain inner circle because inner circle is specific reference. So what does gaining Deathwing give you? Is it access to um, being affected by auras and stratagems? Yeah, auras, stratagems. But I think I think probably what's going to happen when they finally put their book out is they're going to get inner circle as well. But that's when they get their book. And that's assuming Inner Circle stays the same. I mean, this is the one thing I will say to everyone rushing out and buying those Terminators. Be prepared for them not to be as good in six months' time. Because this is always what GW does. There's no way this is going to stay this good. Because it's too good. Like, I, I, not being able well, to... Well, what will be interesting is, are these rules written in conjunction with the codexes? So let's assume the codex is already written... It's on. It's 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 waiting to go to press. For example, have they just gone? Well, let's just lift those data sheets off, and we we just use them here. So they get preview of the army. It's a bit of a beta test. Um, obviously, if something's too powerful, we just nerf it with an FAQ. So spoilers, that might happen. Mm. Um, or was this written even before that? So they've gone. This is a cool idea, and then in a month's time, um, they've gone. Actually, no, this isn't very good. We've we've create something else or we've seen people uh play it and everyone's going mad for deathwing and it's too broken so we're gonna tone it down in the final codex my assumption is is that the data sheets are accurate the universal special rules will change so i think i think inner circle will change i think inner circle will stay fearless and i feel like they might make it something else um but yeah the, the, the only wounds on four thing is crazy man because it, it's just it massively, massively hinders your ability to get rid of those guys, especially with the invuns, the flexibility of these units. It's 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 pretty mad, man. I mean, again, to Joe's point, you can only take thirty of them, but you know, you take thirty terminators, and I don't know how many bikes you could necessarily chuck into that, but you could take a lot of bikes as well. I'm Surely something like uh, Redemptors or the new Gladiators with the heavy onslaught cannons are like the perfect counter for this because they pump out a ton of shots. They're like, what, strength six minus mm-hmm. one AP? So it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, they're still wounding you on fours. Uh, That's anyway. a huge debuff, though, Phil, because you, you've, you've taken down your... From, from the... wounding you on threes to fours, yeah. Yeah, which is huge. You know yeah, that's but, huge. You've, you've but, rolled enough dice to know that that's a massive difference. Yeah, but it's like you're just pumping out a number of shots. And then, yeah, you're probably only minus one or minus two AP, so you're at that sweet spot where you're hitting them on their inbound save anyway. Mm-hmm. And you've just got the volume of shots because they, they just pump out so much. So I think there are counters out there to that list that, on if you're not expecting it, is going to do really well. Mm. just because it's really durable but then i think someone else will be like cool here's my tank that does 24 shots or whatever yeah but 24 what shots like 24 one damage shots yeah i think they're one well, they're one damage a heavy um onslaught so you're going to be hitting on freeze right yeah so hitting on freeze relatively straightforward 18 hits and then wounding on fours you'll wound nine times minus one or minus two well, it depends which doctrine you're in. Let's say you turn one, so I guess it's AP1 to AP2. So minus two, so you're on four up saves. 
So, yeah, so we're saying nine wounds all in. So you'll fail uh, four, uh, maybe five, but I'll, I'll be generous to my beloved Deathwing and say four. Um, and then let's say they are getting that. Oh, no, I'll say five. And then the feel no pain five plus that we said could be in effect. But let's just take that out of the equation. You, you killed one and a half Terminators with, with that big old gun. Now, don't get me wrong. One and a half Terminators is pretty good. But they, but that's still only sixty points worth of stuff, and that gun should be doing a lot more than killing one and a half Terminators. Well, right? that's true. Well, yeah, I mean, because to use that by comparison, worse. shooting that at a normal Terminator squad, you would have killed three. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, that that's the difference maker, though, right? I mean, you could yeah. you probably would have killed three and done a bit of a wound on the fourth. So yeah, you're, you're, you're say, again, doubling you're, their durability. Yeah, you, you, you're going down that kind of, this only works if I take Gilliman mentality, though. It's like what I would like to see in the number one spot, and maybe this is still true, is an army that can be super flexible because it's like I'm, I, can, I can just take loads of different options. I have to. If, you say, that, that if you say Dark Angels are only good because you have to take a ton of Terminators, then I'll say that's not very good. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that is true. I think that is true. That is why Space Wolves sat at number one for a while, but I just couldn't ignore how good that Deathwing stuff was. Well, it is it is good, even if it's just worth uh, discussing it. Uh, how would you, as, as a bonus pick, because um, I guess you know what the new custom chapters are, right? If you had a pick between one of these or doing a homebrew chapter, which would you pick? Depends what the goal is. I still do Dark Angels. If I was going try hard, I'd always go Dark Angels at the moment. Oh, okay. I just would. Because you can't... The problem is, in order to get the inner circle ability, you need to be Dark Angels or a successor chapter that's using the Dark Angels successor well, yeah. chapter. So, so what would you rather have? The Dark Angels successor where you can pick two things? No, or... no. You have to have the Dark Angels successor that has the oh, same... Oh, Inheritors of the Primarch. That's right. the one, yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So that's the only way you access that stuff. But it's just too well, good, yeah, man. It's too good. It hurts me because I wanted Space Wars to be number one for me, but the Dark Angel stuff is too good. That's the problem. I don't know. Joe... I, 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 hear, I can hear that bone-coloured rattle can uh, being shaken in the background as we speak. <laughs> well, that might be Joe. I don't know. <laughs> Joe, do you, want, do you want the final thought on all of this? Salamanders for number one. Mate, come <laughs> on now. You can't say Salamanders are number one. Yeah, I can accept. I can. I can. I can accept your argument for the Ultramarines being better than the Blood Angels and so on and so forth. But you, you can't say you. You yourself were saying that the Ultramarines are better than the Salamanders. They are, yeah. So okay, <laughs> so not Salamanders but, for number one. No, but Salamanders for number one. All right, fair enough. Number one in your heart, Joe. No, just everywhere. Everywhere. All over the place. I oh. don't. I don't. I don't love them enough to have them in my heart. <laughs> Probably wouldn't be That's very where good Abaddon for lives. And That's where Abaddon Legion. lives. That place is there for the Black Legion. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. Well, anyway, guys, look. Thank you for listening along to my uh, to my you know perspective. Uh, thank you for challenging every one of my decisions and saying how stupid I've been. Um, again, that's the joy of a top ten. Style list, not everyone's going to be right 100% of the time. I'm sure I've upset plenty of 
hardcore fans of various things. But um, yeah, that's the uh, like, final final thought. Dan, who's got the best hat? Uh, oh, the best hat for me. I feel like the best hats probably go to. Oh God. Raven Guard, Beaky Marines are the way forward. Raven Guard were up there for me. I kind of feel like the best hats have to go to. Oh, gee, you're not gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna really accuse me of the fanboyisms now, but I'm gonna say Dark Angels. Oh. Old wing hats. Old wing hats. M- mine's controversially Sons of Horus. Oh, hang on, coming out of left field with the Sons exactly, of Horus. Exactly, exactly, going old school. <laughs> Sons of Horus don't exist. They're all dead. I was trying to think of something that wasn't Dark Angels because I appreciate it sort of really continuing to uh, to make me see it seem like I'm such a Dark Angels fanboy. But I just I just love those winged hats. You know, the old school guy that with the like the monopose one that was holding the sword downwards. Oh, that hat! What a hat! Oh, the, oh, the one that came in um, Dark Vengeance. No, not the Dark Vengeance one, like the one that predated that, like the old oh, second yeah. edition one. Oh, You're with a massive back there. That's him. The, what plumage. What plumage. Yeah. He was definitely showing off to the ladies. And he had the, the, the moulded cape. Yeah, gorgeous. Gorgeous, mate. All right, guys, there you go. That was that bit. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Please don't hate me. Bye-bye, everyone. Transitional noise. Alright guys, that's it. That's the end of episode 61. It's really late and we can't be bothered to do any more of this because it's been I'm just so tired. He's so tired. They won't let me go to bed. Phil wanted to talk about Crusade. Phil, do you want to quickly say something about Crusade? Crusade, so you're going to do it? Yeah, no, it's rubbish. Cool. Anyway, bye guys. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.